I was a lion in the tall grass. Wish I had a pilot and a podcast. Wish I had a strong donkey that can holler ass and travel with portable speakers playing boss scans. Wish I had a million dollars. Wish I had a million hours. Wish I had a million problems. That way I couldn't pinpoint all one million outcomes. I wish I found a genie man. I wish them girls gave me them sugar like Beanie Man. Yeah. I wish I was a comedian. Late night sitcom syndicated on TV land. I wish this well had water in it. These kids are stealing all my pennies. I'm focused on my wealth. You can help me wish, but I would rather wish the help was like. Hello, and welcome to episode 20 of The Debrief. I am your host, Brianna Joy Gray, with whom you are probably quite familiar at this point. And I'm very excited for today's episode, Men Are From Marks, in which we follow up on our very popular all-female panel from last August, talking about what it is like to date on the left. I am simulcasting right now, hopefully, if this worked accurately, to our uh, Bad Faith YouTube stream so we can bring in some of that audience for the first little part of this. And then we will switch over to being exclusively on Colin so that I can take your questions and we can talk in a somewhat more intimate environment. I'm just checking uh, right now to make sure everything is working from a technical perspective. So while I do that, I'm going to play a clip from the episode to get us started and to orient ourselves just a little bit um, about where we are in this conversation. So without further ado, here is a short clip. A question that came up on the, on the lady. Yep, that's not working. Just one second. So sorry. I have to adjust and make sure my sound is going through the soundboard. And now that should work. Basically, there we go. Would you date? a broke guy and the ladies weren't really about it. And there was some negative feedback about that and whether that is in conflict with one's leftist values. And I want to know what you gentlemen have to say about that. I am broke. Okay. All right. (laughs) Let's be real. All right. James is broke. (laughs) And my boyfriend got with me when I was broke. (laughs) Okay. Is your boyfriend broke? I'm not going to speak for him. <laughs> Look, I'm not going to fault somebody for being a victim of this capitalist system. And if their heart and values align with mine, bring it all over, baby. We'll start something. And if you need, and if you need me to help take care of you, then you know we'll help take care of each other. Yeah. Well, l- well, let me ask you this, Jackson. Has it ever come up for you that you dated a woman who had? you know, so little resources that it negatively impacted, impacted the relationship? No, I don't think I would care. Like if you have money or not, I would want someone to be driven. Like I dated a girl who is, uh, who is very lazy and that got on my nerves. What do you mean by lazy? Uh, She just wanted to surf all day, every day. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like I love surfing too, but like to just hang out at the beach all day, every day, it's like, I can't really do that. That that was one thing, but like I don't think I'd care about money. No, sometimes it's a combination of someone who's depressed because. Ooh, I don't know what just happened there. Oh, it's my fault. There's no way out. I, like I don't think I'd care about money. No, sometimes it's a combination of someone who's depressed because of their life circumstances, 
and also not critically trying to resolve the things that are making them unhappy. And so that's a kind of circular land of I'm just upset and there's no way out. And ambition would be the way out and ambition to do whatever, change jobs, move cities, whatever it is is going to make you happy. And the other thing is I think that sometimes I, I have begun checking more for ambition, again, is not the right word, but to have some sense of where you want to be, whether it's your professional life or your personal life in the future. I'm constantly thinking about the different, you know, how I would like my life to look two, yeah. three, four, five, six, ten 10 years from now. I frequently find when I put that question to men, they're like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I like my job. That's okay. Great. Where do you see yourself like personally in five years? So around here. All right. Okay. I'm ready for you. I see you guys all up in the queue. You have your thoughts and feelings. I'm psychologically prepared to get dragged for filth right now. Let's start. We've got case study up, up first. Hopefully he's not too hard on me. Unmute yourself and let me know what you're thinking about this episode case. Case, want to unmute yourself? Case study, I'm going to have to go to the next caller, but go ahead and get back in line when you come back around. All right, Jonathan, let me know what's on your mind. Unmute yourself and let me know. Hi, Bree. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I enjoyed this episode, although not quite as much as the one with the all-woman panel. I found that <laughs> quite a bit more interesting. Maybe that's just a function of me being a straight male and finding women's voices more pleasant than men's, but I think both were definitely worth listening to. And I thought I could uh, maybe just give a little bit of background on my own experiences dating uh, the past few years as a leftist. And if anything you find curious about what I say, feel free to interrupt and ask me to elaborate a little bit. Does that of sound course. good? Yeah, of course. Shoot. Yeah. So I'm a 25 year old. I've uh, been working for a couple of years. I grew up in SoCal and I moved up to the San Francisco Bay Area for college um, and then after that, I began working um, nearby, first in San Francisco and then later in the East Bay uh, during COVID. And I think that in terms of my dating experiences, um, I, I feel like politics can be a little bit of a personal thing for someone. Like I'm, some people like yourself are a lot more brave than me and are willing to talk about it in a public forum. But I actually <laughs> or play things stupid. a little... <laughs> No, no, I wouldn't say so. But I usually play things a little closer to the chest. Like, I think most of my, uh, you know, good friends know what my positions are generally um, on social and economic issues. But I, would, I wouldn't my, say most of my casual friends uh, do. And <clears throat> usually when I go on dates, it's not the first thing that I would bring up unless my date happens to bring it up. I would say that my approach is I try to just suss out if they're like a, someone who has empathy, you know, uh, someone that has like a genuine sense of empathy for people less fortunate than us and, and marginalized groups. I think that that can be kind of tough in the Bay Area. Like it's known as a very socially liberal space. And I think it tends to earn that credo. But yeah, behind closed doors, there's a lot of people who can have pretty distasteful opinions about certain groups. And that's always like disappointing mm. to find out. When, well, what do you when mean that by that? Happen. What, what does that sound like in a date? Cause as someone who is black, I'm not out usually 
with people who are willing to kind of be explicit about having, let's say, you know, regressive racial opinions, for instance. Occasionally I'll sure. get a man who will say something um, that's homophobic, right? Uh-huh. But I'm, I'm curious what that looks like for you. Uh, you know, what kinds of things are people saying on these dates? So uh, no, I wasn't actually referring to dates per se, like them mm. saying distasteful things. I just mean like work acquaintances, in some cases like classmates or like friends of friends that I've met. Um, I think the way I would in- sort of encapsulate it, I, I think the biggest one is like a very strong disdain for homeless people that mm. a lot of the, P- I, I don't, I'm not saying Bay Area natives are like that. I'm not saying that at all. I'm talking about like the PMC kind of people who, like myself who come up for college and they get like a software job or like finance job around town. That's, that's who I'm referring to. Uh, I guess like a way I would illustrate it um, after prop 22 failed in November, 2020 on the ballot, which I know you're quite familiar with. I think you did one or two mm-hmm. episodes on the matter, but one of my friends said to me, you know, the Bay area is really just capitalists who enjoy being outdoors. <laughs> and I think that's, <laughs> I think that's a good way of describing a lot of people's politics, especially those among the income bracket that I myself am in and whom I tend to date. So it's not so much that people I've dated said things to me that made me disturbed in terms of their worldview. But I think that um, looking back five or six years ago um, on myself, when I had much worse politics than I do now as like a pretty doctrinaire liberal, I think that you know, I, I like to hope that I'm a generally decent person. Um, that's obviously up for debate. You'd have to ask people that I know. But I think back then when I had much worse politics, I wasn't necessarily a more or a, a less open-minded person or a less empathetic person. I think I just didn't have enough life experience to really understand um, what a lot of the real world ramifications are of certain economic policies. So I like to think that if I meet someone who's open minded and, you know, she's a bit more to the right of me or not quite as left that, you know, we could just have a sense of common ground in terms of empathy for other people. And from there, I could kind of pull her over to my um, to my views. In terms but, you're, of but this is all this is all in the realm of hypo- hypothetical, Jonathan. And I'm curious whether or not this has actually been something that you've encountered, because my impression from the gentleman on the panel and if any of them are in this chat someone let me know so i can pull them up but my impression from the gentleman on this panel was that like at points in the conversation they were kind of staring at me a little blankly like this is is not even an issue and for the women it was like let me tell you about the last six times this happened to me in (laughs) pointed granular detail right so have you so for for example jonathan have you ever been on a date or been pursuing someone and then had to course correct because you found like there was a roadblock politically or because they were, uh, you know, offended by your politics either way. Um, actually, no, I have not had that experience personally. I'm sure many other men have. And I think that maybe the cause of those on the all female panel being disturbed by some of the opinions of, men to the right of them that they happen to date might just be that I think men are for various societal reasons, a little more confident, like expressing opinions that they're not sure of, you know, maybe sort of a sense of overconfidence on a first date, willing to um, really air some things that they don't think are necessarily unpopular. Do you think that might be the case? 
Um, I guess I'm asking, do you feel more cautious as a woman on dates, like discussing deeply held beliefs that you have? No, I mean, no, except for that. I know that if there is a disagreement, I think the gendered aspect of my hetero male, female dynamic is that it will be in some instances more difficult to get past the disagreement because there is at times hashtag, not all men, but there is at times an unwillingness from some men to be bested in an argument or to even be confronted with a view that's different than their own that doesn't readily concede in a way that I think that they're, they're, they're used to. So for me, I'm a very much agree to disagree. I'm here to have fun and have a cocktail and just get through the evening. But I have found, and I said this in the all lady episode, sometimes I find that when I say I'm going to agree to disagree, people get almost offended by that because they really want to battle it out to the end and win. And I'm thinking, well, if we battle this out to the end, you're going to lose. Let me let you save face. We don't have to talk about this. It's not that important to me. I truly don't care if you agree with me about this. It's it's going to be okay. And that, to me, I think, is a gendered aspect of this dynamic that doesn't exist the other way. Women are, I think, societally trained to kind of be like, okay, and back down to avoid an escalation of conflict. I see. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I guess I'm somewhat fortunate that I don't have to deal with that as someone who doesn't date men and isn't forced to tap dance around. Yeah, the male I'm, ego I'm real jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say Kate, Kate was clear that she says women are trash too. So uh, <laughs> we need, we need more representation. <laughs> well, thank you for calling in Jonathan. I'm going to try to move through this queue, but I appreciate you always. Of course. My pleasure. All right, Brian, it's always good to see you in the chat. What's on your mind? Hey, good to see you too. Can you hear me okay? I can. Okay, awesome. So we're on YouTube, so I'll probably get dragged with you, but it's fine. Here we go. <laughs> um, I think the I agree with Jonathan that um, the men's panel wasn't quite as um, fruitful as the women's panel, and I think that's for a couple reasons. Okay. Reasons one, two out of the three panelists were in relationships, mm-hmm. so they weren't like looking um with the same veracity as all of the women were and also i think that like me as a gay like progressive person i think dating is very different than like what the straight guys had to offer Mm. and um i could get into that about like my dating standards but i feel like what you're really doing is research for yourself so i have two (laughs) things for you (laughs) number one i think I don't think DC is your city. I really, I really don't. Oh and then, <laughs> to break it to you, New York wasn't my city either. I think it oh, might it's not, not my city, city either. Like I'm silly for saying if, <laughs> if the goal is to get a man, but also um, something that I have been thinking about is like my standards and trying to like evaluate it with like, like what's that piece of advice? Like all your fashion standards take off one piece of clothing and uh-huh. like, you're a little bit more flexible. Uh-huh. I've decided to like take off one standard on my like quote unquote checklist. <laughs> and that has been like um, giving me more dividends. And for me, that's height. Like I don't discriminate based on height anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but you used to. I did. And I was single for many years. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so what what was your previous height cutoff, by the way? Um, I would go down to five six if he was fine. <laughs> but, okay, and how tall are you, Brian? I'm five eight. Okay, 
okay. Okay, that wasn't, that's not, I mean, that's not hugely unreasonable. You weren't out here. You're not like one of those spinners who are always like, the shortest girl in the world wants to date a guy who's 6'4". Right. <laughs> right, right. No, my, my checklist is not like OD. I think it's reasonable. Like when I, when I talked to Olay that other day, uh-huh. I was like, I was like scared because I was like, mm, I would date somebody who makes like 40,000 ish. And she was like, oh, that's way too low. And I was like, OK, well, I'm trying to be like I'm trying to have standards, but at the same time, um, be accommodating. OK, um, so so, Brian, I, I have to interrupt you just briefly because Bertrand Cooper has joined the live stream here on on um, YouTube. And I want to make sure Bertrand, can you say something just to make sure it's coming through on the call on app? Can you hear me? I wasn't even expecting to be here. Okay. You're coming through you're coming through on my computer. Can you guys from Colin hear him? Can you give me a thumbs up if you can? Okay. Apparently they can hear you, but I'm afraid they're just hearing you through my computer. So I'm just gonna make sure I have the sound being routed from my computer through the roadcaster, which it is. All right. If everyone seems like this is working, I'll let sleeping dogs lie, even though I feel like it's a little ad hoc. Okay. So Brian is telling us that he used to have like height qualifications that he's gotten rid of. But why do you think DC is not my city? What do you really think that going to a different city is going to yield dramatically different results here? Well, I can't say for sure. Cause like, even though I think like you're my best friend in my head, I don't actually know you, <laughs> but um, I went to DC and I, I dated somebody from DC and like, we went out several times and I just did not like it. I didn't really love the people. I didn't really think that like the scene was that fun. And I'm like a gay guy. So maybe it's different for um, straight women and like the DC scene, but it was just not for me. And I just feel like it's kind of like the political version of like dog eat dog where everybody's just trying to like out political out credential each other that is and accurate yeah and i just feel like there's like so many shit libs and i just i don't know it's just not for but me come on, like guys everyone everywhere is a quote-unquote shit lib i mean that's just the majority of average democrats in america this isn't like a dc problem you can't tell me oh i'm i'm from manhattan kansas and no shit libs here i'm from atlanta and no one here is problematic i'm from you know, uh, Austin, and this is totally great. Like, liberals are the predominant non-conservative group in America. And so, so Bertrand, one of the things that, that Brian said first and foremost was that he felt like the men, the male episode was a little less helpful because the men, most of the men were in relationships. And you're, you're guilty of that. I'm a terrible person, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but but here's the thing like to me regardless of whether you're in a relationship like I date people all the time it doesn't mean that the stories and experiences that I've had previously aren't germane to the discussion do you know what I mean I do get Brian saying that because I mean if everyone in the women's panel was dating I mean it's the people who are out in the pool who have just the horror stories and like once you're I don't know, once you're in a relationship, I, I think if I just tone down the stories, yeah, especially, um, I guess in my case, because I, you know, I didn't really get to have the full dating app experience and out in a relationship so quick. Well, Brian, Brian, what did you make of um, Bertrand's ability to meet people in real life versus on the apps? Because James was saying that he was also very app dependent and he alluded to the fact that it's because uh, that's more like culturally relevant to him as someone who's a gay man looking out on the market. Um, 
Yeah, I totally agree with James. Like, I've definitely met most of my exes on apps. I met one in person, but then I looked back at my apps and he actually messaged me like three weeks before I met him and I just forgot to respond. Um, I don't know. I think that, I do think that like you have to make sacrifices and it's important to be open-minded, but I think that having standards is okay too. And it's just a matter of evaluating (laughs) like which standards um, are more legitimate and I haven't figured out that either. Like, I'm single as well. Yeah, the standards but... aren't... I, I really just feel like the standards aren't the issue. The bar is on the ground. Like, the bar is on the ground. Like, I don't know how many times I have to say the bar is on the ground. <laughs> like, I, I, I am not sitting here saying, like... Like, the, the people the people that I have been out with, like, I would almost be embarrassed to, to admit to in some instances because of how far they are from what my actual ideal is. An actual ideal that I left some somewhere back in 2012. Like, 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 I forget what it was. I think the heading that you did for calling was like, do men care about politics? And I don't have an answer about that yet. But after a whole talk, I was like, hey, why not not bring it up? Politics, am I just like ignoring it in my relationship? You guys don't care. Let, Let me, let me be honest. I think that you guys just don't care about anything. I, I don't want to be overly reductive about men, but like, I like the women I talk to, the way I think about my life, it's like there are all these qualities that I really appreciate and admire in the, my friends and my family and myself that I've cultivated over the years. And I see those qualities in other people and I have the utmost respect for those qualities. And when I'm in a dating scenario and I see a man who has those qualities, I think, oh, what a gem. How amazing that he's you know, a brilliant writer, he's accomplished this and that in his life, or that he's, you know, so athletic, or he's so poised, or he's so charismatic, or he's so good with people, like, whatever it is, I think, oh, this is, you know, you don't meet people like this often, like, what, what a diamond. And I see men looking at women in my life that to me are similarly situated, and just having no, like, they don't value those traits. I don't know what your decision making mechanism is, but it is completely like in a different universe from what mine is. And it leaves women feeling really like demoralized because <laughs> they feel like it, it doesn't matter how great they are. Like it doesn't matter how much they work on themselves. It doesn't matter because the things that women are valuing in men rightly or wrongly just don't seem to be um, what men are looking for. Yeah. I, when I look back, I feel like all I can do is probably say that I, uh, corroborate your take on things. All right. Do you uh, see this? Do you see what I'm doing with Brian? <laughs> yeah. Can't relate, but I can because, like, it's hard as a gay guy, too. So I don't want to take up too much time, but I'm in the struggle with you. I, I see you. I hear you. We can have a margarita <laughs> later. <laughs> um, Thank you, Brian. I appreciate you. Remind me where you're located. I live in New York City. I live in Queens. Okay. All right. Well, I'll see you when I come home next time. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Talk to right. you later. <laughs> Talk to you later. All right. Um, it's the doctor. Doctor, you must have a long last name because only doctor shows up when I bring you up. That's why I always call you doctor. I'm not trying to be funny. Um, uh, what, what's on your mind today? It's Dr. Oluwatini, but doctor is just fine. Dr. Oluwatini in the chat. What did you think about today's episode? Okay. So pr- I want to preface real quick with something. Um, I typically listen to you while I'm um, cleaning my condo or I'm at the gym. So I was at the gym today within five minutes of the episode on Patreon. I was like, no, damn, it, I need to see a video because <laughs> um, 
um, which it wasn't present. Uh, but the reason I wanted to see is because you, you can extract much more contextual information, such as physical mannerisms and like facial expressions, expressions, which you give plenty when you're doing interviews or. Yeah, I don't have much of a poker face, I'm afraid. <laughs> no, you don't. So it, it was just so, you know, that's the same feeling I had today was the same feeling I had in the first um, um, all women's panel. So, you know, when I then within five minutes, um, you started doing a, a live uh, video of the um, Patreon episode. I was like, thank God. And <laughs> not disappoint. Your facial expressions and your physical mannerisms are cracking me up based on like uh, Bertrand, uh, Bertrand and James and um, Hinkle's uh, responses, such as like um, when Hinkle said he he went to uh, brunch with a stripper, um, but she, he couldn't go to dinner. Um uh, because yes. your facial reaction had <laughs> everybody was staring at me like busting out laughing at them. <laughs> um, yes, I had to exercise some degree of restraint uh, so that we didn't go off on some frolic and detour, frolics and detours in the course of that conversation. Um, but, but yes, I, I had thoughts and feelings about uh, some things that we didn't get into. But I'm curious what you made uh, of this tension that I'm feeling between the male episode and the female episode since you listen to both. And how the fe- the women seem so unhappy uh, with the, the state of dating in the world. And the men seem to act like there's just, I mean, there's no problem. And I don't think it's just about being single or not single, right? Because I've been, I spent most of my life not single, you know, I hop from relationship to relationship, but there is still some frustration with how things resolve from the female end. Um, so, you know, this is anecdotal, this is just my experience. Um, I feel like based on the women that I've dated, um, um, and I recently got a long-term relationship last summer. Um, the women that I've dated have had more um, uh, restrictions, not restrictions, um, like baseline. Their standards are like... Oh. Standards. The word yeah. is standards, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> it's their standards. Sta- standards. Um, like ours, I mean... I'm not, well, I'm not want to speak for the um, the general male leftist population, but for me, I don't need you to be as uh, like far left on, on my issues um, as I am. Um, I just need you to understand my uh, the, my issues, and um, um, and I don't I don't want to explain things to you. Um, so, like um, my last girlfriend. She, I would consider her a leftist, even, even though she does, she wouldn't have described herself as as such. Um, she uh, had like a hard line, you know, like only date black men because I don't want to explain black issues to like a white person. Mm-hmm. And after being uh, with her for four years, I realized like, you know, because like previously before her, I was like, no, I'll, I'll date anyone now, marry anyone. But now I'm more restrictive because. I can see how, um, you know, like, for example, recently I uh, went on a date with this uh, white lady and she asked me the question, like, would I marry a white woman? And I, just, I thought about it in that moment. I was like, actually, no, because I don't want to explain explain certain leftist issues, especially around uh, a race uh, um, to you. And I could see that at times she didn't understand certain things that she was proving my point uh, in real time. So, um, yeah, I think that women based on my experience the last 10 years, 
that they have a lot, a lot more or higher standards. Me, I'm like, as long as you understand my issues, we don't mean, we may not agree on policy prescriptions, but that's fine yeah. for me. Um, so I'm really glad you brought this up. It's a little touchy, but race was a thread that kept coming up in the women's discussion, less so in the men's discussion. And it is one of those, I won't call it like a, a, a standard, but it's one of those issues that I know that for a lot of black women is an issue. And I, and I, and some people will say, love how you, who you love. It doesn't matter. And I'm glad Bertrand's here to talk about this as someone who, you know, is biracial. That issue of wanting to, exp- not wanting to explain things to people, I think is a substantive issue. It's not like a superficial thing like height, you know, it's substantive. It's a substantive question of sometimes it's a values question. Sometimes it's a, what if I'm not here and this person is raising my black children without me question? Like, what is this going to look like? How is this going to impact many parts of my life? And I think that most black women I know have concerns about being seen and understood in a holistic way that might require your partner to be, if not black themselves, another person of color, or at least have had to have some pretty unique life experiences. I will also say that it has been the case that I have dated a black man who was like Canadian and Caribbean and outside my own personal cultural experience with whom I had many, many fights about what I consider to be very basic black issues because I was coming from a black American context and he would be like, I don't understand what's wrong with the plantation wedding. And I would be like, (laughs) what is the point of you being black right now? (laughs) You know what I mean? Bertrand, I want you to weigh in here. Is that something you ever think about? Yeah, it is something I think about. Um, I want to say you touched on this before, Bree, where you were just talking about um, the experience of racism and whether or not you want to subject your children to racial insensitivity, you know, be the partner who isn't black. Um, being, <laughs> being biracial, I... So my ex was white. Much of her family was uh, just was fine, but a lot of them were like, we're a racist. I dealt with like a lot of just racial shit about me being mixed or about like what our children would be like. And I've been dealing with that. I'd also experienced it on my own family. Um, it does wear my mind. I think it's easier for me to pay less attention to it. Partners because I'm not thinking about the children, but I remember hearing once you think about having a children relationship, I think that does change things. For example, my mom who's white, uh, her father was racist towards black people. So the moment she became pregnant with me, she just cut him off because she didn't want to risk the possibility that he would say some shit to me. <laughs> um, yeah. And that is one of the things that I, um, that I'm always coming up against because I, you know, I had to go with the whole love who you love thing. So, you know, my long-term partner, she was white. My current partner is Peruvian. Uh, um, and there's just, I'm used to coming up against that when you don't, when you're not around black people, just the high likelihood that someone's going to have some disparaging views on black people. But here, here's the thing, Bertrand, I have never been in a relationship, like I have never dated someone who had disparaging views about black people or whose family has, because my tolerance level for that is zero. The idea that someone would say something about my child, my hypothetical child that was demeaning it was my family member in my own house in this big racist world. That's what I had to do with my own house. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And there's enough colorism and like anti-blackness within my own community 
to like not be having to import that from other places. But I talked to people. I talked to um, Thomas Chatterson Williams on this program. Uh, he wrote in his book about some family members of his wife. Thomas Chatterson Williams is biracial and his wife is a white French woman who, you know, had thoughts and feelings about her dating him and who have yeah, some. Yeah. And I have many, many friends who will, you know, say, oh, man, I, I'm dealing with this in-law problem. Like they're racist. It's really causing tension and stress in my life. And it's like, I have empathy for you as a human being, obviously, but also like, duh, <laughs> like you really didn't think about this. You really didn't think about what the scenario was going to be like. This truly didn't factor into any of your, your decision making when you were in the dating process. So I would never deal with, I've never had a partner giving me those views, but I've been in uh, Tom Sherry Williams' position many times where relatives mm-hmm. have had those views. Um, for me, since I hadn't been planning on having children, I really used to get that self-worth low because it was like, uh, well, I don't really have to interact with that part of your family. I also do. But, but it wasn't just children. Thomas Chatterson William talked about how he felt as a child, um, knowing that some of his in-law, that his, um, that some parts of his mom's extended family were not hospitable to him as a child. You know, what your I don't remember if it was his grandparents. I don't want to misrepresent his situation, but imagine, you know, your grandparents not loving you or embracing you or supporting you. There's so many stories like that. I have friends. I've dated guys who were adopted by white parents who really struggled to make an environment for the kid that wasn't like very toxic, you know, and who've had, I mean, I'm not trying to tell people's business, but I could tell you some stories. <laughs> uh, no, that's 100% a thing. I didn't have uh, grandparents, but I had the uncles and other relatives. I had one uncle who just out of his ignorance and thought it was funny to call me Nixon match when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stupid son of a bitch. I don't know. Weirdest biracial experience because I can't. That shit's fucked up. I wouldn't want to expose any kid of mine or expose anyone to it. At the same time, I think it's part of why I can compartmentalize. Like, if I'm dating a girl and she doesn't espouse any of those views, and there's some uncles and grandparents, whatever, and I'm just like, well, I don't really have to see that person. I mean, doctor, you said that in the in the course of dating this black woman, she basically brought you to her side of her way of thinking. What what was it that caused you to, you know, change your mind about whether or not you were going to really value and make a litmus test for yourself to be with someone who kind of understood your particular racial experience? Well, for one, I mean, I just prefer black women. I mean, I just I'm just generally just attracted to black women, but um uh, I became <laughs> Sorry. I'm making faces and being um Thinking about it, uh, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually looking at your YouTube, and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Doctor. Go ahead. I'm just being, I'm being a monster. I'm enjoying. Some- <laughs> um, um, but yeah. So I recently became more politically active. Um, like right before Bernie uh, started running for president. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had met her like shortly after. Uh, Bernie's run in twenty sixteen, so um, um, and she's like a she's like a diehard. Like I said, she doesn't describe herself as such. She's not into like uh, politics. She just focuses on more activism, um, doing her own thing, like you know, like Finney does. But you know, she's really intolerant of. <laughs> 
not to put her under the most like intolerant of white people. Um, she doesn't want to deal with them, and because you know we have we have or I have like white friends, and sometimes they say questionable things, but it's, it's more out of out of ignorance as opposed to hostility. Um, and you know, it's, it was that that journey um, of seeing her reaction to. Uh, some of the people in my cohort saying ignorant things that made me realize that I don't want two things. I don't have to. I don't want to continue to uh, explain how that comment is, in, is inappropriate or have my family, who is um, immigrants from Nigeria, looking at you with a side eye, or like my brothers or my cousins. Um, I don't feel like dealing with that. Yeah. Um. um so those are some uh, two things. Uh, another thing is, um. For me, my criteria at, at the moment is uh, for being with someone would be um, you don't have to be politically active, but you, you understand uh, uh, racial issues too. You understand my uh, love language and um, you're, you know, we vibe. I, those are like my basic criteria. Everything Doctor, else, what's your love language? I'm a very physical person. I'll just say that. PG for YouTube, but thank you for that, Doctor. Doctor, I'm going to have to move through this queue because I think this is the longest queue that we've ever had in the history of this call-in show, but I really appreciate you and your contributions right now. Let's get some white people. Let's get Tom going and see what he has to say about some of this. And Tom, don't feel compelled to say things about um, race, but I am curious how you respond to some of the things that have just been said in this last little colloquy. Well, in my defense, I consider myself something of a biracial angel. You can't tell from my uh, avatar, but you know, that, all right, I guess I can talk for the whites. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tom, I didn't mean to um, no, no, I'm mis- misracialize I'm you. <laughs> no, I am, the, I am the whitest Latino you'll ever meet in your life. Trust me, it's it's okay. Um, <laughs> my bad, Tom. It's, it's all right. Uh, all right, so I, I jotted down some notes here because I'm terrible at articulating myself usually. Okay, so um, on the... Uh, the, the I, you had made a comment earlier that the the women's dating episode a lot of the women seemed um, less satisfied. Mm-hmm. That's one way to put it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> they, they have, I guess, they have standards or whatever. You know, I call it barriers to entry, personally. <laughs> but um, now, my general impression, and I don't want to sound look. I had my like right wing YouTube phase for like thirty seconds. So I'll try to keep that a little, you know, under lock and key. But my general impression through experience and from little things I've read and seen is that women do kind of tend to date up and across. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it, it may be somewhat in our culture, like frowned upon for women to date guys that are of lower kind of status than them. You know, mm-hmm. financial insecurity, all kinds of stuff. And I kind of got that impression a little bit from uh, your conversation with Oli. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was, I, I was kind of seething. Well, I was. You were seething. I was seething. I was Tom. Kind of upset. I was like, okay, t- t- tell me why. Because I, I will say this, and I, I, I will say this is probably the case for those women as well. What I, I agree with you that there's a cultural pressure for, to, for women to date up and across. I think that it is difficult. I think that it is rare to actually happen, particularly. For all reasons that we should contextualize and caveat, as a black woman dating mostly black men, I don't think I've ever dated anyone who's made more money than I have. 
like maybe a couple in the ballpark, but I don't, I've never dated anyone. Like the idea that I would be dating a man for like financial gain is like, makes me want to cackle. Like, where are they? Who, who has money? Nobody. Like why? Like that is, that's one of those litmus tests that went out, went out with the, uh, the great recession. <laughs> like 2008, that notion flew out of the window, you know, as we were all like struggling to get employment after college, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess as someone that doesn't really have any uh, understanding of black anything anywhere, I'll just chime in. Uh, but you're Latino, guess- Tom. You know, times are tough. Like yeah. <laughs> the economic stratification in this country, racial, e- racial economic stratification is what it is for the reasons that we understand what it is. So like yeah. I have white girlfriends or like Asian girlfriends who like truly believe and execute marrying, you know, like doctors and corporate lawyers and things like that. I am a corporate lawyer and it never occurred to me that or I was a corporate lawyer and it never occurred to me that I was going to marry a corporate lawyer because frankly, I have never in my life had a black colleague in a legal context. Yeah, so ever. the only thing I can <laughs> say on this is I've I've brought up my brother once before. Uh-huh. In this conversation. Um He's my half brother. His father is my mother's ex husband. So my brother's actually half black. Mm-hmm. He's a Harvard Law graduate, a Truman scholar. Oh yeah, I was asking you about him if he were yeah, single. I, I might. I think I DM'd you um, his name just in <laughs> case you wanted to check if you went to class with him. Uh, but for my brother, yeah, like I, I've never seen somebody. I hate to use the term because it sounds so crude, but pull so much ass before in my life. Like my brother never had trouble dating, never, not once. And the more educated and the more like qualified he became, became mm-hmm. the better looking the women were. I mean, this dude could like, and as his younger brother, I was kind of like envious. I looked up to All him. Right, Tom, I hear you saying that I don't have a shot, but like, what's the point? <laughs> All right, well, I mean, maybe if he was single, but he's um, So. Now, for me, on the other hand, and maybe this is the parallel I can draw and why this maybe upset me a little bit, is through the court, like, as you know, I work in construction. I had been involved in, like, a unionization effort at a fairly large construction company in New York. We won the election. The company told us to go fuck ourselves, refused to come to negotiations. They found, they laid us all off. They never took us back. And then, like, a year later, COVID hit and the industry just kind of, like, disappeared. And what am I saying? I'm just whining right now. Sorry. Uh, no, you're venting. This is catharsis. Yeah. This is this is, this is yeah, free this therapy. Is this is the TMI uh, calling show for me. So uh, <laughs> you guys are all my therapists. Sorry. Um, so what what's the point I'm trying to make here? Okay. So the if you're having a hard time, what was you said you were you didn't like you. Can you reiterate your point before I fly off on a tangent and don't make any sense? Well, I don't know that I have a specific point. I mean, I I have some questions about your brother, though. That might refocus you. Okay. Yeah. Ask away. Ask away. So your brother is married now? Yes. He's uh, got this very um, smart, intelligent, attractive uh, Tribeca Film Festival Award winner. We get it, Tom. She's great. Okay. (laughs) May I ask um, what race she is? Uh, hold on a second. Here, Tom, I'm taking, giving my son a lollipop. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Priorities. Yeah, she's from, um, she's from uh, Kyrgyzstan. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like a... Uh, I also I mean, don't know what I would say that race is. Anybody who doesn't know, it's like... <laughs> is that like, uh, it's like West of China, but, South of Kazakhstan. That's that part of the world that's like where all of the races meet. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, and may I ask, uh, prior to that, did he frequently date Black or Latina women? Huh. Um, 
I, I, there were definitely probably a lot more Hispanic women he dated than black women. Mm-hmm. I rest my case. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> I'm going to read this question off the screen really quickly because it's been here forever. Don't don't you don't have to go anywhere, Tom. Okay. But Daryl Malone, thank you so much for your contribution. Says, why wouldn't men and women be looking for something different? And politics have definitely played a role in my relationships. I'm an activist, but I think straight men's preferences make it easy to find a political match. Right on. I think that's right, Daryl. Because here's the thing: the race part of it is political, right? We're not sitting, I mean, there's a part of it that is um, aesthetic, which I would also argue is political, but that's a bigger conversation. But to the point that we were talking about earlier, the black women or whomever it is that's looking for a partner of a similar ethnic background, not just racial, but like cultural background, that has to do with what their substantive political values are with respect to their own racial identity. And I think a lot of black women do feel a certain degree of hurt that that value that they're putting in black men because they have this thing that they share is not reciprocated. There's just like, it's pure, it's truly not a thing. And then I talked to all of these men after the fact who were like whining and bitching and moaning about how their in-laws are so racist. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. The writing was on the wall. You knew this, but you know, you were looking at, you know, uh, her Tribeca Film Awards, which is what all men are going. That's what brings all the milkshakes to the yard. You know, instead of lo- looking at some of these other things, not to cast aspersions on this particular woman, who I'm sure is lovely. I feel like it would be hard to cut it off. Like, assuming you don't leave the person's family right away and you like, really be friends with them for several months before you find out that their family is, I don't know, this, uh, Whatever Thomas Chadwick Williams situation was, I don't know. That just I feel like it would be hard for me to like a person and cut it off as soon as I found out that their family or some relative uh, had racist views. The last guy I dated, I never, or you know, dated not like a boyfriend, but last guy I dated, I never met his family. I met his brother, but I never met his like parents. He's in a similar situation like Tom, where he was Latino but had a half black brother, and. Um, you know, I, I knew from not, not from meeting his family because he, he told me that when his, uh, his mom and black dad, you know, he refers to him as his dad got married, that there were parts of his mom's family that w- weren't happy with it. Right. Like, so I don't have to meet people to have heard the stories about how, what has happened in their family dynamic or like, have you dated other people? Has your, has your sibling brought somebody home? Like, I will ask a guy, like, have you ever brought. Like, who do you typically date? And, like, have you ever brought a black woman home? What's that dynamic like? Of course I'm going to (laughs) ask. I'm not waiting to, like, be at the altar and be like, hi, Mrs. So-and-so. You know? And and the fact that it doesn't occur to you, and this is, I don't mean to be a pile of the judgments on you, Bertrand, because you just happen to be here. But, like, the fact that I am very much thinking along those lines, and I feel like, you're you are you are typical for men to not be thinking along those lines is why we have these kind of like patterns playing out very differently. I want to bring Katie Halper is in the chat here on Colin. Welcome, Katie. Uh, unmute yourself when you're ready uh, and feel free to chime in on any of this. Tom, I appreciate your comments. I'm going to move through this queue and make David the next caller. OK, I think. Did I unmute? Can you hear me? You are unmuted. I can hear you, Katie. Great. Hi. Great chat. Thank you. Um, did you have anything you wanted to weigh in on, or should I go ahead and take the question from David? No, 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 
Oh, well, I just uh, thought it was really fascinating. Something that I thought was an interesting thing. I mean, I don't want to get in the way of David either, so I could just pause this. But I did I did think um, when the doctor, I think it was the doctor, was saying how he was on a date with a white woman uh, who asked if he would marry a white woman, and he said mm-hmm. he wouldn't. Mm-hmm. That, I was like, oh, what would I do if I was on a date with someone? I asked that question, they responded that way. Because I get the, like dating material versus marriage material mm-hmm. it's kind of an awkward conversation to have like in front of someone yeah but like okay so i will confess that i'm I, not I, i'm not I, like judging him for it i'm just thinking out i was just like huh what would i do if someone said that to me so I recently was in that situation. I, you know, I feel really bad. I hope no one ever discovers who this person is because I ended up talked about him so much on the show. But I've only had so many experiences dating non-black people. So I keep coming back to this. But the, yeah. the, the white guy I referenced who I it was the first like white guy I spent like any real time with over this past summer. You know, it came up. It came up. Yeah. It came up as things started to escalate a little beyond like one or two dates. And I articulated what was on my mind and why I was basically pumping the brakes. I felt like I owed it to him to be honest with him about why I was pumping the brakes. Right. And it, and it had to do with my ambivalence about the reality of a long-term anything. So why are we going to go here? Right. And, you know, yeah. I was torn between obviously not wanting to say something hurtful and something that I certainly wouldn't want to hear. If anyone said that shit to me, I'd be Audi 5,000. <laughs> well, you know? I mean, would they say because you're, it's different, right? Because I mean, if they're, you're talking about in general or because of the, of the race. Well, look, I can imagine a world where, let's say, I was dating a Jewish guy, and he was like, well, ultimately, I want to marry a Jewish woman. And I wouldn't take that as, it's not racist. It's just, eh. it's legitimate. I mean, it's, it is, you it's know. It's a our, shame. It's a shame. Let me say it's a Jew. It's very uncomfortable. <laughs> I really reject. I'm very ashamed of that behavior. It's not the Jewish thing to do. The Jewish thing to do is not care. But that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> the Jewish thing to do for some Jews is to celebrate uh, universalism. But that's another story. <laughs> We've got to do a thing on Jewish dating at some point. Okay, this, that has happened to friends of mine. I have one female friend that is, right. you know, Asian American and who serially dates white men. And yeah. many of them are Jewish. And she has been in a situation more than once where ultimately the guy was playing her. And when it pushed came to shove, it was like, well, I, I'm going to ultimately settle down with a Jewish woman. Right. At which point, the earlier you find out, I'm curious what the w- white woman did when the doctor said that. Because if someone said that to me, uh, it would be, I mean, I understand where people are coming from. It would be one of those interesting places where, like, the personal meets the political. I'm sure I'd be mm-hmm. very hurt and feel dissed. But I'd also just bounce immediately. Yeah, I mean, like, better, wouldn't it be better just to know? And, yeah, and in my case, yeah. I wasn't saying no. I was just saying, like, I've never, like, this is. Right, you don't know. You know, I, I got to just, I'm just, I'm processing this. Yeah. I've never been in the right. situation, and I'm just dealing with it. And I want to be honest with you about why. It's not a person. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not like not interested in you. I just am negotiating this for the first time right, and I just have to think about it. Yeah. And I felt like that was better than letting him think that I just was like falling out of interest or whatever, which wasn't yeah, the case. Of yeah. Um, I want to say you, case it's study. It's not you, it's your demographic. <laughs> which you sounds so terrible. Like I, yeah. I understand. That. First, I want to say case study QB says that his unmute button didn't work. Case, if Uh-oh. you're back in the queue, oh, I'll make you next. I'll put you we back up, up front, Case. Um, Everyone follow him on Twitter. He's great. They absolutely should. Um, I, I want to ask you, Bertrand, what do you what do you think about that? Have you ever been in a situation like that? Uh, no, I mean, I haven't been in a situation like that. It's hard. 
I'm trying to take it in. It's hard for me to imagine um, not letting the feelings that I have for a person basically lead my choices. Um, I don't know if like it seems more calculated uh, to me to assess someone in that in that way by this different. Experience. What do you mean by calculated? It, what what is what is calculated about that versus calculating to date someone who lives in your zip code or dating someone who's a certain height or who is smart or funny or interesting or charming or any other other so-called calculations that people make when they enter into a relationship? Well, uh, I guess I would say for me that a lot of those things listed there, I, I can't really assess right off the bat. Like I don't necessarily of their life circumstances. Oops, sorry. And also. trying to resist. Sorry, I keep having weird... I apologize for that. Um, I, I'm struggling with this a little bit, Bertrand, because I feel like in your mind, it's a superficial, like, arbitrary cutoff. It's not, it's not superficial. It's not arbitrary. It's... How do I put it? I, um, it's just not something that you value. It's not relatable. It sounds like it's not relatable. I not the woman's plan. I wouldn't like to see how I put it. If I care about someone, I think my first go-to is like, uh, then I just want to make it work. If that's what I'm feeling emotionally, then I just want to try to make whatever it is work. That's where I go. When I hear the story of you and this white um, person, Bree, it sounds like, like you said, it's not that you, you know, didn't like them. It's just that weren't going to end up that way. Well, no, if I had fallen in love with him, like there's the possibility, but like, it's like, it's just a higher bar, you know, it was a bigger lift and I was going to be let a little, perhaps a little less patient to let it play out than I might otherwise. And then it, it manifested in real disagreements. Like it wasn't like the abstraction of him being white. It was like things that were said that were a problem. Not, not in some terrible way. He was lovely. Like, I'm not trying to say that this guy's racist or anything like that. Like, that's not the case. I'm sorry. Let me just get off this guy. Because it's not his fault. And like Cause, you about already, him. Cause you already got off him. Hello. <laughs> okay. Katie. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, I, someone asked a question. Is Nina Turner going to hire Jeff Weaver again? I'm not privy to that. Uh, it's a little off topic, my friend. Uh, Martin Rad. Wow. Uh, thank you for this contribution. Persian, Persian, Norwegian, 40 year old dating Swede, Bulgarian, been with everything from white Texan to Burmese. I like that they spe- specify Texan. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like extra white. Yeah, yeah. Um, politics has been the most important issue always. Oh, so Bertrand, let me ask you this. What if someone, you know, you fall in love with them, but then you've discovered that they, you know, uh, are one of those people who says terrible things about like uh, homeless people stinking up the joint. Like, you never found out you were dating them for years, but you live in Colorado or somewhere. Like, you marry, you're, you're dating Clara Jeffries? Did, did Clara Jeffries say something like that, Katie? Yeah, yeah. Okay, then, like, you're dating Clara Jeffries, and you live someplace rural where it's never come up because there just, just aren't homeless people there. Yeah. And you're, like, a year into your relationship, and suddenly you hear her say some monstrous thing. Then what do you do? Yeah, well, first off, that would, 
brutal. I would hate that, but I'd have to, you know, I couldn't stay with that person. I think it's the, yeah, I wouldn't be able to stay with that person, but it would be really painful if, you know, to set up of like you fall in love with this person and you find that out and it's just, that's not going to, not going to work long term. There's something, yeah, go ahead. So so I, I feel two ways about this. On one hand, I think, I agree. On the other hand, I think that in marriages, things come up like that. Sides of your partner that you had no way of anticipating will come up and make you look at them with completely different eyes. And it cannot be the case that you, I mean, like what you, what you describe as a deal breaker, I think changes remarkably in the context of marriage. If you want to stay married, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Depending on how long you meet a person prior to getting married, what conversation you have, and the steps, and whether or not, for example, if you go straight from married to straight from like dating to married, how long you live together, I do think there's ways to, over a period of time, like minimize how many surprises are waiting for you in terms of things like, say, political views and things that you should come up in conversation, I think, before you marry a person. I mean, for me, the chances that I marry someone without finding out how they find feel about four people is just exceptionally bad. Well, well, let's let's hear from David. Whose dog is that? My entire movie. Katie, just mute yourself, please. <laughs> okay, David, un- David, unmute yourself and and let me know weigh in. What's on your mind right now? Okay, so I kind of just wanted to point out the fact that most of the women on the women's episode were black, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. and. And so we know that, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, that's the most educated demographic in America. Hashtag cancel student loan debt. It's a public good. It'll well, also help close the most the indebted. Racial, but yes. <laughs> that too. So it help close the racial wealth gap and gender gap, uh, wealth gap. So that's a good thing. Um, but Black men seem to be on the opposite end of that spectrum. And I feel mm-hmm. like it plays into Tom's point from earlier that women are encouraged in our American culture to date up and adjacent. So I think that's at least kind of explains why the the men's episode or the guys in the men's episode seem to be a little bit more unbothered by people uh, by the their options political standpoint because I think we're kind of conditioned to I don't I feel like I'm saying uh, describing this wrong but the only way I could think to say is to be more open minded when it comes to considering a potential mate especially on the dating apps because the dating apps are kind of designed the algorithms are designed to slant the playing field to make women choose because they get like four times as many options coming at them as the men get so it makes it super competitive see least of all in the heterosexual space for uh for the dating apps i don't know about the other spaces yeah so i i think that that is true but that's part of why i think that as much as the women you know that cultural pressure exists i know that they don't operate that way like if this is gonna, I don't want this to come off the way it's coming off, but like if black women actually did sit down and say, I'm only gonna date up, we wouldn't be dating. Like, like well, at least women like that on that panel not. wouldn't be dating because they're just, all those women on those panels have graduate degrees and, mm-hmm. you know, are very accomplished. They're, they're outliers among any group, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, in, in, in my personal apparent, uh, experience, I've typically dated people who make, 
less than I do. And I only have an associate's degree in nursing. So the time that I have dated someone who makes as much as me, they were typically other nurses. And it was very comfortable. It was enjoyable. It was a bad thing. We just didn't work out. But Mm -hmm. it's just been my experience. I mean, like, um, Olay asked that question on Twitter. And I I said the same thing. I was like, it's just always been my experience that I tend to make more than the people that I've dated. And I don't know if that's just how it's been. Not that I haven't dated people with more education. It's just that even the, the, the women that I have dated who have had, you know, bachelors, they, they're either in a field like, um, um, uh, I can't remember what it was called. She made like auger for science. I mean, for um, for experiments and, and things of that nature for the FDA. So she made, you know, less than I did, but I think it's just because in Texas at that time, nurses just were making more. So that's been my my experience. The other point that I kind of wanted to bring up is that, and it's kind of the same point, unlike um, Dr. Ola Watimi was saying, I have, I tend to have been more open-minded and I feel like, I always felt like that that was just more uh, maturity, especially since getting in my 30s. I've been more open-minded to the people I date. And my Mm -hmm. family personally has always said that. It's like, well, if you date a white woman, you know, she's not going to be able to understand your struggle as a black man. And I've always responded with like, well, I don't need her to empathize. I just need her to seek to understand. Like she, she she can understand, like I, I can, I can, empathize or I can understand the fears of of being physically unsafe in the world. For instance, if, if I'm around a, a cop who I think might have some racially motivated hatred toward me, I mm-hmm. can I can understand in a sense how women feel when they're out in the real world. I mean Dave Chappelle makes the a joke that kind of encapsulates it a little bit. He compares being a woman to like being somebody who's walking around with $50,000 and a shirt that's basically saying, yeah, I've got $50,000 on me. Please mm-hmm. rob me. So I, I, my point is, is that you can empathize with other people without necessarily having lived the exact same. But David, here, here's the thing, like in the abstract, I completely agree. But when I say, oh, I prefer, you know, a you know, person of color as Jackson Hingle Kamiana. Like I, the reason is because sometimes I have, my experience has been that the ability to sympathize, whatever you want to call it, to relate, to understand, even if they aren't black is heightened by if they have something else going on themselves. So, you know, if they're Latino, if they're Asian, if there's something else. And the, what I have found is that sometimes there's just this asymmetry when you live in a world that has these racial hierarchies where it's like there's no equivalent to the n-word right like that's like a Mm -hmm. metaphor for how there's just no equivalent to some other kinds of things and it's like at least if there's like the c-word or the k-word or some of these other epithets for other groups then like they get like they get it on some level Mm -hmm. um and it feels like there's a little bit of a parallel like if you cross the line i could cross the line back to you like where it's like mutually assured destruction or something because we're both you know minorities out here in this world versus with a white person, sometimes it's just, it feels like a different level of vulnerability. Like, you're going to call me your name and what am I going to do? You know what I mean? Like, you're, there's all this power. Like, what, are you gonna, what am I going to do back? What am I going right. to? Moreover, have you not ever been in an experience? Because I, I had these experiences that I didn't anticipate happening. Like, do you remember, do you remember the movie The Craft, the witch movie uh, from the 90s? Or maybe it was early aughts. Yeah. I don't know. And that there's that, there, there's this scene where there's one of the witches is black, played by a... Uh, What's her name from the show with the sisters? I'm not doing a good job with recall right now. 
And she uh, gets bullied by all of the white girls in her high school and the gym because, you know, one of her hairs is in the sink in the gym. And someone's like, oh, my God, someone left a pube in the sink. Who's pube? Who's pube? Oh, it's so-and-so's hair. And then, you know, she has like a witch tantrum and kills everybody or whatever. But the point is, like, I had an experience like that where I was in a Ikea (laughs) and the person made a joke like, oh, look, there's a pube on that pillow. And I looked at it and my brain would never have been like, it may or may not have been a pe- but my brain saw it as just like a hair, like mm-hmm. a black, it could just be like any old hair. And I'm like, in this moment, like, am I, am I going to take this fight? Are we going to fight in this like, here right now? No, I sublimated it. Like I, I just went on with my day, but that's in my head now. It's like, how many of these, you know, do I want to be like, do I want to do this? Yeah. It's a bridge. It's 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 a bridge to consider. I I I, I totally can understand that. Um, the the oh, <laughs> just the class for that. Just the way it, it gets phrased as women choosing to uh, or wanting to date up or across, as if um, it makes the consideration seem simpler to me than it is. Because a lot of times, like college is a whole set of experiences. Graduate school is a whole set of experiences interest and a lot of times it's not just thinking oh I, I, I just want somebody who makes more money than me or I want mm-hmm. equal education than me like it's the literal contents of what you spent the last four or eight years of your life mm-hmm. whether or not you can connect with somebody about that. Mm-hmm. Similar, I mean um, also just the way you know race functions in a similar way like uh, on the class um being a class dynamic like for me, if somebody asked me about like my dad or something, like I didn't know what my dad looked like until I was eleven, and I met him in prison. Mm. Um, and that's just a story to me. But if I'm dating someone from a class background or something like that, never occurs. It's they're stunned. Like I can yeah. just talk past it. I have to explain it, let them know I'm fine. They don't have to like spend fifteen minutes sympathizing with me about it so that I feel like they care. It's like that's. That's like one of a million stories. Um, yeah. So yeah. these these picking people who are in the same class or the same educated, like there's a whole content of experience there that you're trying to match. I don't think it's that. <laughs> I don't think it's that easy to date people who have none of these experiences. They can have a bunch. I think that I think that that's true. I, I had an experience recently with someone who made reference to an incarcerated relative and then kind of looked at me and like tried to like explain and I was like, you don't have to explain it. I have all the incarcerated, both my, like I have two incarcerated, you know, formerly incarcerated grandparents. Like this is not like, I don't know what you think, who I, you think I am, but like truly this does not need to be a conversation. And so I, that's part of what we were talking about Bertrand when you came on the podcast the last time where like I was, I'm totally with you about the need for more firsthand diversity of, of class experiences and writer rooms, writers rooms and all these other places but I do feel like as a black person who is, you know, middle class solidly and has been my whole life, there is still this proximity to some of these, you know, class experiences that are not my own directly because my extended family, you know, I'm the only like we are the like the not and we are the prong of middle classness in a broader family context that is much more precarious, you know, that is still very close to me. You know, but that's that's a different conversation. I want to read off the screen. Keith, thank you for your contribution. Keith says he's white and poor and grew up in Los Angeles. He's married to a black and native woman. When finding partners, socioeconomics was more determinant of who I married 
rather than race or politics. That's funny to me. I do think that socioeconomics is politics. I think it's all politics, but maybe I'm being um, pedantic. Uh, Kate, oh, go ahead, David. I was just going to say, I tend to agree because we have to remember that everything we do affects our politics and our politics affects everything I, everything we do. So to try and separate the two seems kind of, I don't know, uh, a fallacy because they, they do play together. I will say if you grow up poor, the feeling that that poverty is also captured by politics and isn't captured by, I'll say, like, softer terms like that's just my life my memories my daily experience like they seem more separate to you when you grow up more. yeah that, you know, that feels real because i was gonna say that feels real because um that i didn't get into politics until i was in my 30s and started to kind of connect the dots and be like oh because x y and z is happening that is why my life was like this growing up the, right. these sets of policies led to the 2008 housing crisis which is why our life seems so turbulent in the following years. So I, I can understand that. I'll drop out of the queue. Okay. Thank you, David. I'm going to read Richard Coates off the screen. He says, I'm white and broke as, and broke as a joke. Joy, if you ever want to go slumming on it, thank you for the solicitation, Richard. Um, TW says, I'm in the chat under trap. I can speak to interracial marriage, being married to a white woman. I hear that. We're making our way through, making our way downtown, wandering fast. Um, that's you here. Um, James has joined the chat. Welcome, James. Hey, hey, how's it going? Good to see you all. We are doing very well. I'm going to make case study the next caller because he got bumped from the queue earlier. And I want to remind everybody that Katie Halper is still here. Katie, I only wanted you to meet yourself because of the dog barking, but I hope you know that you should wait, jump in and weigh in on any of this. When you're ready, Case, unmute yourself and let us know what's on your mind. Yeah, thank you so much for bringing me back on. Yeah, I don't know why the unmute button would stay grayed out for some reason. But anyway, thank you for having me. You know what? It was meant to be because, you know, the last show I uh, was in a queue and I, I couldn't um, talk. So I had a whole bunch of talking points that were off top topic. But I'm so glad that um, I got bumped because I'm enjoying the dating. So basically, from my perspective, and then I'm going to keep it moving because I don't want to change up the topic. I'm enjoying this topic so much. Um, from my perspective, I'm a married guy. I'm 38. 12 years um, married to my uh, college sweetheart. Aww. And uh, the main uh, contribution, two kids, the main contribution I have to this is that you said earlier that um, usually it's the woman that appreciate the qualities in a man and not vice versa. Have the, standards, yes. <laughs> or have, have standards, yeah. Um, well, the, 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 the way I met my wife I, you know, I met this uh, beautiful black uh, woman in uh, my second year of college, and I just found that we talked on the phone, and the hour would pass by like a minute, and mm -hmm. then we went on our first uh, date, and all I, was, all I would say is that I hit a home run, and then um, I found out that she was a, a virgin. The next day, I'm telling everybody, yo, this is my girl. This is my girl. So that's the quality. Case. And I don't, I don't know if I'm superficial or not, but I, I said, let me wife this up real quick. Case, why did that down. matter to you? It mattered because I'm a pastor's son, right? So um, at being, coming from a religious background, and um, I thought it was very uh, a rarity that uh, she was uh, in that position. And because everything else matched up, it wasn't like we didn't get along and it's only that. 
um, I thought that was a quality that me personally, coming from a religious background, I really appreciated. So hopefully I added a little bit of difference to this conversation. And I, I had a, a movie I wanted to pitch. You pitched a book last time, um, I think maybe two shows ago, and I wanted to pitch a, a movie. I'll, I'll save that for the next. Uh, okay, call, call back next time and I'll bring the you to the. Virginity was just the cherry on top. There you go. There you go, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Case, and thank you for that, Katie. Uh, Jackson is not on the horn, but he is in the chat of this um, stream on YouTube, and he is a comment saying, Brie, quit Stalin, spelled like Stalin, and get out to L.A. for our date. LOL. What a character that Jackson Hinkle is. Um, Shinobli says, I dated up, and now that girl is married to a rich German whose company helped Biden build Immigrant overflow facilities. I'm Chicano. Wow. She was white. Wow. That's what happened. Well, you dodged a bullet there. Let me tell you something. Because uh, anyone who would marry that, I mean, those things are bad enough uh, on their own. The German anti-immigrant thing, uh, definitely not a good trend, historically speaking. And even if you're not German, <laughs> not a good look to be uh, working in one of those things. So you no, certainly not. Okay. I'm, probably was painful and frustrating, but yeah. Yeah, Katie, Katie with, with with the insight, it, I, you know, it is the quip, the, the German quips on Holocaust Remembrance Day, only, only, only Katie Halper can. Yeah. Um, yeah. Edmund uh, Balea says, truth is everyone's going to hurt you. You just got to find the ones worth suffering for. That's a quote from Bob Marley. Thank you for that contribution. And I want to I give you, James, a chance to weigh in on some of the feedback that you've heard or read or seen tweeted about this episode. How are you feeling about how it all went down? I feel pretty good. Um, I think it was uh, a great um, thing to talk about. Sometimes we have to talk about some of the, the issues that we face socially on the left because uh, we can't always talk about the, the, the political analysis day in and day out. Mm-hmm. I, I think sometimes it's good to move into the social aspects that we also have to veer into. So, I, I, I mean, I, I've, I've gotten some that has really nothing to do with the subject. But other than that, um, <laughs> yeah, old girl was really on one on the internet. Like she's a long muted account. Like I only saw it because people were responding to her because her behind has been muted a long time ago. And I recommend everybody do the same. Let's hear from Ted. Ted, unmute yourself and let us know what's on your mind. Marie, thanks for taking my call. Um, really enjoyed the episode when I listened to it this morning. The thing that I want to chat about is uh, uh, your remark that um, dudes just, you know, men just uh, just don't have a plan. You know, hey, where do you see yourself in five years? I don't know. Around here, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you disagree with that assessment, Ted? Not all men. I'm not coming here to say that. That's not my message to you today. Um, and, and, I, and I also have to say that my perspective here is uh, one. I, I got married like two weeks ago. Oh, congratulations. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, so uh, I, I also live in L.A. And let me tell you, I, I, I did not date in L.A. I moved to L.A. with the uh, woman who be, became my fiance and then my, uh, my wife. I'm glad I never had to date in L.A. 
Why? What's That's, what's the scene? Because Bertrand and well, and uh, Jackson were singing its praises. Uh, Honestly, I wouldn't know except secondhand. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like the dating scene out here, I think. Uh, I think someone also mentioned the, like, I was at the Laugh Factory the other day. Somebody opened up with, like, where are all my poly people at? So it's a very specific feel out now. Like, yeah, Kate was saying that on the women's episode that she apparently is having a lot of experiences with men who are using polyamory as a cover uh, for being shitty, basically. That was actually the punchline. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, what's your experience been, Ted? Is that your observation, rather, since you don't have any personal experience? Yeah, yeah. Just, just my friends are just frustrated. Uh, can't find I, I, my friends uh, who have had bad times dating in LA are mostly women, for that matter. Come to think of it, but yeah, they just complain about how they can't find solid guys. But, but honestly, you know, um, as a solid guy, I can't speak to that. I don't know if, if that's true. If they're hard to find in LA, uh, but yeah, I never had a date here in LA. But what, but really, um, I, I think there's a to bring politics back into the picture. I think there's actually a reason why guys think just have no idea where they want to be in five years, and I think it's th- th- there's a broader I think um, uh, failure to have a vision of the future, and I think that 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 comes into play on an individual level. And what do I mean? I mean, um, I shit sucks now and it's not going to get better and since i mean you're all laughing this is a, a laughing record <laughs> <laughs> okay but ted ted sh- shit sucks sure but it sucks for women also does it not Yes, point taken. Really, what I'm what I'm getting at is that, um, I, Brie, I'm 37. I, I'm in what's the term for us? A geriatric millennial? No, I mean men don't have to be geriatric. Your 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 uh, swimmers are always considered to be prime, even if they're not. I this is oh, <laughs> but yes, I'm a, I, was... I am a geriatric of geriatric pregnancy age. Should that be my choice? <laughs> Senior millennial. Right, I was I was getting. <laughs> uh, sorry, to talk over everyone. I, I was getting at um, uh, life experience and not like reproductive viability. Oh, I see. Okay. And so, okay, so just uh, take stock of our lives. All right, uh, for me, freshman year of high school, Columbine. A uh, senior year of high school, nine uh, eleven. Uh, subsequent to that, war on terror. After uh, uh, Guantanamo. Oh my God. Uh, uh, you know, torture Party. happened. What? Uh, Two thousand eight. Um, the crash. Before that, Obama, um, or actually, so after that, Obama saying we tortured some folks, and that was it. Yeah. Um, uh, on and on and on to the present. Now, the Biden administration's official uh, COVID policy appears to be get infected and stop complaining. Um, they're student debt. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is just I, I just I just don't see um, I, I, there's a, the, the future is not good. And I think that in the defense of men, who women don't are, have a plan for all those tragedies or they're just more optimistic that they can prepare for them. It does, it, did, the same generation. Yeah, did you hear that question, Ted? Because I'm I'm a year younger than you. I, I turned 37 this year. 
I did not hear the question. So I, the question is, are women, how does that, how does, how do those right. realities impact men and women differently? Because I'm your age and I'm a woman and I agree the world sucks. That was all very bad. But right. I also, Why because it's so bad, right, like Katie, you know, Katie, Katie and I, we're, we are with you in this geriatric millennial situation. And I think Katie and I, we talk and think a lot and plan a lot and strategize a lot and are actively dating to try to find a way to maintain the vision of our future that we had seen for ourselves, you know, because things are hard, you know, I would love to be able to live in a two bedroom apartment. And I think that, you know, being married, you know, to have a spare bedroom, I'm going to have to be married. You know, one bedrooms are priced for two people, you know, like that's the reality. Like my planning requires me to contemplate how a partner features features into that even on like a basic like do i want a door to my bedroom level right forget the door to your heart (laughs) the door to your bedroom the door to your heart is a door to your bedroom so like so ted that's what i'm saying like i just don't understand where's the gender split here yeah perhaps and i'm this is just speculation men can't bear children but it's not just that right Can can i just can I uh, offer something? Is this, you're saying, and there's, I'm not calling you sexist or anything. This is a safe space. But are you saying that women have, for the most part, the biological, uh, if they want to have kids, obviously there are many ways to do that. But for the most part, women have a certain time frame uh, that they're working within and men don't have to act within that time frame, which creates different mentalities and behaviors. Yeah. And exactly, and, and you know, expectations and um, uh, personal visions of the next five I, years. I'm, I'm going to hear that, yeah. but I will say, as a woman who was like, again, not child motivated, like I gave, like I, I don't. It's not about having children to me. And I said this. I actually had a very good date last night. I will say, <laughs> um, it was like a phone date, and it was one of those like it went three hours, and you know, and poor guy, like I was kind of on one because I was coming off this episode. Uh, editing this episode. And so I don't know if he's going to call me back, but one of the things I was explaining to him (laughs) was that uh, to me, it's not like, it's not kids. It's the idea that like, I have had all these experiences. I had a crazy last four years since I left the law. Every time something happens to me, you know, I like, I wake up sometimes and I'm like, it's crazy that I get to hang out with Marianne Williamson. It's like crazy that Bernie Sanders knows my name. You know, it's like, it's, it's crazy that I get to, (laughs) that you know i get to hang out with katie halver and do this show and have this life and i would love it if i were someone with someone who understood the full trajectory of what this has been like and how how wild these experiences have been i would love to be with someone who knew what i was like in college and knew all my friends and what that experience was like and every time something changes you know i'm about to move apartments and i had the thought gosh this new place is going to be so much nicer and the People who see me there will assume, like, this is just how I live instead of seeing my growth in a way that would be really validating to me. And that sounds like such a small thing, but over the course of one's life, it's like, my, my God, if I met my love of my life tomorrow, he would have missed the first 36 years. That's really substantive. My parents met in college, and that's kind of what I thought it would be like. So when I hear people not planning or not valuing the experiences they've had with people as they've been in a relationship context, and when it feels sometimes like men are you know, you know, it's, there's a certain disposability to me, what there's a lot of people you can love. I don't believe in like one person, but what makes people unique after a period of time is the time that you've spent. You can't replace those experiences. Even if you can find someone else who's kind of equally compatible with you. 
And sometimes my frustration is that there's a feeling that you don't value those shared experiences and that the relationship can feel kind of disposable. I don't know. What do we think? Am I oversharing? What's happening? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm so sorry that the men in your life have made you feel that way. That's that's not right. Yes, well, they're trash. No, they're not. They're not. <laughs> it's just life. It's just like, I mean, Katie, I don't know if you have thoughts and feelings about this. Uh, which one? I'm still processing what you said. It's okay. So let's let's bring Dave in. Night. Thank you, Ted. I'm, I'm going to bring... Thanks, Ted. Oh, can I tell people that I have a show too, by the way? Absolutely, Katie. Go for it. All right. I just want to tell people, and I'm so grateful to Bree for having me on. But uh, also, you can follow me on, on Colin, and I'm going to start doing my own Colin show. I think the first one's going to be on Sunday night after my own YouTube show, my live stream, which is youtube.com slash the Katie Helper Show. And, of course, here I am on Colin. And, uh, yes, and, and Bree, we do have to talk about forming a media, a progressive media space, anti-empire empire. Yes, we were. Another show. I, was, I was inspired by your chat with uh, Jordan Sheridan. People were very excited about that. It feels very proactive, and we definitely have to get our roundtable together. I want to read this yeah. very generous comment out on the screen from Mafic09, who says, sorry, but the sound effects make the show. What I say to you, Mafic, is Oops, that is oh not what God. I intended to press. <laughs> this is what I intended to press. I will press this button every day to the day I die. Um, okay, Dave, unmute yourself and let us know what you think about all of this. Dave, uh, press the unmute. There you go. Hello. Hello. What's on your mind, Dave? Um, I think the problem with dating now, I mean, well, I can only speak from my own experience. I'm black. I grew up in Hawaii. And um, so pretty much all my partners have been, and the girl I'm with now have all been Asian. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I always, I still always saw myself with a black woman at the end of the day, but I, I just feel like since I've been here and there's not that many other black people here, I haven't got that opportunity. And um, I've experienced all the racism from like the fam- other, the my partner's family and stuff mm. like that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That's all. <laughs> That's interesting to me, um, Dave, because I've been in the situation, right? Like I grew up overseas going to international schools i went to you know where it wasn't predominantly white but it also wasn't predominantly black i was usually the only i think there was one other black american family at school and it was Lin, um lindy thomas greenfield like the uh you and uh what's your face anyway her family she was a diplomat in kenny at the time so important like i i've always been a hyper minority and i hear black men say often oh, I just can't find a black woman because I'm in the minority group, you know, I'm in a hyper minority. Or they'll they'll be say, say, you know, also I'm a nerd and I like Star Trek or whatever, and it's so hard to find a black woman that has those shared interests. And I'll be sitting there with two Ahura costumes and a Rubbermaid container behind me right now as I speak. <laughs> Thinking, I I went out and I find black men like that all the time. I, I search for them on on OkCupid where you can search affirmatively. I swipe, 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 swipe until I hit them. It's a needle in a haystack, but I do it. I, you know, I I manage. And it does feel sometimes like if you are in Hawaii, there are an equal number of women in your situation in Hawaii by in all likelihood. And it's not that I doubt what you're saying in terms of your interests. 
but it does sometimes feel like men just don't try harder. Like they don't push past the real barriers that exist to defining what you're looking for um, in that context and just like try harder. They're like, oh, well, this is the sea I'm swimming in. So that's just is, is what it is. Am I being unfair, Dave? I think a little bit, but I mean, I see, what you're <laughs> I see what you're saying, though. I mean, I don't use dating apps or anything. Everyone I've ever met, I've just met in person and in my career and stuff like that or at school. So, I mean, I guess I maybe I should get online and start looking harder. Maybe maybe you're right. I mean, that is why I use dating apps in large part, because I am trying to, if I walk into a bar, what, are, what is the likelihood that I'm going to see someone who meets all these kind of demographic needs? Right. But yeah. are you happy in your dating life? Me? Sorry, that was a, yeah, you. Uh, that's a good question. Dang. Uh, not really. Hmm. Why not, Dave? I guess the people I meet are just, I mean, I don't know. I'm 27 years old. I guess I'm still figuring myself out. I don't know. Um, yes and no. I'm, I'm not trying to beat up on you, Dave. I really know you sound like such a sweetie pie. But, like, I do think that men being 27 years old and thinking themselves as kind of, like, young is a bit of a problem. Uh, <laughs> like, 27 no. is a very normal, like, I'm, I'm looking yeah, for, like, a spouse kind a of age. It's not that, of course, he has a lot of life left, but people people talk about being 27 like they're 17. Right. Yeah, but people, people also grow at different rates, and so some people may have a different perspective uh, than, you know, a different person at 27. Um, you know, uh, so some people, like, for instance, every single time I'm around someone who is 37, I feel like, wait, I feel like they're older than me for some reason. Right. You know, so it's kind of, Different, you know. No, 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 but I'm not, I'm not asking, I'm not, I'm just saying like, don't act like you're a child bride or like, you don't have to start thinking about things. You know what I mean? I mean, this goes back to the planning conversation. I think that sometimes people, when I was 27, I'll tell you this, I was thinking about all this very much aggressively. Oh, and, I, cause I had to. Something interesting. I'll say this 28. It's interesting. I just realized this 28 is the age I turned when I realized I wasn't always going to be young. Like, Youth, I'm not saying anything not obvious, but like youth is not a permanent condition. And it mm -hmm. wasn't until I was 28 when I was like, oh, this whole thing isn't like just an inherent part of who I am, which I obviously knew intellectually, but I felt like a young person. I was also kind of like precocious. So I was often the youngest person at an event and I was an only child. Mm -hmm. so I was often like the youngest person in the room. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe things will change uh, at, at 28. But I, I, I am curious why... Uh, <laughs> why you're not uh i don't want to scare you though i'm i'm like the good cop to breeze bad cop but i'm curious hey. what is happening uh i mean a cab a cab obviously but what is uh uh defund defund but uh what is what is happening in your dating life like what what's making you not enjoy it um i guess it's just the partner i was with at the time or now i guess is very possessive i don't know uh, oh. Okay, so it's yeah. just relationship specific. Working. Yeah, yes, yeah, relationship specific for sure. Okay. Oh, well, thank Are you, you a for. Flirt? Are you a cheat? <laughs> 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 uh, no, I would never. You don't. You don't have to okay. answer that. Just reason. <laughs> All right, Dave. Thank you for calling in, and we wish you the best of luck in your romantic yeah. endeavors. Let's hear from yeah. Wyatt. Wyatt, unmute yourself. What do you have to say? 
Hello. So I've been listening to everything and it just made me realize how different I am and like what a different place I am than like a lot of people. So I'm from a very small town, about 10,000 people and I'm gay. Mm -hmm. So obviously like going through school and all that, it was very hard. (laughs) Um, I wasn't say like You've got some solidarity on the video, by the way, from James. <laughs> Thank you. Like I, I wasn't in a position in James where I felt like there's a point in my life where I had to come out. Um, I just acted like me in every situation that I wanted to, mm. and let let that situation play out like it is. I don't necessarily. It's not because I'm afraid of being gay or nothing. It's that. I just don't think that's, like, a very important thing unless, like, you're interested in me. Like, if you want to get it going, like, let's get it going. I'm gay, yeah. But I just don't think... need to know basis. (laughs) Yeah, like, I just don't think it's a topic for everybody else to talk about because where I'm from, it's, like, a very disparaging thing. People talk about it in a very negative tone. So just Mm. keep my name out of your mouth. Mm. May I ask where you're from, Wyatt? I'm from Oklahoma. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I'm from a small town in Oklahoma. All right, so so your context has been different in part because you, again, are working in a narrower pool because you're gay and also in an area where people aren't as out. Um, and there's also some social that, stigma. And then also the straight relationships I see around me are also very different than what you guys described. So... I'm 20 years old and I can name like, I graduated with like 150 people. Mm-hmm. I can name about like 20 girls who are already married and mm-hmm. like at least, you know, like a lot of babies. Mm. Do you think <laughs> so, religion like, plays a role in that? Is it is it like religious pressure to get married, maybe to have sex or is it just broadly cultural? I think it's broadly cultural from like, uh, we're from a poor area. So, you know, um, Poor people tend to have, you know, children younger and more children. So I think that's what plays into it. Like, we're from a very poor area. So, like, politics, like, the things that we're talking about, like, what we're looking for in a relationship, like, some of these things are just never come up to these people. They'll never talk about it. Like, um, I'm half Mexican, half white. Mm. My parents never, my mom never really talks about her children being half Mexican, how all. does that make you, I mean, do you, how does that make you feel? It, um, I don't see a problem with it because I'm from a particularly, you know, majority white area. About 85% of the people I live with are white. So, you know, having this, uh, having to go to school, being half white, half Mexican, not really fitting in with either groups. Like I, I was like one of, 10 Mexican kids in my class and like all the other Mexicans were uh, like um, ranchos. So they were like worked on the farm Mm -hmm. and they were all like family. So I could not be with that group. And like, I look different than the white kids, but you know, high school was a very different story because nobody wanted to be out in the open, you know, together, obviously in like that environment, it is a conservative religious environment. Hmm. So that was definitely out on the outs, but you know, coming to college was a very different story. How so? 
Um, I've had a lot more options and politics has come up and I just feel like I'm very unprepared for that. So that's, that's like this episode has very been very helpful for me because coming from that background where politics are just not on anybody's radar at all, we're just worried about making it to the next day mm-hmm. and um, coming to college where we have, you know, a lot more intellectual freedom. It's very hard to like, I don't, it's hard to set political boundaries. Like I'll talk to anybody conservative. I'll talk to anybody liberal. I have disdain for liberal politics. I have disdain for conservative politics, but like where I'm from is just like, come on in. So I don't know. I kind of have trouble setting boundaries there. Cause I do feel like, you know, hum- healthcare is a human right. Housing is a human right. Food is a human right. And I feel like it's kind of disingenuous of me to, not be able to set a boundary and date anybody from yeah. a different, yeah. It's it's hard talking about this because I, I re- I'm reflecting on the tone that I've taken. And it's kind of jokey, but when I say something like, you know, I don't want to date someone with these opinions or from this background or something, it's, it's not, it, it's self-protective, right? It's mm-hmm. not aggressive. It's not me saying <laughs> I don't like that or I, I'm like, I'm trying to attack the other it's 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 trying to shield myself from what kind of the slings and arrows that I experience all day in the world, especially given mm. what my job is now and how there's no hiding. Like I have to log on to social media. I can't just turn it off. Like I have to post. <laughs> like, and so That's sometimes it's self exactly it's self care. And so sometimes I, I think over time with this last few years, I've almost required a greater level of intrinsic understanding. Like I almost need, I need you to be, I need there to be as little dissonance in terms of understanding as possible in my personal relationships. And I found myself, I'm, I, you know, I don't know what I would do without my mother who listens to every episode and who understands me perfectly. Obviously she raised me, <laughs> you know, I don't know what I would do. You know, I, I can speak with her in a shorthand about race and politics and all these things without having to caveat a million times. And, you know, and, and I, and I have so much value in that. And there are only so many people in the world who I really feel that way about. And it would be lovely if my partner were that way as well. At the same time, I hear you saying, Wyatt, that you don't, you know, it's difficult to set those boundaries, especially in a context where so even fewer people actually maybe share your politics or even your sexual orientation. Yes. Like, I feel like a very, very individual where I'm at in my life. Like, I feel like nobody, even my own mother, it's hard for her to understand what you're saying behind certain racial issues. Yeah. I mean, Bertrand, I don't know if you, I mean, this is a good panel to speak to this guest, um, you know, from the dating as a gay man perspective from James and the biracial aspect of this with Bertrand. I mean, does any of this resonate with either of you? Um, I think I think I got lucky on some of there are parts that resonated and parts of which made me reflect. Um, parts that resonated was that my biracialness actually didn't come up very much, like with my mom, and I was fortunate enough to live in an area where I wasn't the only biracial kid. I was in a part of New Jersey where there were a lot of uh, poor black and poor white people very close to each other, and there was even a sort of um, 
you could say mixed, and it really only meant one thing, which is something that makes people don't normally get. Like, I could just say mixed, and everyone knows, oh, white and black. Mm -hmm. There was a certain uh, succinctness there that you normally get when you're not mixed, when you're monoracial. Um, so that, that part just, like... But but Bertrand, so this point this point about so you were you were raised by your white mother and you I don't know how people read you in life or like how they read you as a little kid. Because sometimes people look different, like everyone's always saying that what's her name? Uh Meghan Markle doesn't look black. One, I think she looks black. Two, especially when she was young and you know, had you know, curly hair and was walking around with her black mother who's her twin, like Everyone obviously thought she was black when she was a kid, and that was her experience. But like, did Three, you have any of this? Next to the royal family. I'm sorry. Three, especially next to the royal family. <laughs> well, especially yes, no. next to the Windsors. So, my mom was a white person surrounded by black people. The only other white people in my life were like my two cousins, and also because these black people in my neighborhood around me, all my stepdads were like parental figures. But other than my mom, always black. Um, but because I was around black people who grew up around black people and also the only mixed people they knew were white and black, they could just peg me. Uh, it wasn't very confusing. So I was very lucky as a, as a biracial person in the area that I was. All right. Well, I, I want to take a couple more of these questions because we're going to, at 9.30, I think, I'm going to turn off the video. It's moved over to being in Colin exclusively. Okay. So Thank you. For everyone to th thank you, Wyatt, for sharing with us. Give I really Jackson a chance, it. by the way. He's really trying. <laughs> LOL. You guys are ridiculous. <laughs> well, uh, just wanted to point out um, that I, I kind of understand where Wyatt is coming from. Mm. Because uh, I grew up heavily religious and I know what it's like to, to feel that loneliness because you're, you're, you seem like you're set apart. And so, uh, Wyatt, just, uh, you know, keeping, you know, hanging in there. Um, you know, as you move through life, then you may end up finding someone that truly gets you, that it'll be, it'll be amazing. And I, I know a lot of times we talk about the, the perils of dating right now, but, you know, and I don't want to be, sound like a sappy, um, optimistic person, but a lot of times there's light at the end of the tunnel. Even though you can't see the light just yet, you may be a little bit far back, you know? And so just keep it up. Uh, and and I, I guess it kind of resonated with me because my boyfriend is half white, half Mexican. Mm. And so it was just like, and, and he was an army brat and traveled all over. And so... I think I, he kind of knows what that feels like too. So just just continue, you know, to grow. And I, I know it seems kind of dim at the moment, at 20 years old, but it's going to get better. And you know, I just wanted to convey that to you. And by the way, I also applaud you on the being the stance of housing and you know healthcare through being a human right. I feel the same way. Solidarity. Solidarity. And thank you for that, James. I want to read this quick question from a while back from Sam Kane. Thank you. Who says, I think it's that men are paternal and feel the need to say, this is when we were talking about the time, like how much women start thinking in the future versus men. 
And Sam says, I think it's that men are paternal and feel the need to sacrifice to maintain relationships and therefore don't plan for anything. Sam, I unpack that for us in the call-in if you get in line. Um, but I'm going to read just a couple of more before I go to Day because I know Day always has great content. Um, Mafic says, oh, Bree, you seem like an amazing human being. If someone hasn't shared your experiences with you to this point, it's on them. Sure, it will happen. I mean, thank you. It's, you know, whatever. I, I'm a little bit of a pill also. Um, <laughs> Not in general. You mean today? You know, in general. You know, sure. I'm, I am who I am. But I appreciate well, I the vote of confidence. Empty, maybe. Not a pill. Um, Michael Harrison, thank you for your contribution. Says, I think this is about class. Apps silo us into demographic groups and echo chambers. Men and women occupy different class positions, and we're forgetting how to relate to each other. Interesting. I would say that men on average are more affluent, but also I am not experiencing affluent men, for better or for worse. Um, Day, let's get you in here. What do you have to say about it all? Hey, so, okay. So I really feel like I have so many different thoughts. So I want to make it more more dialogue than normal because I normally monologue about something first. But I do think, because I resonated with you about you said that I often feel the need to self-protect and control. And that resonated with me because it was evident in my last relationship, um, not to be Debbie Downer, but I do have to kind of explain that last relationship quickly, just so that it informs why I have some thoughts I have now. Shout out to you, Wyatt. Um, solidarity as a fellow homosexual, I understand it's rough out in these streets and it does get better. Um, so, I dated interracially was my last relationship. It was my first uh, relationship that I was in with a white man. And that was actually, believe it or not, he had reservations about it because it was the first time that I'd ever been in a relationship with a white man. He had been in relationships with men of color before. So it was interesting to have that be a concern for him. But then, as you all know, I'm pretty spiritual. He was not. So that actually I thought would be my, my issue. Well, Fast forwarding, the reason why I have to talk about my dating life the way that I do, unfortunately, um, this past October, he was a realtor um, and he was um, murdered by a deranged client. And oh my so God. Hey, I'm no so sorry. Here. Oh, it's okay. Thank you. Um, he's no longer here. So my dating, I'm not necessarily like actively, oh my God, I'm trying to date, of course, but my experience, and we started dating right before COVID. So it was such a unique dating experience because- I never lived with anyone. I dated all those different things, but I moved in with them during COVID because it was safer than like me staying with my family. So it was just all these different things. And so that's why I feel like you brought up so many different directions that I can relate to and speak on because of my experiences um, in this one situation. But I will say off the top, I think our desire to self-protect and control our environment does leave, uh, doesn't leave much room, I think, sometimes for people to be autonomous or for the unexpected to happen and us respond well to it. Um, I've found that I think, I realized when I started going to therapy, like again, halfway, like in 2020, it was because I started realizing it was exhausting for me to constantly control the external. And I felt like it's easier to learn how to control how I respond to external factors. That way I wasn't so rocked all the time. I felt like so much was changing and happening for me in my life. Like I was in a relationship. My job became really stressful. I moved in with somebody I never lived with before. Like I was dating interracially. All these different things were happening. And he was just so fine. So he was such a peaceful person. Like he was like socially, politically, he was like a, 
a social liberal, like very like go gay people, go gay rights, you know, like you know, go women. He, I laughed because he posted when Kamala did it that whole women wear your heels because the glasses on thing, <laughs> and like politically, it used to make me laugh because. I remember you telling a story about how this one guy you liked, you went off at a dinner party, first time meeting people, and he didn't shame you. Yeah. And I remember that happening <laughs> the first time I went to his, one of his family reunions. And so I have learned, I like to make it very clear with interracial dating. Like, personally, I understand preferences and how familiarity can influence that. But I do feel like it can borderline prejudice, since we can't call it racism, when you're exclusionary solely on the fact of their skin color. Because I'm like, people Guys, aren't able- I dated this white guy for like three months. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. I did my part. You be talking about it, I can't. But I will say this, though. I understand when you talk about the- There are certain cultural assumptions that I made because typically I was dating people of color that I mm-hmm. could not make. In in my that relationship, like case in point, you throw a rock at a black person, nine times out of ten they're a Democrat, eight times out of ten they grew up in a Christian church. Mm-hmm. Like that's a thing that I could not do. And so the reason why I think I got so challenged was one, I said, you know what? It goes against my spiritual and my left principles of universality universality if I'm really gonna cut somebody off based on that. And then he wasn't spiritual, he was atheist. And so like I had never thought that that was a thing or a possibility. And I remember the day he told me that, like, he was so fearful because he was just like, this guy's going to break up with me. And he was Mm. so sure about me. And, like, I sat home and I thought about it. And I was like, it's kind of like I believe Bertrand said. I was like, why am I really getting myself so convoluted in these different computations when it's like, yo, do I like you? Do you like me? Let's kind of figure there. I do believe there are hard things that can be like, if you want kids and I don't, that's a hard thing. Like that's something we're breaking up over possibly. But to me, it's just like dating is already hard enough. So like adding a bunch of mathematical computation makes it harder because listen, I have a lifetime of growing and learning with somebody. And if they're willing to be committed to that, I'm willing to be committed as well. Because I think Jada Pinkett Smith said, every person you're with is going to change. Mm-hmm. And you just have to figure out as that old person dies, you have to figure out a new thing to love about them. Mm-hmm. And I think my my political evolution pretty much happened right before dating my last partner mm-hmm. and especially through it. And so like he had to deal with me at being the person at the family function, because, of course, now you have conservatives and liberals because that's what happens in white families. And I didn't know. I'm like, <laughs> oh, God. And so like I'm trying to shut up. But when they ask me. Hey, D or Darius, what do you think about Blake? And I'm like, well, you know, try to keep it coy, but they keep going. So I was like, ready, aim, fire. And I would just let him have it. And he would just kind of get up and, you know, he would walk away because he was bored. He wasn't really into it. But then he'd come back. If he thought it was getting too loud, he'd come back and be like, hey, chill out. And then he would, to, to the other people, never to me. And then I would go back on my tirade. So, you know, it was fun. <laughs> That's, I mean, that's the best. That's kind of, I think, the best you can hope for. And I'm so glad that you had that experience with him. I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I I would actually love to answer things that you, because you had so many questions. Because even with James, I was like, actually, no, dating him exposed me that there's tons of gay conservatives. What are you talking about? Like, it's a whole thing. I didn't have that experience before dating Black people, though. Mm. Well, so I... wasn't a conservative, by the way, sorry. (laughs) 
I so I have experience, like you pointed out, the my last boyfriend was like that, very patient and didn't judge my expressing my politics in the public sphere. Even it had a higher tolerance for conflict. The last guy I dated uh, was similar. You know, it's I'm not having. It is difficult to find what I'm looking for, but I find it. I swipe, swipe, swipe. I treat it like a second <laughs> job, and I find it. That's not my issue. Like inventory is low, but I am a good researcher. And I, I have found, I have found candidates over and over and over again. My issue is just that they don't uh, pan out. <laughs> well, well, I have a question. Do you sometimes like the old saying goes? Sometimes your type is keeping you from being happy. I think is that, that is, I think that's true. Yeah. I'm this last Aquarian. I gotta say, and I'm really reluctant to get uh, on this Aquarian rabbit hole again. Katie has thoughts about a I'm sorry, so can't relate. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know about that stuff. I'm just thinking, oh, that's an interesting. I never think about my, that whole intersection. Is someone yeah. banging down a door, by the way? It's me. I keep hitting the table. I'm sorry. Oh, wow. You're so passionate. A little bit. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I guess my issue is that I, you know, I do think on some level I might be looking like attracted to men who are like emotionally aloof or something or who, cause I like to have a certain degree of space. I'm like, a, I'm like, a hot, like I'm, I'm a Leo, right? A cat. Like, You're a cat. I'm a cat. Like lions like to hunt, 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 like you, a huge bird of activity. And then you want to like lie around sleeping all day. That's very <laughs> much I, how I am. I wax and wane. Mm-hmm. I had a, you know, coasting rising was extremely stressful. And then I like basically be have been great. in my pajamas for the last 48 hours. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> I showered before this. I went to the gym and showered. And this is like the first time. And I don't really want to end that sentence. So <laughs> like I, I sometimes think I maybe I'm looking for men who um, or I'm attracted to men who aren't who, who have their own thing going on, mm. who are independent and, and got their own. It's not like a conscious choice, but I'm never with, you know, I see these girls and they're like with guys who are like, like smothering like I just I've never had that experience I've never had an experience of breaking up with someone where they like came running back like I've never had like a late night drunk call from someone oh I miss you that's, like, that's never oh, happened uh, once Interesting. and that feels I, like I changed your life when I date you so I, I've definitely had that <laughs> you what? what did you say I said I changed people's way of life when I date them I'm told because they're oh, they're wow. not used to opening up like I'll get into that when you finish. I'm sorry, Brie. Well, no, it's just that I I don't feel like I'm, I'm perfectly willing. I'm not like a, I I don't have issues sharing. I'm obviously sitting here telling way too much about my personal life to, you know, (laughs) hundreds of strangers. Like that's not my issue, but I think on some level, something I'm doing is picking people who at at this point, there's a pattern of they breaking up with me in the exact same way in a way that's making me like homicidal. (laughs) Mm. Well, well, let's talk Uh about that. Cause see, this is, I, I do believe some of your, some of the things in your planning nature or your thoughts about planning somewhat is in alignment for what I would expect for a lawyer, because like someone who became a lawyer, similar to like a doctor, you're constantly growing up in a space where you have to plan years beyond someone who's just figuring it out. Like, I can't just wake up typically at 20, 22 and be like, oh, I want to be a lawyer. Like, no, that process but started guys, before guys, you got into school. I, I am not an organized person. I am not yeah, a, I'm, I'm not someone who has like a book. I have terrible executive function. This is not me being like, yeah. oh, I'm uptight and I'm a planner. It's the no, opposite. No. I I'm looking. That's what you meant. What, but what I'm saying is, on, on the most basic level, I know that I want to be in a relationship. 
I know that. I think life is better in a relationship. It's easier in a relationship. It's nice to be able to tag team and go through difficult things with someone else and split rent with someone else and have someone ready made to spend the weekend with with someone else. Marxist analysis. Do you ever feel like you're able to be in the now? Because all the time, like Like, what what I'm talking about planning, all I'm saying is that when I'm dating you and we've been dating for two or three years Mm -hmm. and you are an adult in your late thirties or early forties and you say, Oh, actually, I don't know if I want to be in a relationship. That's stupid. (laughs) You should have figured that out. That is ridiculous and unacceptable behavior. Totally agree. And I don't want to say that men are trash, but I, I understand that. I hear you go. There are a lot of men who have the odor of trash. That's what I'll say. And like, <laughs> I was unique. That my, my Super strong. <laughs> I'll say I had the benefit. My partner was much older. And so like, I think, but I will say this age does not change. I try, I've learned this age and race. You can be trash in any age, trash in any race. I said what you might call an F boy as a black person, they might call a tool as a white person, but they're still the same thing. The maturity is not chronological. At all. And Mm -hmm. I said, but this is why I feel this way, because I feel that, um, you know, I do feel a lot of men lack self-awareness. And I think especially gay men, because for a lot of gay men, we're delayed in like our romantic experience. And a lot of times, and a lot of times sexual experiences are often done in hiding and clouded in shame. So that divorces the idea of sex as a bonding action within a relationship. Wow. And so it's like, like I don't do the apps per se because they tend to be a cesspool in my opinion. Um, <laughs> and I don't, I'm not interested in being <laughs> sexual. Like I'm, I'm kind of, cons- I'm kind of heterodox in the fact that it's like, I'm actually kind of conservative in how I govern myself sexually to learn all my goddamn business. But it's like, I would like to make connection. And so that's really hard. It's like me showing up to a bathhouse and be like, let's just hold hands. I look stupid because it's like, well, we're at a bathhouse. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think that men, when you're a woman who seems at least somewhat self-aware of yourself or what you want, I think that's not a bad thing. It's just sometimes recognizing up front, it's it's testy because like, I know that I want to be, I know James was different. That's fine. Like, I know that I want to be monogamous. So I kind of get certain questions and conversations out of the way earlier mm-hmm. without test, without like, so like when I dated interracially, he, I remember at, it was like our fourth date and he just looked at me. He was like, wow, we talk about race a lot. And like, <laughs> it made me stop and go, oh, dang, I really am doing that. But I realized it because I was trying to, one, I wanted to dig and investigate Mm-hmm. Listen, you've dated a lot of people of color. Is this a fetish thing? Like, right. what's up? Mm-hmm. But then I realized from his perspective, he admitted, he said, you know what? I think hearing your analysis made me realize that I think I was dating a lot of whitewashed Black people, but my intention was never not pure. He was like, I just like you. He was like, so I couldn't fathom dating you for, you know, weird Well, is that king shaming? It is what it is. Some things can be shamed. Uh, <laughs> like for some weird exotic fetish thing because i was like i don't want to show up in your house and you got like kunta kente in the bedroom oh, right with chains and whips like i'm not doing that that's not my <laughs> no, day no no slave play for day <laughs> no slave play for day Listen, this is why i can't run for office because they're gonna say they is in the slave play but anyways so yeah you're running on think, the anti-slave uh, play ticket listen and this is how it feels weird to say this all in like but anyways um uh, please don't cancel me. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I think for you, if you really 
being open i think the more open you are the more options you have and men seem to understand that better because i do think the dating world caters to men the only difference is the oh, fact yeah. that men men also have the societal pressure to typically be a provider so in your case Bree, it's almost the antithesis because you don't need a man financially but then it forces men to have to be something other than just what i call a public success but a private failure i think I that's think- so on point right there i think that I think that some, so I don't think that people are unsuccessful because they're not in relationships. I, I have this conversation with my single friends. Well, we might be single, but we look around at our married friends and we don't necessarily envy their scenarios, right? So there are, (laughs) there are, um, there are reasons that sometimes other people get together. I think you're right. I don't have financial pressure to get together with someone else. I don't, I, I would, it would be helpful, but I don't literally need it. I'm not going to. You know, I know everyone's watching the show Made right now, which apparently is really good at dis- demonstrating the, the financial um, pressures on a young single mother. And she basically is staying with her partner who's abusive because she can't afford to move. You know, like that that is not my scenario. So it is enabling me to be more selective in certain respects. And I think that that is right. Michelle it, is amazing in that movie, by the way. I didn't know she could act until I saw that movie. That you didn't like I Michael? That show. That show. No, no, no. I said Andy McDowell. No, no, no. I know, but the movie Michael with uh, John oh, Travolta was a classic. Oh, I, yeah. I didn't see that. I don't know what it is. I, I loved that movie. It was a. Right, I gotta look into it. We watched it on my aunt's house when it came out in the '90s, and it was such, such a short movie that we I said, know. "Well, let's put one more on." And we did a double header with Jerry Maguire, and Jerry Maguire is like the oh. longest movie in the world. <laughs> so we were up until like three <laughs> o'clock in the morning. Um, but I, I hear you, Day. I, I think that there's. I think that that's true, but, but but what that basically does is say, Brianna, go ahead and settle and pretend like you are a person that needs a man, right? No. No. Or just keep so. on keeping on, you know? I, and the thing is, I want to be really clear. I have, I have dated many people whom I would have married, one of whom I was engaged to. Mm-hmm. I did not end those relationships. <laughs> yeah. So well, what do they say? I'm curious. I, I don't know. I do not know what that says. I truly don't. No, what I do truly they don't. say? The what men, do they like, say? When they oh. Say. Um, if you don't mind sharing, you don't have to. It's, it's no, curious. no. I mean, it's not my problem. Some of them deserve a little bit of dragging. I know. Uh, <laughs> no, they're all nice except for my ex-fiance. My ex-fiance uh, basically left me to get back with his ex-girlfriend. Screw I didn't that know, realize that at the time, but that's what happens. Um, you don't know if he did or you did? I'm sorry. When you said you didn't realize it at the time, or he didn't realize it. I didn't realize that at the time. Like when oh, we broke okay. up, I didn't realize that that was what was happening. But mm-hmm. when they got married immediately, that made it clear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hit the Biden clip. The Biden clip. Super strong. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. The next one I really loved a lot. Uh, he was probably my favorite, and he was, I think, just a fundamentally not a, a commitment person. You know. He, I think it's going to be a serial. Maybe he might get married, and then I'll be very upset about it. But he seems right. like a kind of serial monogamous type, and that's messed up. Uh, he just he moves on to the. I mean, he's he was lovely. I thought he was really great. But I think at a certain point, things get too serious, and he doesn't want to be in it anymore. I think he has. He's one that has. I think some emotional uh, issues with emotional vul- with vulnerability, which is fair. We all, you know, people are human. Yeah. Uh, and the most yeah. recent one, I think. I think sometimes people have concerns because my executive function is so poor. I'm on the messier side, et cetera. And I think that some women, some men do want kind of like a maid situation. The mm-hmm. last guy I dated's mom literally told him, you should date a, you should marry a maid. 
And that happens to be not the thing I'm good at. I will, I will pay for someone to come clean the apartment on a regular basis, but I'm just not, I wasn't raised right. What can I say? I'm, I'm not good with the toilet brush. <laughs> can I tell you, speaking of bad breakups, by the way, that yeah. I had someone, I don't drag, I don't like to drag anyone. Uh, well, that's not true. Some people, I'm not going to name this person, but I did date someone for uh, almost a year. He was going to move in with me and he broke up with me over email and the email said, the last lines of it were, I'm breaking up with you. This is my final position and it's non-negotiable. This isn't a business channel. Oh, what? He That's was a so lawyer. aggressive. He was a lawyer. Oh, yeah. I got a... And yeah. I, I was so, honestly, it, it's weird. It's like sometimes I'm, I'll tolerate stuff that I shouldn't tolerate. I'll make excuses for people sometimes. But then there's a certain level of behavior where it's just like, no, that, that crossed the line. So I just didn't even reach out. To, like, I didn't even respond. Um, I, like, blocked him on everything because I didn't want to reach out to him. And then, like, two weeks later, to ask for, like, a civil discussion, basically, was, like, we were, you know, because we had mutual friends at this point. He, was, he had gotten a job transfer, so he was still moving to New York from the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, like, we have overlapping, you know, friends and lives, and, you know, it would be nice to be on, like, civil terms as opposed to, I mean, Basically, you should have sent that to your mom because he has mom issues. But anyway, I didn't put the mom <laughs> part in. I just said it would be nice to be on civil terms. And he writes back to me, I have nothing else to say. I'm no longer moving to New York. I have nothing else to say. Best of luck. I mean, that sounds like beta male energy. Yeah, big, yeah, big mothers. He was just mothers. afraid to tell you he didn't want to move. Like, essentially, you could have told me that from Jump Street. I hate when people get into relationships or try to engage with people about stuff that they you really know from Jump Street, you're not gonna do. Like if somebody says, hey, I live in LA, you live in New York, and they know they wanna stay in LA, don't pretend like New York is ever an option. Save yourself I mean, the other person. he got a job transfer, he like wrote about me. I remember him showing me the letter he wrote to the law firm that, that transferred him, he mentioned me. It was, yeah, I couldn't believe it well, though. This I may be a good, I, yeah. Maybe this is a good entry point into this conversation about love bombing. Day, I've invited you just up to be a speaker so I can bring some other people over to talk. (laughs) But, but have you guys heard of this concept called love bombing? No. No. Oh yeah, that nurse or something. Yeah, the West. So, so this is like West Elm Caleb uh, adjacent. Well, before I do that, let me just read this question that's on the screen real quick because it's been up here here for a while from Carl Woodlayer Jean Louis. Thank you, Carl. He says 17 to 23, men are just hunting. 23 to 27, men are learning what they like in women. 27 to 35, we're a bit more mature, so we try to do better. The five years question is daunting to men because future feels anxious from my experience. Well, congratulations for doing all that thinking time. I'm dating 42-year-olds who don't have an effing clue. The, the last guy's ultimate excuse, uh, reason for breaking up was, you know what? We've been talking a lot about you know, the future, and I think you're right. Now that you made me ask, you know, think about it, I don't know that I want to be in a relationship. Oh, I gotta, I gotta think it through again. at your enormous age. So that's where we are. Um, I, I, okay. How old so, is this person? What's this person? Forty-one. Um, okay. So here, here's, here's the thing. I really am loving this video format, but I, I, I feel like there was like an intimacy, intimacy level that I happens on the Colin, and I want to make sure that we get at least like an hour in on Colin exclusively. But, like, I don't know that I want to set us up for, like, the three-hour marriage. You know what I mean? <laughs> a 
four hour marathon if I stay here on um, the internet. So I'm going to, I'm going to take one more question here and then wrap the, wrap the YouTube and then go to call in exclusively. Um, Mafic, Katie, you deserve better to Brie and you're both good people, but that's the thing. It's not about that. Like I know so many bad people who are married. <laughs> right. That's the thing that's so and, kind of, yeah. that's, not, that's true. But I just, I want someone to try it with me. Maybe I break up with them. Maybe I'm the one that calls it off, but no one's even trying. I also want to be clear. I'm not bitter about that guy. Sorry. Sorry. Can you hear each other? Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Katie. No, I'm not. I just want to make it clear. I'm not bitter about that guy as like, I don't pine for him and wish we were together. I'm just, I'm still like disgusted by someone being that way. So if you, the, the anger you hear, if you do hear anger, that's what it is. And now I realize if, it's kind of impossible to ever say I'm not bitter about something without the people being like, yes, you're bitter about the thing you're saying you're not bitter about. Yeah, but bitterness, but I legit am not, I, I'm okay, tired of shaming people about, about bitterness. I said this on a, on yeah. a different, on the last at Colin. If someone were like hitting you and like you flinched, people would be like, of course you should flinch. This person hits you every time they walk by. Right. If, right. if you, bitterness is emotional flinching. Like yes, you I'm, can say just, that it's not productive yeah. or whatever, but like, it's almost stupid right. at a certain point in your life when you've had a certain level of life experiences, not to have like a preemptive reaction to something when it's happened over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, I think that may be true. I'm just saying that like it, this person doesn't trick, you know, they say the opposite of uh, love isn't hate. It's indifference. Mm -hmm. So I have, I just have like, uh, I'm just disgusted that he would do that, but I don't have, I, I'm not heartbroken over him. Well, I'm I glad mean, to hear that, Katie. At over one person at a time, by the way. I'm sorry? I basically am heartbroken by, like, once I'm heartbroken by one person, that knocks the last one out. I get that. I mean, yeah. well, I don't know that I feel that way, but I get that. Kusha, let's, let's, let's hear from you, and you will be the last um, one before I end this two-hour now live stream. What well, is on your mind? Good evening, Brianna. Are you able to hear me? I am. I can hear you loud and clear. Well, thank you greatly for having me on once again. And also, I want to note that I see my newfound friend, uh, journalist Aaron Maté, is present in this call as well, uh, alongside Hi. his current uh, co-pilot, uh, Katie Halper. Uh, I invited him up to be a speaker for the record, and he's politely declined, which I completely understand. Um, oh but I just want to say that I did offer. <laughs> so what's on your mind, Kuja? Sure. If I may just begin with this with this aside, I would like to give Aaron uh, some big credit for being so open to my pushback over the three episodes of his call-in programs uh, so far. And we've had some fun, deep, and really challenging exchanges about world affairs, especially those pertaining to the Middle East from a left perspective. And I'm really looking forward to speaking with him and his father, Dr. Gabor Mate, tomorrow. And now concluding that aside, uh, and given the theme of this episode... My desire is to connect back to some of what we discussed in episode 19 when you kindly revealed some more details about your upbringing, specifically your time in Saudi Arabia and about your maternal grandparents. Also, since it's slightly been touched on by some callers like Case and Wyatt, I'd like to begin by asking through the lens of religion specifically, if religious differences ever have played a factor in your dating, and moreover, what do you think is the most fair way for couples who have religious differences to raise a child? Um, my experience has been, especially on these apps where people articulate their religious preferences, a lot of black guys 
want to want a black like a spiritual partner, and I am not religious. And my feeling is that it wouldn't matter to me if they're Christian and devout, uh, but it's the other way around. Um, the kind of person who, upon meeting you, asks you what church you belong to. That's a little bit that is speaking to like a broader cultural void that is in all likelihood going to manifest into an issue down the line. So I will admit to avoiding uh, people who say they want a spiritual, you know, a partner who has a relationship with Jesus or things like that. Just being randomly Christian is not the same thing as like stating in your program, like I want, you know, I have a relationship with Jesus and I want you to, too. that kind of, I don't know, man. That sounds I, like it's uh, Polly, Polly with Jesus. <laughs> that is Katie. the funniest oh, thing I've ever heard. Oh, there is the Holy Trinity. There's the trio. Yeah. Polly with Jesus. My goodness, Katie, you really do have a way with words. Can I say something about this? Since that was something I actually went through. Yeah. Quick, sorry. Is that like, I never assumed that I would need to make that a thing. And I always was scared that I never, until it happened when I was faced with it, like, oh, they don't believe in Christ, it really made me self-assess and it made me realize that, you know, everyone loves to use the quote, oh, don't be unequally, unequally yoked. And I started realizing this is really oppressive as a, as a mentality because if I truly believe that God is love, the actions that I do, including how I interact with people should reflect that. And so just like God gave people the opportunity in the Garden of Eden when he had Adam and Eve, he gave them the option of whether or not to touch that it should also be reflected in like they have the option to love him or not and Mm -hmm. need loving them and loving his creature because I still believe that they're in his image shouldn't divorce me from the idea that they have the choice to not follow the same path I have, I do, and they still deserve the same amount of love that I do. So I actually find it hypocritical Mm -hmm. when people will not be willing to let somebody go through their own journey because I can't go to heaven or hell for them. So therefore, I have to just live and let them live and be the best example of light that I can be. Well, I wish, look, this isn't, hasn't really come up in any concerted, like really pointed way, but the, the vision that goes through my head when I see some profiles like that, it is, it's not just like that individual who maybe we will have some patigo, but some patigo regardless of our spiritual differences. I do find myself thinking about like, Oh, what's this family going to be like? What's this whole dynamic going to be like? Am I going to get eye cutting from the aunties every time I'm around for the holidays about why don't you know this Bible verse? And are they going to be because I I will say religion is such a big part of so many black Americans experiences. And it has made my family a little bit on the outs in a lot of different ways. Broadly speaking, I have felt sometimes growing up overseas and then also not having any like having any Christianity that there are things that happen that I don't know, you know, all that call and response thing that people do. I feel like sometimes like there's a big sorority, another thing that I didn't pledge, you know, I didn't do. And it's just another way that like, I don't know. I don't know the words to that one. Like, I don't know. And it makes me feel, I, I have felt a little isolated and judged sometimes in certain, certain black environments, not all obviously because of my lack of Christianity and sometimes I just don't feel like being, I'm like, I, there's a part of me that preemptively is like not wanting to feel judged again in a, mm-hmm. in a familial, familial relationship context, which perhaps isn't fair. 
Like, I will own that. But it's never really come up. And it's not like I've ever dated a guy and then it's like, oh, he's, his family's very Christian. And I was like, oh, never mind. That's, that's never been a thing. Somebody who was Christian and preached door to door for almost 20 years. Yeah, I feel exactly what you're saying. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was an evangelical for almost twenty years. Wow. And so, so, I mean, how does how do you what caused the shift and how are you feeling now? I came out the closet and I got kicked out. Um, <laughs> but uh, oh, I've actually been a lot better lately. Actually, I actually have had less depressive episodes since actually coming into my own and being who I am. And so it's, it's, it's actually been a lot better over the last few years. So I've actually been doing better. Well, I'm certainly glad not, to you. Sorry, go ahead. Not, oh, yeah. I was going to say, um, I'm not religious. I'm not, I also don't have like uh, a spirituality that I'm practicing. I'm just a non-believer. That's what feels best to me. That's probably, I would say that's probably one of the most persistent rifts or things that cause rifts when I uh, meet people comes up in relationships, um, especially when you're, you know, if you're in a relationship and you're tackling something hard, something, some sort of, uh, any sort of hardship, people who are religious or are spiritual, that's how they tend to process that event and what's going on. And when you're there trying to support them, it's hard to have a different spirituality or no spirituality and to also be there on the same page with them because as they're trying to make sense of that, whether they're doing that through, you know, God's will Universe, you just at least me, I'm often like, I don't know what to say here. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to co sign on any of these beliefs that I don't hold. But this is also an important moment in every relationship to be able to support people through hardship. So it's a persistent source of difficulty. Yeah. That's yeah. true. There's a way to navigate it with, with, without having to co sign to their beliefs. It's just, it's a little tricky, but at the same time, I think it can be done, um, but it's just, uh, it can be a little daunting from time to time, but I think it can be done. I, I got to confess, Kusha, I see, I, I know I can feel that you have many more questions pent up, but I want to get through this queue, and I, I'm very curious about, we haven't had many women callers, and Rebecca's next, and I want to get her in before we close out this YouTube stream. So I hope you don't mind, but I, that was a very thoughtful question, and I appreciate you t- steering us to religion, because I think that gave us... That was an important area that we hadn't gotten to yet. Sure, that's fine. I uh, absolutely understand. Thank, Thank you, me. and I hope to see you again uh, on the next stream. Sounds great. Thank you very much. Okay, Rebecca, you really are going to be the last one before I end this um, YouTube stream, although we'll keep going on. Colin, what's on your mind? Hi, can you hear me okay? I can. Great. Hi, this is Rebecca Parson. Hi, Katie. <laughs> oh, hi, Rebecca. Everyone uh, vote for yeah. Rebecca for Congress. Yeah. She's great. <laughs> where, where are you running, Rebecca? Uh, Washington State, Tacoma. Uh, so, yeah, about an hour south of Seattle, and then the northwest corner of the state. But I listened to almost all of your podcasts. So, and I just started listening to your call-ins, and they've been really great. I'm glad you're doing it. Well, thank you, and thank you for calling um, in. What What do you think about yeah. all of this? Well, I have a, you know, I recently started dating somebody six weeks ago, and before that, I was on the apps, and I'm lesbian, so I have that side of things. And I even had somebody I was dating who I met on an app who had an RBG tattoo. It was kind of a... Oh. Um, Oh my god. Wait, was it done before?
after she died? After, as tribute. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> it wasn't her face, but it was um, whatever. The collar. The collar. It was the collar, yeah. Oh. And she this showed it to me after she got it, like, isn't this great? And I we were like, oh. <laughs> um. oh, my gosh. So what like, happened? I, Did it end the relationship? Uh, not because of that, but it was, okay. yeah, it's, yeah, I ended it. And uh, it's just like, it, it wasn't that, that wasn't the nail in the coffin. It was more just kind of a great symbol of how incompatible we were in a lot of ways. And I feel somebody said that about the apps, like it just shows conservative, moderate, liberal, mm-hmm. and it doesn't show uh, right. like Left. leftist and hates Hillary Clinton. Like there's no option <laughs> right. for that. <laughs> Right. Um, Rebecca, I, went out was, with, I don't I, think we would have matched. <laughs> right. That's it. I, I do it so much. The heartbreak that could have been prevented if these apps had more. Were more yeah. It would make it so easy, especially if you could select for it. But I did right. it someone who had a framed Nicole Hannah Jones tweet on their wall, which mm-hmm. is the, my equivalent of a yeah. of an RG, RBG <laughs> tattoo. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, less forgivable because more niche. Bar on the bar on the floor is what I'm saying. But Rebecca, so from your perspective, you know, we had Kate on the last episode, the the women's episode, trying to caution us that it wasn't just a man problem; it was a woman problem. Is she right in your experience? Um, Yeah, like I've been ghosted by women, and the thing that's a bit different about with women on apps is that uh, most women want to have somebody message them and chase them. So if you have two women who are trying to date each other, it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, are we just going to bat our eyelashes at each other? Like (laughs) nobody's ever going to do anything. And so always like, I just take it upon myself and it's like, you know, to always start like, Hey, how's you, you know, mention something in the profile. Hey, how's your day going? How did it always start it? Even though I probably wouldn't, you know, if I were straight and I, yeah. So that's a, that's a thing. Uh, and it's kind of a stereotype of like the hopeless lesbian, like, is she into me? And it's like, I don't know. You went on two dates from a dating app, like take a wild guess. <laughs> See, I feel like I also have to do that with men. I feel like I'm the one that's like, can we please stop texting? I don't, I don't care how your morning was. You don't care how my morning was. We've never <laughs> met. Can we please just meet? I do. My problem is I have BDE. Oh, my be. my fundamental <laughs> problem is that I have alpha energy. I had to learn how to text. I had been there the whole time. People were obsessed with texting and like all the emojis and whatnot. I, I had to adopt that. It's completely new for me. I'm texting more than I ever have. My phone, the battery dies now, which is never a thing. <laughs> So, so Rebecca, apart, apart from the women, you know, no one wants to take the first step when you're out on these days, when you're meeting people, you know, how soon, if at all is politics coming up and like, how are you handling dating with liberals? Are you, you obviously were willing to make a go of it with the RBG woman. (laughs) Yeah, I, um. I don't really bring up politics on the first date. I more prefer to see like how, uh, like I went on a date with somebody who seemed like, okay, you know, fine. But then she made a comment about homeless people that was derogatory. Oh, no, so, all these people making all these homeless comments. Do you live in LA? She lives in Washington. So yeah. like LA adjacent, like California adjacent. Does she not know about who you are politically? I guess I was going to say like people don't know. If you meet online, they may not know who that you're running for office and stuff. Yeah, that's a. I kind of wonder because I ran in 2020, and uh, then 
I was on the news for some ho- like housing direct action. So yeah. the RBG one did figure that out and then like started dropping hints that she knew who <laughs> I was. And that was like, okay. Um, but I usually just try to feel it out on the first date and then, you know, we'll usually tell later. And I just prefer like, I, I guess the way I see it is like not everybody's in, most people are not as into politics as I am sure. or the people on the show. And so I would really be limiting myself if I tried to find people who were. So for me, I just try to feel out like the empathy thing, like somebody who's going to say something shitty about homeless people. We're not going to be compatible, but like the person I'm dating now, I could tell that when I brought up politics, she would be open and we would be mm-hmm. able to talk about it. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think that I feels think that's, so I think that's such a good point. And I would much rather date like a mensch, who yeah. Uh, yeah. is not necessarily as politically tuned in or uh, uh, interested than someone who's like a politics nerd and kind of is, is, is less of a mensch or like more of an asshole. I think that's something that uh, I really feel strongly about and that empathy really is the thing that like you can build on both politically and personally. But if that's not there, like you're, you're screwed. So yeah. Screwed. Yeah. I agree I with, with that. <laughs> what Wait, what was that, Bertrand? I said, uh, both of the women just now said, said what I, I wanted to say when we were on the pod the other day. It's much better about the empathy piece and kind of looking for Mensch. I should have just gone. Women can do it all. And, you know, Yiddish is incredibly expressive as I can't really stop is. using words on the podcast all I the know. time. She gets all um, pumped. Well, everyone I, look into Rebecca. Can I just, can I like uh, give a, I just want everyone to know that Rebecca, every, what's your, can I, can I like ask her to just say her Twitter handle and website? Everyone yeah, go for it. Rebecca, she's so great. Yeah, it's Rebecca for W-A-F-O-R. Um, and yeah, I was calling because I really wanted to talk about um, some of the, you know, call-in discussions and um, bad faith episodes you've had about third parties and how mm. to organize and combining direct action with parties. But I don't want to derail this conversation, so maybe I'll just call in another time. But no, well, let's do. I, I think I'm going to do a, an extra episode at some point this week, okay. uh, maybe over the weekend, because there was a lot of interest around that, um, and there's like more things to talk about than episode mm-hmm. slots per week. Um, so we'll definitely be doing that, like, and having an open season, perhaps on Saturday, if that works for people. Yeah, definitely. Sounds you great. should have Rebecca on as a guest, not the book, but you got to have her on. She's so great. Yeah, so follow, follow this. Um, everyone here should know this already, but you should follow Katie Halper on here because she's starting a show soon. But also, if you haven't subscribed to the debrief, subscribe to the debrief in this app, and then you'll get an alert when I schedule an upcoming episode so you can plan for it. People who are watching on YouTube, thank you for joining us here. This is, if you wanted to call in, we're going to keep going over on call in. Go download the Colin app. It's only for uh, Apple right now. I apologize for that. But once the episode is posted, you can everybody can listen to the episodes in the browser. That's why I'm doing it, you know, half of it on here so that everyone can have access to it until they develop it for Android phones. Again, I'm sorry for that. Um, but yeah, follow the debrief. I really love, like, this community is great, right? Like, these people yeah, are great. I love this. I'm so excited to start doing this. These questions are great. I'm very excited. Katie, I feel like you were made for this as well. Um, I'm going to read these last couple off the screen. Breeze, what's your favorite scary movie? That's difficult to answer because I like a lot of scary movies, but an underrated one that people should watch is called Boy. And it feels like a low-budget Hallmark movie, but it's so much better than you think it's going to be. It's about a doll. 
that seems to be coming to light. Counselor Guy says, we live in a traditional conservative feminist society. Men are expected to be trad cons and egalitarian at the same time, which is not possible. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I, I would, like, I don't even, I, I mean, that's a whole other thing. Like, you can be, if you're going to be traditional, be traditional. I think the problem is that so many people, like, man, men want to be posturing and machismo and stuff, but then also don't bring the bacon home. You know what I mean? It's like, and that's fine. Don't bring the bacon home. Pick a narrative. But like, be nice to me then. <laughs> you don't get to be mean to me and not give me money. Like, do you know what I mean? Like that has been the historical trade-off and men think they can still like walk around beating their chests when they're not contributing in the way that historically men were contributing. Yeah. But men you know? don't often be put, they're not often put in that situation. Like I truly believe that men are taught to be public successes, meaning their careers, the bravado, all the things that come along with that being that hunter, but they're never taught how to do the personal development. So then as a woman that you've done that thing, you become publicly successful. And as a woman, I feel you guys are conditioned to have that personal development. You show up like this pool is pretty vapid because you don't have the surface veneer of public success and your trash. And <laughs> I feel like... That it just, but I feel like you get to a place in life when you've done your. I feel like once you're awake, awoke, once you're woke to something, it's hard to unsee it. Like as a person who's, I've tried to work, call out my own flaws. Like, dang it, I was really trash back in the day because I wasn't vulnerable. Blah 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 blah. Now that I feel like I've gotten better, I'm like, oh man, I can't unsee it now. So it makes it harder to date somebody who's just like, you know, we could just chill. For the next six months, but you're not my boyfriend. But I do want you to meet my family. But you're not my boyfriend. But I do. That, I don't do that anymore. That sh- that's what I'm saying. Like, okay, so people are making fun of this love bombing thing, saying it's not a thing, and like everything is an abuse, and stop using psychological terms. And I get that. I, but but the phenomenon that's being described of people behaving in a way that indicates a level of seriousness, introducing you to my family, maybe even saying I love you making all these commitments, talking about what our children look like, all of that oh, stuff, so dark. then followed up like two weeks later with a, I don't know, I don't know if I want to be in a relationship, is like, I'm not saying it's abuse or anything, but it's like really rude. Like it's shitty. <laughs> Why do people yeah. not recognize that? That's true. Yeah, how, how, how detached are you from your emotions and like to not get that? I, I do not know. Like I do, like I... I wouldn't bring someone around my family if I didn't think that that was like a real potential. You know what I mean? Like if I weren't serious. Well, you dodged a bullet. That's what I keep saying, everyone. So Bertrand's never experienced that. What what are you saying, James? Oh, you have? I didn't know the word for it. It seems like in real life, that's like how to not be conservative in society and not saying anything. Yeah. I had someone realize like at a bar that visited and um, everybody was like, oh, she's super nice. Uh, we think she likes you. So I just went up and got her number. And the moment I got her number with texting, it was just, she was texting me all the time. And I told her I was just adjusting this whole like emoji, trying to be more expressive, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like ask me favorite movies, favorite songs, you should swap lists, all this stuff. And then they have like six or seven weeks, I got to meet her daughter. And this was like when I was in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. Want me to come out and practice, meet her daughter, and then just ghost when I came back to LA. It was just gone, and I drove back and forth to the Northeast. So I did see her another time, um, but she had the COVID mask on, and she just looked at me with like wide eyes. <laughs> like, I guess she thought like I really wasn't going to come back, even though everybody knows 
of that town. My whole family's in that town. But it was just a month and a half of every boot up, romantic question, telling self-described like she was describing herself as like a hopeless romantic. And I didn't ask for any of that. Right. And then gone. Right. I, I, I want to hear from if any of you in the chat have done that, if you can own that that's a part of your behavior. Because the last guy I dated did that. I, I actually, I think I encounter a lot of guys who put on a full court press. That's a very common pattern with me at this point, that there's like, an, a, like a very aggressive courtship where I'm, I've learned to be like, okay, but you don't really know me yet. So like, I feel like I'm being judged maybe a little. I'm like, the resume, the idea of me and not like who I am. And so I'm like, okay, pump the brakes, pump the brakes. But eventually I am convinced. <laughs> I let my guard down. I agree to like them back. And then at that point it's like, oh, never mind. And so I'm, I'm curious whether or not someone has done that. Cause psychologically it does seem to be about like craving intimacy in an abstract way that has not uh. no real connection to a person. And I understand that like intellectually, but it's like rude. So stop. <laughs> Yeah. Um, think, go ahead. I think societally, uh, a lot of men, because of the way we're conditioned, we tend to have a primitive form of emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. And so because we have that primitive form of emotional intelligence, we do not develop it as we should. And a lot of men, they do not express emotional intelligence with each other. Uh, especially uh, a lot of uh, straight men, we gay men tend to do that as well because we tend to be uh, held back because of societal pressures and whatnot. And so because of that, then the people who become, I don't want to say the victims of, but kind of, yeah, the victims of, are women like you know yourself and Katie and many other different women because these men have not gotten to a place where they are actually able to be more emotional beings and then consider your feelings when they are making the decisions or even getting to know themselves in a timely fashion. And so I think one of the things that actually would help the change is those of us who are men, who are fathers, uncles, grandfathers, what have you, if we have developed that emotional intelligence, to also help our boys to develop that emotional intelligence at a younger age so that by the time they are reaching the ages of dating, then they are able to be more honest with themselves and then the people that they date as well so that there's no ambiguity or confusion. Well, some of you fathers out there, come get your 40-year-old sons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but can I echo something? Oh, Because in the aftermath, it seemed like she just she wanted to fling, which I would have been fine with. It seemed like... Just say that, yeah. Yeah, and I was wondering if there was some sort of... Uh, something about she felt like, I don't know, to sanitize it or to make it better for herself or to fit some gender construct, she needed to at least give the appearance that we were headed towards dating as opposed mm -hmm. to just going straight for a fling. I didn't really know. That, that's an interesting question that we should pick up on the other side. You both, uh, Bertrand and James, feel more than welcome to come over and 
join into the conversation on the call inside. I'm going to end this video. You guys have been excellent. I'm going to end the stream now. Can you tell people where they can find you and your substantive work before I end the stream? Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at underscore black trash. Um, reading at current affairs. That's my favorite piece. <laughs> All right. And James? show on youtube uh that's my channel i'm also on revolutionary blackout network as well and, and you guys can find me on at jb font on twitter as well Terrific. For those of you who don't know, I'm doing these call-in episodes on the call-in app. I was doing them the day after Bad Faith aired, but now I'm doing them the day of. So they will be on Mondays and Thursdays, usually around 7 or 8 o'clock. So subscribe to the show on call-in and you will get an alert. If you are a Patreon subscriber to Bad Faith Podcast, I also post uh, alerts there and sometimes take spe- the questions from the patrons first and prioritize them in the queue. So please do that. Thank you all for joining. And as always, keep the faith. Thanks, Bree. Bye, guys. But you guys stay here on Colin. This, you guys stay. <laughs> Bye, guys. Can I- yeah, go ahead, Dave. Right. I have a question. Yes. Well, a statement to what James said, because I totally agree. And then a question for you. Sure. So I, I do agree that men aren't often allowed to like express the full range of human emotion. I feel like men really just know angry and content. Because even when I ask them, are you happy, you joyous? It's just like, oh, I'm good. And I just feel like they don't get to sit and talk and like really learn to hear themselves and like discuss what's in their heart, not just what's on their like to do list work wise. Mm-hmm. And when you and I said earlier, like, oh, they always I jokingly said, yeah, they come back to me. It's because I said when you finally get in a relationship, like I don't need a man financially i'm okay and i was like i tended i tend to date tended to date by chance very well off successful men and so typically in gay relationships i feel like they think oh i'll just spoil you but i was like i don't need anything i mm-hmm. just want you so when you get to a point where they're having to talk to you every day and express how they're feeling it changes them so then that's really just an interesting space to navigate and watch i wish societally we got to a place where men were doing that a lot earlier the way that girls do because they tend to grow up relationally. So they tend to have a lot of female female friends, have conversation, and it just doesn't seem like we foster the same thing. Well, um, let's ask Rebecca. Men. Rebecca's still with us. I mean, do you feel like it's fair to say that this is attributable largely to a gender divide? The emotions, like being talking about emotions, being emotionally connected, that... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think women are... In my experience, you know, I dated men a long time ago, and I think that yes, yeah, I do think I guess it's a stereotype, and I've definitely you know dated women who aren't like this, but yeah, I do think women talk about feelings a lot more, they know what they're they actually are feeling more, it's more um accepted to talk about feeling more like accepted and expected to talk about feelings. So yeah, I don't know. It's a definitely a stereotype, but I think it's often true. Mm. You, can I tell a really stupid quick joke? Please. What does a um, lesbian bring to a second date? Oh no, I know what this is. <laughs> it's like house keys. A, a U-Haul. Yeah. <laughs> what does what a, a gay man bring to a second date? Uh, what? A condom. What's a second date? Oh, no. oh, What's a second date? Oh, no. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
<laughs> thank you for keeping it light, Katie. All right. Thank you, Rebecca. I'm going to um, bring Jacob up. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Good luck with everything in Washington. Um, unmute yourself, Jacob, and let you know what you think about all of this. Jacob, you still there? Are you having trouble with your mute key like um, case study was having? Having It's in the bottom right-hand corner with the little mic symbol. All right, Jacob, if you come back up into the queue, I will take you. But Molly, you're up next. Hi, Brianna. Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. What's on your mind, Molly? Perfect. Well, I uh, it's been brought up a few times, but I was – well, actually, first, I just want to say I'm a huge fan. I'm a first-time caller, but – um, I love the format of this app, and it's been really fun just getting to listen to all these great conversations and points. Well, thank you, Molly. You don't have to tell me your first time caller because I can count the number of female callers on. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember every single one of you, and I'm so glad to see the little bit of a gender diversification happening okay. in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, I wanted to, it's been hinted at a few times, people have talked about dating apps. I know um, on the ladies episode, um, there was sort of a back and forth about your experiences using apps. Mm -hmm. But uh, I was just curious um, if you've ever heard of uh, or would agree with the premise that um, dating apps allow people to be commodified Mm. and minimized just to exchangeable goods. Uh, assets within the market. Um, I'm also speaking from a hetero context, but I was just wondering if you thought that characterization was valid, that it's just uh, transactional, uh, commodifying in nature. And Yeah. I mean, I definitely do think that, I, I mean, I have girlfriends who are very much you know, they, they have the, the fact of swiping on guys means that they have their list and they check it twice and it's very reductive. I that's definitely an impulse that's cultivated by the apps. I, you know, and plus on an app, you can't feel people's intangibles. You don't, you know, sometimes somebody might come up to you who's shorter than you normally date or from a different background they would normally date. And they're just so compelling in real yeah, life a, they've got a deep voice like all these kinds of things that you can't tell on the app uh and i try to resist that urge i go out often with people who are like i'm fundamentally honestly just not attracted to their picture but i'm hoping that something happens when i <laughs> show up um and things like that but like to the point about i was making about religion like there are guys that i might have like swiped left because it seemed like it was a really big part of their lives and it just wasn't as appealing to me and i read into that I, like, I, I, I projected onto that all these other things about who they were that probably may or may not have been fair. At the same time, you know, the app kind of does demand you to make these decisions based on something and there's not much there. So I, I'm not, I don't judge people for that, but I definitely think that's a consequence of the app. Yeah, definitely. And I, um, I was just wondering if it's, if, are we doing ourselves a disservice if we are just like, have this increasing overbearing presence of a capitalist capitalistic ideology that you see even just like within the structure of the app and how it functions who invests in it who makes it it's uh just profiting off connections and a yearning for love i mean i just well for one it's free if you want it to be (laughs) you only have to pay for the extras but I, you know, I don't know what the alternative is. It's a service to me, as far as I'm concerned. 
Because, like I said on the episode to Bertrand, like, I don't understand how you people are, like, going into places in real life and meeting folks, even in the best of times, much less in COVID times. Well, definitely. And I'm also, yeah, uh, I'm not using apps right now, so I feel like it's easier for me to come at this position saying that. Um, And then also a point that I was thinking about is, I mean, haven't uh, we always been commodified goods? Like, there's always been part of relationship for relationship forming and marriage that has it's a in in part an economic proposition or it has been in the past so i don't think this is a wholly new original argument to bring up but i just wanted to get your opinion on it yeah it's like an upstairs downstairs drama like it's (laughs) everything (laughs) is pride and prejudice we all pretend literally In America, we pretend that we don't have that, but it's always like, that's the point of, that has always been the point of marriage. Yeah. And that has yeah. always been the point. I, I don't, yeah. I'm going to make the rules. Like, <laughs> I feel like there's things that are like, we live in a capitalist world system, but I think that to the extent that, uh, I, I mean, I don't think dating apps are more commodifying of people than non-dating apps. If that makes sense. Uh, uh, like how I, so? I don't, like Uber well, I don't Eats isn't better than Bumble. <laughs> yeah, I, I just mean like we live. I, I don't even know what it means to be, uh, because people are. I mean, every everything is commodified because we live in the capitalist world system, right? So so many things are turned into profit. Um, I think there's something consumptive, sure. I like and product you know, swiping on people the way you can swipe on a product. But I also think that uh, it's a fairly intelligent way to meet people. Uh, So I don't know, maybe I'm not saying anything that deep. I just think that it's kind of no more or less capitalist than so many other services that we use. Um, Katie, I'm kind of curious because I, taking on the point, because I think Molly, I kind of think I see where you're coming from taking on the idea that there is a functionality to the apps and that is to connect people similar, I would say in a way of Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat, et cetera. And I think what I think if Molly, correct me if I'm wrong, you are connecting the idea that it's always these apps intentions to maximize our desire to be on the, uh, maximize our time on said apps. And so by subconsciously doing that though, not through like clicking pictures or, reading stories, but actually selecting mates, do we subconsciously create the connection that people are just as swipeable as the photos that I'm liking as I go down my timeline? Is that what you're saying? You said that better than I ever could have. Um, But yeah, there's a bell hooks quote from All About Love, New Visions that I um, think sort of ties to that. And she says that um, advertising is one of the cultural mediums that has most sanctioned lying, it, uh, keeping people in a constant state of state of lack in perpetual desire strengthens the marketplace economy. And so I think that sort of is connecting to exactly what you said and what I was um, hoping to to say. But Bell Hooks did call Beyonce a terrorist and also dances <laughs> to her music, which I think is a good metaphor. That's like kind of perfect metaphor for how I see uh, apps interacting with life. Like there is so much in the world that is so awful and capitalism pits us against each other so much. Um, I just, I, I think that 
that I've seen a lot of people who find happy relationships through online apps. And I'm not saying that there isn't like there aren't sorted evil companies behind a lot of the things we do. I just think this happens to be one of the cases where like the uh, outcome of it. I understand you're saying, are we like swipeifying people? But I think that the outcome of it is relatively. Uh, I don't know. I think it's a less a less evil uh, service or industry. I think yeah. it's a good tool, but at the end of the day, people are losing the ability, kind of like with and not picking a you breed, just being funny, but like the distance between you and I hope something's like virtual when he was saying, I know how to meet people in real life. No, 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 stop, stop, stop. I don't yeah. not know how to meet people in real life. Oh, I'm not saying I that. I go I'm to bars. You. No, no, no. I want to be really clear about this. Sure. I look, I'm not going oh, into a strip club and picking people up. <laughs> okay, that is not like I'm glad that works for him. <laughs> But if I go into a strip club with men in it, most of those men are not straight. That is just not that, that is not a that's not like a real thing. That is, I'm not going to sit here and be like gaslit into like, well, Brianna, if you just went out to strip clubs more or if you just like went to went to uh, bars in the middle of a pandemic more. I am a sociable, young, attractive person who goes out all the time. I spent all of my 20s and 30s going out to clubs and I meet men and I don't like them. I'm making choices here. And the, the reality is you can dress up and spend hours and hours and hours and night with your friend at night. And there are people in that bar, but they are not the people I'm looking for. I would go out with a group of mixed race friends. They want to go to a bar in Soho or the West Village or something where there's no black guys. <laughs> and my inventory is not there. The guys I'm looking for are not there. I don't want to date some banker. I don't want to date some a sea of like dudes with Lego hair and plaid shirts on. Like that's dating in New York. So like, Whoa. it's not, it's not like I don't have games. It's not like I'm not sociable. It's not like I can't talk to people. It's not that I have some social issue or like hang up about going up to people in public is that for me, time wise, I've always been busy. I've always been a professional. It is the most efficient thing to do to be online. When I know that I'm looking for a black guy between five, six and six, three, <laughs> you know, you, you know, all these I'm things. The yeah. height. Uh, do you set the height, Brianna? Yeah, for five six, I'm five six. I'm not going to be sitting here and told the reason I'm single is because I, I who am not a tall woman. If I were a, a five eleven woman, I would sh- I would set the height for lower than than shorter than me. I am not tall. I'm an average heighted woman, and I think setting the limit at five six is not unreasonable, and it's not why I'm single. I'm sorry. <laughs> my last boyfriend was five true. seven, and he weighed less than I did. That is not my issue. Oh, wow. I, I was just oh, simply wow. saying, because again, Bree, this wasn't targeted at you. I think <laughs> that going to what Molly was saying, I think as younger generations, part of it is you became from that you're a millennial that was at the forefront of a lot of the app stuff. I think as younger generations, subsequent ones, apps are like where they're starting their dating process. Mm-hmm. It has resulted, and there is a lot of you know data and studies saying that it's impaired people's ability to enter engage socially the same way in person that many can on the app. I think you're skilled enough to do both, clearly. Um, But that was kind of my point. And kind of going back to what Katie was saying was like, using it as a tool, I think is great. But now we've gotten so accustomed to the digital space of communication that people are forgetting, some people are forgetting how to do that interaction in person. That's why when we go out in public, everyone's just sitting on their phones instead of actually putting their phone down. And it feels awkward. Like even I, I feel awkward being out to dinner and not on my phone. I don't know, man. Like yeah. it, when when the news when newspapers came out, 
when <laughs> when newspapers hit, there was this article like there's an there's this famous picture of all these people sitting on like the commuter train with their newspapers up reading on their way to work. And the title is like, is newspaper ruining society? Like people aren't talking to each other anymore. They're just sitting here reading the newspaper like no one. It has never been the case in the world that everyone like goes to the doctor's office and while they're waiting to get their prostate exam, they're like chit chatting. Like, it has never been the case that we all got into public transportation and, like, shared stories about our soul because we were just part of a community. <laughs> like, this is, the, this is the consequence of, like, urban living and modernity, not the cell phone per se. And I don't find myself, like, okay, you, you meet on an app, but you still meet up in real life. Right. You're still sitting across a dinner table or coffee or whatever with someone walking around a park, whatever. And you're interacting with them. And so I do, like, I, I hear what you're saying, Molly. And I do think that in the selection process, the fact of swiping can make you less tolerant in some ways than you would be in real life and perhaps more tolerant of other kinds of things. Um, because after a certain amount of swiping, I'm confronted with the reality that like an ideal just doesn't, you know, whatever abstract ideal doesn't exist. And so you got to be more flexible and it, that it's affecting our behaviors in the selection process. But I'm a little skeptical of. Um, how much is changing the pickup game? Because my experience was never that the pickup game, like it was already dead. And when I was in college, it was already dead. It was, it was hookup culture. Remember that? We didn't even have cell phone. We didn't have iPhones in college when I was yeah. in college. And the whole discourse was how, oh, the, the mil millennials have hookup culture. Nobody's dating anymore. Well, this generation, yeah. Gen Z definitely has hookup culture as well. Um, yes. And I feel like the we just trailblazed it. We were pioneers. <laughs> yes. You guys are Thank yeah. you for your service. Um, <laughs> broke down doors so you wouldn't have to. Uh, I just I think an example that could perhaps be not a case study quite. And I truly hate to be the first person to utter these words. I have it blocked, muted on Twitter, but I feel like West Elm Caleb uh, <laughs> is a good. Stop me right now if you want to, but I feel like that's an ample example of that whole idea of you don't, and again, the argument could be made that he could uh, be a mean person that doesn't view women as people in real life, but perhaps an app just makes that more efficient. It is more efficient. The app, I mean, the whole point of the app is that it makes it more efficient to meet people, but that doesn't create West M. Caleb that just perhaps expands his reach. But honestly, I don't even know if that's the case. Like in, in a bar crawl situation, guys like West M. Caleb are really good at pickups because they don't aren't discriminating. They're going for, it's a purely aesthetic calculation and who they can get in the bed. And that's what they're doing. And that's, that's always been the case, you know? I don't know. I mean, I'm reading about it. Today. I didn't know who he was. Oh, okay. So for, for for those who I mean, don't yeah. know, there's been a semi-viral story because of all of the oh, it's viral. Uh, these these several women made TikToks that went viral that when they realized they basically had, had the same experience of dating this 25 year old guy who works at West Elm as a, a designer, I think, and that he's basically love bombed them, like inundated them with com compliments and affection, and then ghosted them. And what's been unique about the West Elm Caleb discourse is that while for a long time in the Me Too era, there was a lot of pathologizing of, you know, dating behavior that's not great, but yeah. wasn't, you know, Harvey Weinstein and all of those things got conflated. You know, the Aziz Ansari moment was, I think, when yeah. a lot of stuff jumped the shark. West Elm Caleb, the reaction from the press has largely been in defense of him. 
that, yes, he's a jerk, but these women basically need to realize that not every guy to go out with is going to like them. And this generation basically needs to learn how to internalize disappointment and just like handle romantic disappointment. Yeah. And not make everything into being like, oh, I have trauma and I've been abused and this is emotional abuse and all that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah. That That was a good summary. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That's from someone who hasn't actually watched one of these TikToks, but I've heard a million podcasts on it at this point. So, (laughs) Yeah, I never actually watched any TikToks. I also heard it in reference in another podcast, but um, one of the quotes that one of, I don't know if he would use the words victim, but one of the girls that went out with him said that when she first added him, she used the language, I'm just adding another dude to my arsenal. Mm. And I feel like that's sort of like, I don't know. I just sort of, that stuck with me, that quote. Yeah. I mean, I, I do feel like also, I mean, I, I suspect that that's not real, right? Like we all do this. Some people do this protective posturing where they act right. like they're not that invested in any one person. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, and that's, yeah, it's, it's easier to do. Yeah, it's like of her. She's, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. It's hypocritical. Yeah, that's. That's what I was thinking like, too. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to hold up the um, the queue. I'd love to hear from some, from some more lovely ladies. Um, got one next. That, thank you for that, Molly. That was that oh, was. You broke that gender line, and look what's happening. You cracked <laughs> that glass ceiling. Oh my gosh, Molly walks. Next is my so Cynthia can fly. Exactly. Next is my yeah, RGB exactly. tattoo. <laughs> yeah. You're awesome, Molly. Thank you. Great. Thank, thank you, Molly. Uh, thank you. Cynthia, you're up next, but I do want I want to pick up on that that last point because I do sometimes I'm not guilty of like being like this is a guy in my arsenal, except for sometimes when I have a breakup, I very much appreciate being able to immediately schedule two dates for the following weekend. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's it's so much better than having to sit there and wallow and process. It's like immediately, yeah. immediately, I'm on two more dates. And yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I- it's like a delay on my end. Do you think you would be, do you feel that that's fair to the guys? Like, would you actually take it somewhere if it was good? Yeah, of course. Like I said, this last night's date was very good. <laughs> um, but also I, in that period of time, I'm more likely just to like go out with whomever I'm less discerning, which can be a good thing. Right. Cause you might come across somebody nice. Yeah, who you might don't want to tell them that. Yeah. <laughs> I just as a former former serial monogamist, like a, a relationships with my addiction, I often I realized that when I actually took the break and did the work, like it actually exposed how I was going into each next situation, never having healed or learned anything. So I was not actually showing up as my best self for these people. So I actually forcing myself to feel all those feels, wallow sucks, I hate life, kick mm-hmm. and scream was like the best thing that I did for my emotional defense system, all of the different things that they say, oh, do the work. So I, that's why I was just curious. No, I just wanted to make out and I made I out right. and I now I feel better. Yeah. <laughs> um, but go ahead, Cynthia, what's on your mind? Hi guys. Um, can you hear me? Okay. Loud and clear. Okay, great. Um, so not trying to sound like a late nineties rom-com, but like, I feel like my <laughs> overarching questions are like, in all caps, what do men want? What do women want? <laughs> and I, I just love the title. You said, do men even care about, Paul? Um, which they do. I, I feel like we're, I feel like we're in such a transit. Is this a word transitionary? 
that's a word, right? Transitional, transitional. yeah. Tran- transitional period in our culture for both genders. Obviously, like I think all men genders. are in, yeah, all genders. Um, and like on this divide of how we are socialized to be like, you know, to be within those um, confines, how men are socialized to think of themselves, to be connected with themselves. Like I was, you know, connecting with a lot of things that, is it day or die? Uh, Day. Day, yeah. Uh, Connecting with a lot of things that you said about um, just how, how men are socialized to be, you know, disconnected from their own emotional, like internal reality and I mean, just even thinking of the West Elm Caleb thing, how women are also socialized to be like socialized into our passivity such that it's like, I'm, I'm not choosable or I like just stripping themselves of their own agency or autonomy versus actively trying to engage with like, well, what is it that I want? You know, like if I, like, I, I like um, what the last woman said, I forgot what her name was, but how she said the that line that stuck out to her Molly. that the girls yeah Molly about like this this again this transitional period for women where it's like I'm empowered and I date and I'm sexually positive but mm-hmm. then also this confliction of like but nobody wants me and I'm not chosen to be married like I feel like we're just uh, in this like crisis time mm-hmm. and I I really like really really resonate because you're a Leo right Brianna mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I'm a Sagittarius <laughs> My Aries is in Mars. I'm a very assertive, mm. aggressive, mm-hmm. fucking opinionated, mm-hmm. want to debate and argue, even for like the pa- even for the passion and the pleasure of debate. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I like you know, and I, okay. I really resonated with um, that moment on the pod today when you were like went off about. I seem to be facing these extremes as this type of woman, which is like either you know the man is feeling like they need to kind of assert themselves in the conversation. They kind of have to like talk over me. They can't really hold space because again, I feel like they've been socialized that like that's emasculating to even mm-hmm. sit and listen is mm-hmm. like a very vulnerable place. Um, and, or likewise, it's like seemingly, you know, like dead eyed and <laughs> not asking any questions about me are just completely aloof. And I think that speaks to both. I think both of those manifestations speak to that disconnectedness for you know within yeah. that maybe yeah. so for me, I I think... the, what does that look like how do we you know re-socialize or so i mean i don't i don't know i mean maybe by having these conversations but for for me cynthia it's like to me it's it feels like a lack of value when i, when I say do mm-hmm. men even care it's because <laughs> i can articulate all these things that i care about mm-hmm. but for better or for worse maybe i'm too judgmental blah, blah blah but there are things that i care about that i'm looking for Right. Society always tells them when they have things that they care about, that they value, that they have a litmus test, that the, if you're single, it's because there's some flaw in your litmus test. Right. And the issue is never that maybe men have no litmus test. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this mis, mis, this is a fundamental mismatch. And people have made the argument that traditional gender roles made it easier because mm-hmm. it aligned what each side was looking for. Obviously, this is aggressively hetero, but this is okay. Right. But, you know, Women didn't work. You took care of kids. You didn't, you know, blah, blah, blah. You're a homemaker. So you were looking for someone who was wealth, you know, had means, Mm -hmm. had a Mm -hmm. job. He was looking for someone who was a homemaker and could have kids and make dinner. And there was a symbiosis. You were each bringing Mm -hmm. something to the table that was expected and you each could stay in your lane. Mm -hmm. And now so many people of both of all the genders are occupy either both lanes or zero lanes. Mm 
Right. That you have to find some other reason to value someone. And I think as a woman, I am, have a million and one reasons why I value a man other than their money. Because none of them mm-hmm. have any. So I've <laughs> very much, <laughs> I, I, it has never been the case that I thought that a man was going to provide me with any kind of financial support. Mm-hmm. But it does seem to be the case that the men haven't necessarily, in my experience, I mean, it's hard to say because obviously men have dated me and they have loved me. And mm-hmm. I, I assume on some level they valued who I was, but not enough. Yeah. And not enough to not make me feel on, on some level at the end of the day, like exchangeable with any number of other women who, in my humble view, don't have the qualities that I think are so valuable in me. I mean, that's yeah. subjective and maybe I'm just a Leo narcissist, but it's, <laughs> it's a little it's a little demoralizing to see men make choices that that reflect a fundamental gap between our values. Yeah. Yeah. Or seemingly, I mean, like the other question I was uh, thinking of here is like, okay, so I, what am I wanting? Like, I, I want someone, especially within like a leftist space. And I'm also like open, like I like to be, and I want to encourage people to be like open to, you know, not having this checklist. Like, and I, I, well, okay. (laughs) I know that that's a difficult thing to say because, I like what you said about high, like I'm 5'11". So mm-hmm. I get pissed off at women who are 5'6". So we're like, I need you to be 6'4". It's so dumb. I'm with you. Like, it's yeah. selfish. Because I have been socialized to want to be a dainty little princess. So it sucks that that's my socialization. But I feel like, you know, I feel enormous next to men who's like 5'6". Like but I said, like, I weighed more than my last boyfriend. I had yeah. like, by, the, by mid-COVID... By, by late 2020, I had a solid, like, 13 pounds on him, so. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> um, that's tough. Um, but, you know, like, I want, okay, I want passionate, and I, I'm not, I'm actually not one of these people who's like, like, ask, um, ask Marianne about Caroline Mace, about, like, the archetypes, because mm. it's, it, it's this idea that everything has, like, a light and a shadow. You know, everything has a yin and a yang. It's not that masculinity in and of itself is like inherently bad mm-hmm. or femininity either. Mm-hmm. But there's the, there's aspects to how those things become like overcompensated or, you know, in, in like the purest form of what people mean by they say when they say toxic masculinity. Um, you know, that kind of an overarching like I'm asserting myself, but I'm doing it at the expense of you, you know, mm-hmm. in this space or whatever. But it's like I want I value those like genuinely spiritually and emotionally embodied aspects of like a passionate, you know, assertive, politically engaged man. And I'm like, is it just because, and I'm not really an apps person. So again, I'm trying to like become open to that too. And just be like, Mm. maybe just go out and meet people. Like just go meet people. I like to meet people in person, but like obviously COVID. Okay. So my question is like, yeah. (laughs) COVID is a cock blocker. Um, maybe it's just because I've become more like politically engaged within like the past two years and, you know, then COVID hit and we've all become like dispersed and online, like terminally online. But I'm like, I just feel like this is a rarity. And why does it have to be a rarity? Am I just giving people too much? Like maybe there are some people who really are vacant, you know, and like dead behind the eyes. But like, I just, I refuse to believe that the majority of human beings don't have this like, you know, expansive, complex, passionate, internal reality that they're always, you know, feeling, especially men who are in the leftist space. So it's like, 
where are these men? I mean, where, you know, like I'm not, I'm not really encountering them or, you know what I mean? Like, or is it just because we're, we're just, you know, we're inside or we're not really out as much, or is it the way that, you know, men have, have kind of become, you know, socialized in the sense of, of how they, maybe they have this like burning fire inside them, but they don't necessarily feel like they can express it or they don't necessarily feel like, um, or they overcompensate, you know what I mean? Like, I, and I don't know what the answer is. And I, I love how on the pod, you always say like, well, what does that look like? I'm like, yeah, I, like, what does that look like? I mean, maybe just having these conversations, but I also think one last thing I just want to say is like, no, no, I brought you up to be a speaker. Cause I want you to, I want to sit with that for a second. What okay. okay. appears to be, correct me if I'm wrong. I apologize to make presumptions, a man. So let's ask Wiz. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Right. Wiz to weigh in here. Let's get a little dialectic going. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what's up? Can y'all hear me? We can hear you, Wiz. What's up? How you doing? I I came right in at the right time too, because I'm an Aries. So shout out to the fire Oh hell side. yeah, fire shit! <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> I'm a Cancer. Am I supposed to feel unsafe or something? <laughs> I don't know, Katie, because I'm oh like, oh, I don't know any of this thing. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> crap. I know it's crap. Yeah. But yes, I I am a man. So yeah, straight straight black man. All right, let's hear let's hear what you have to say. Um, I just I mean, I just want to say like Cynthia came out putting up numbers, you know what I mean? She was, <laughs> she was on on some Steph Curry, LeBron James like with her comments, man. I really okay. appreciate what she was saying because I was going to bring up the same thing, which is how we are socialized, right? Like oh, even yeah. looking at even looking at the title of this episode, right? It's like, do men even care about politics? And as I'm listening to the conversation and and really internalizing what Bree is sharing, I'm like, well, you could have just cut out about politics. <laughs> yeah. 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 Say that, my brother, say that. Here's, <laughs> here's the funny thing about it for me, right? Like, you know, as a straight black man, I grew up in like, you know, I'm from East Oakland, California, like impoverished, you know, community or whatever, like, when I hear these conversations, I'm always like, damn, you know, like this feels like another way that I'm a little pathologized, right? Because mm. obviously I'm a man, but like, you know, I don't experience what all other men are experiencing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and that can be in various ways, but like the things aren't the same for me in terms of, and, I, and even within my friend group of other men, we make these distinctions and we talk about things and we talk about our feelings. And I also have, you know, people in my community who I who have platonic relationships with women who we talk through all these issues. And it feels like dating is such a fun topic to talk about that we tend to like flatten gender and class experiences. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't really start to talk about all the distinctions. When it's time to talk about politics and, you know, and race and like, all the stuff that other things that are going on, like in the in the wider discourse, everyone is like, well, you know, as of this and as of that, mm. you know what I mean? Right, yeah. And it's like that still applies to dating, right? That's why the conversation at times dipped into dating outside of your race, right, or mm-hmm. class or things like that. And I, what I tend to find is that, like, yeah, you know, there's a conversation people have where they say not all men, but I'm gonna say, yeah, not all men and not all women, right? There yeah. are. I think my belief generally is that I do have to care about politics and I do have to care and be intentional about who I'm dating because there I've always believed and saw examples that there was not always something positive 
waiting out there for me if I chose the wrong person, right? Mm -hmm. And I picked up on that very early. And I tried to also like impart that to the other men in my life, not just, you know, we obviously we should be going out into this world and making sure we're treating others with respect and not being harmful. But also I've also felt like, oh, I have to be careful because what's out there for me, if I do something wrong or if someone does something wrong with me is a straight, a strained relationship with a possible offspring, right? With right. Son or a daughter, right? Like I have to think in these ways. Right. And this so, is why. Like, sorry, I don't interrupt. Go, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Ask what you're going to say. And just I have the, another point. This is this is why I don't. I'm not trying to make this about interracial dating, but this has been the, that's the most clear cut example I have of like why men don't seem to care about anything. <laughs> it, it's because I have so many stories of friends who realize like they're like, oh no, my wife is racist, and we have these kids, and I'm like, it was clear as day your wife was racist from the jump. But you didn't care. Like you, the yeah, wife that's... is racist or her parents are racist? No, no, no. The actual partner in the in a racial relationship is highly problematic in the yeah, relationship, that's... right? The mother I... of these people's children. And What happens that happened, didn't happen before they were married? I'm just curious. Nothing. It's a, the kids, the men didn't freaking think. Well, they they were looking at the punani like they, they like what they like. And they just don't. They're not punani thinking. Punani like, this, this is what I'm saying. Like, I don't mean to be disrespectful to men, but like, they're coming to me like, oh my gosh, this is really hard. And I'm just looking at you like, I, I didn't think the, the lion eating party, lion faces eating party was going to eat my face, you know, or whatever that mean is. Yeah. 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 I mean, Bree, I don't think you're being disrespectful to men, but bringing that up, I mean, that's obviously a problem if someone is not exploring what they're going to experience in their part partner's family or even wider community, right? Because look, I've heard women share that they dated men who they later found out were like homophobic or like yeah. transphobic or you know what I mean? That always comes into play. But look, I, full disclosure. But then me, women leave partner, them. My, my partner is not yeah. black, right? Like, my, we not what? I can't hear you. My partner is not black, right? She's from mm -hmm. Australia, right? And absolutely positively, the point that you're making, Brie, is something that whenever I've dated anyone, period, but definitely outside of my race, like I have to ask them like about their community, about what they think about things, about what they, like I actually do care, right? Mm -hmm. But I can't sit here and say that the testimonials that women have come up here and said aren't true because this is what you guys are really experiencing, right? If there are a majority of men who you've dated that have seemed to not care or don't have the same pressures, but I do wanna talk about what Cynthia said, which is the ways that we are socialized. And right mm -hmm. now, a lot, men, we are socialized to not necessarily express a lot of things about ourselves, right? We, uh, we're socialized to not communicate emotion, to communicate information. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like with a lot of women in this modern sense, and I don't know if this is a bad thing or a good thing, we can always interrogate it, but women are socialized to create a menu of what they want, That's whether true. or not they're actually going to eat anything off that menu, <laughs> right? Oh, wow. Like, to have, yeah, to have like choices and options and lists and all this stuff. And, you know, some, I don't know, some women find it, some women don't, some women just like to make the list. So, so Wiz, what, what are you doing when, when you're dating, when you're like, mm -hmm. hi, I'm Wiz, I've been single for a while, I'd like to have some companionship, let me go out into the world, to a club, go on the app. What you're saying that you're just, it's like, it's like a void, it's like a field of whiteness, like an Apple commercial, and you're just, 
twirling, twirling, twirling until you bump mm-hmm. into something with the vagina and then you go on a date? Like, there no, has to be no, no. some metrics yeah. here. No, that's, that's a great Pre-vagina, pre-vag metric. I, I love that <laughs> point. And the, tr- the fact of the matter is, is that I am, I'm, I'm not making that observation to be critical. I'm making it to say that, yes, that is something that women are socialized to do. And just as men need to change parts of what they're socialized to do, women need to change that part of it. But if you're talking about me personally, mm-hmm. obviously I have standards. You know what I mean? What are they? I didn't want it. I didn't want anybody. I wanted. I didn't want anybody that smoked. Right. Um, I wanted someone who. I mean, I think Katie basically broke it down the most. Like, I want someone who's a mitch. Right. Kindness is a cornerstone of whether or not this person is actually nice. Right and actually care about cares about other people right we're not gonna like for me it's not just i I don't want to tolerate someone who would talk bad about people who are homeless i don't want to i don't want to be with anybody who's going to talk bad about somebody who is in a situation where they have economic hardships period you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like to actually believe in the fact that people have a right to live healthy right my biggest thing that I need is I need someone who wants to seek out a healthy relationship because that's how I live my life right is it healthy you know um emotionally is it healthy uh, in terms of like environmentally like spiritually like all this other stuff because the truth of the matter is is that you bring up a good point Bree which is none of us go out here without a set of things that that we want Mm -hmm. right but I think that when I look at the question like do men even care about politics it's like well, do men have the kind of preferences do that women have, right? Like that's the sort of what we're talking about. And even when you talk about having preferences or to the topic of dating outside your race, like one of the things you said, which was important to you that a lot of people actually believe, right? Is, is there sort of a shared experience mm-hmm. in terms of what you're dealing with under this system? oppressive or otherwise and Mm -hmm. what i tend to also which is important but i also want to ask folks who think that way right like can you imagine yourself sharing joy with someone who comes from a different background as you right because right now when you look on social media right there you go on instagram and there are like 10 cards telling us about what um you know asian folks are experiencing in terms of harm or black folks experiencing towards of harm and i hate to think that there's a person out there learning that that's what they need to know about me as a black person, just the harm that I'm facing. Mm -hmm. My friends in my life and women who I've in the past fell in love with who may not have been black also shared joy in terms of their experiences of being around people from my community, things that they can laugh about, things that we share. And like, I think honestly, when it comes down to it, like relationships develop their own culture all into themselves, right? depending on who you're with, right? So the idea that you're going to meet someone who is on the left or share politics with you, yes, that may be the, one of the first hurdles that they have to get over. But then when it when you really break it down and once you're together and you start to develop that intimacy, right? Like you're going to have your own culture within the relationship with that person. And that takes time, you know? And right, I know but, that for a lot of people, they're like, I don't really have that much time. No, no, no. Wiz, right? I have time. Like I, I have time. There's so much time. This, this isn't to me. Like I don't mean to make this about like my personal experiences, but what I'm, where I'm coming from is not. It's difficult to get in a relationship. It's difficult to. No, no, no. I've been in many long relationships. That is not the issue. Mm. The people in those relationships were great. Like that is not. Like that is not the issue. 
The issue is there's obviously a fundamental value gap when I'm in a multi-year relationship with someone and I find them to be a di- like one in a million. I, I've searched, I swiped a million times to get to find them. We've spent the time together that's irreplaceable. I'm like, let's go. I think you're so special. And me, and I'm going to be honest here, often I feel like I'm frankly, empirically more special. <laughs> But, and okay, there's, there there's just no recognition. There's like seems to be no value in what the role I'm like the, this side of the relationship. You I know mean, what I mean? I, and I that's what starts to feel so demoralizing okay over time. Sorry, I go ahead. Okay for you to, I think that's okay for you to say because, I mean, look, at, the fact is there, there are going to be outliers and you are an outlier, right? Like it may just – it's like when you bring up the concept of like – um, I think one of your on one of your episodes before I heard we were talking about the show Love Life and you were like, oh, that mm-hmm. character, I like that kind of a guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's cute. That kind of like nerdy black dude or whatever, right? Yeah. It's like, 10 out of 10. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> I like that you're able to share that specific preference for yourself, but also recognize like you yourself may actually be rare. I mean, that's why there's so many dude callers on your call-ins, right? Yeah, like, but I'm not, but it's not, man, do you see what I'm saying though? That's what is so angry making about it. That's not manifesting into individuals who want to marry me. <laughs> Some random no, person no, from Nebraska who's like, hey, I'll holla, is not no, real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I've had, I've had uh, friends of mine um, who identify as women, like they say that as well too. It's like, it doesn't matter how, awesome certain people think i am if the person who i really want to think mm. i'm awesome like doesn't really also also it's, it's even worse than that i don't have a person in mind sometimes i sit and i think literally anybody i'm prepared to love anybody all i want you everyone's talking about wanting a minch wanting a minch is great i've dated mm. minches but they'll be minches for the world but not for me they'll, they'll, they'll be minches wow. for the world and spend their weekends going to rikers island on the bus to deliver some guy's sweatpants and it's so sweet and it's why they fall in love with them but at the end of the day, if they're not willing to stay by me and support me and love me and deal with the fact that I don't want to clean the toilet. <laughs> like, to me, it's, a, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's a fundamental, it makes me feel like my entire value is reduced to my worst quality, my over and over again, my executive function issues. And no amount well, I, of me I mean, getting past it by saying, I'll, I'll pay for this service or we'll have a cleaning day, da, da, da. none of that matters. At the end of the day, the feedback that I get seems to be, that all of the values that make me able to do this for a living, all of the qualities that make me able to do this for a living and have people find me appealing on some entertainment political level, none of that counts. I do relate to that on uh, on a level when you say your worst quality, right? Because like full disclosure for me, I grew up overweight, fat, whatever, however you want to describe it. And Mm -hmm. I had challenges in my dating life before because I always felt I was meeting women who really liked me and who I was, but they Mm -hmm. couldn't get past that. Like, they mm. were just like, you're not, you know what I mean? And I had to also think about, I mean, but it wasn't like, it was a situation where it was like, not every woman was feeling that, right? But like, it felt like this one quality in me, which was a negative quality, which societally people believe needs to be changed, right? We think it's a virtue for a person to be skinny, right? Mm. And it really felt like, damn, like, this is really all that I'm worth. You know, I ended up meeting someone who is super attracted to me and never that for her, that wasn't even an issue. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like, which again, gives me hope that this one quality for you is not, is not the thing that's actually going to drive anyone away. Right. It's, it may be the thing that people are like, well, yeah, I'm not really tripping off of that. Like Brie is just amazing. And 
I don't care what anyone says. I don't need her to be it's a, a It's a bigger you know issue, though, right? Like, to me, it's because it's not just me. It's it's the whole panel. Look at the all-women panel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those are some beautiful women. Okay? Every single one of them is accomplished, hilarious. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And excellent mm-hmm. politics. Right. If there were a panel of men like that, I would have been trying to holler at every single one of them. You know, well, I mean, you had a you had a panel of men, and one of them tried to holler at you. He's yeah. twenty two years old. <laughs> He's twenty two. Okay. 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 No, I so, understand. So you know, if Delaney tried to holler at me, I guess I wouldn't reciprocate either because she's like twenty five. But in a world where there's a, an Ole, someone as funny as Ole or as funny as Kate Willett, you know, and as beautiful, Ole sitting there with her makeup pristine and her beautiful nails and so well, like. And as smart and as accomplished and a man, hell's mm-hmm. bells. I'd be trying to holler. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because I feel like part of what I'm saying is that that I actually believe that that is. A, I mean, I have friend, women in my life, friends who are like who are spectacular and they have just as much trouble. So, again, when you share those testimonies, when they share those testimonies, like. I'm the person who tends to believe it, right? But I do also feel like there are men out there who, which again, before I was in my relationship, I was having this experience where it's like, man, I, I'm, a, I'm a great guy, right? Like I'm, I share my feelings. I do, I, I check off all of these boxes that women who are really great women say that they want. And it feels like I'm not seen in the space. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because yeah. there's more of, which for me, mirrored my experience growing up being like a black dude where it's like damn i fit the description of everybody that everyone is saying is horrible again you know what i mean and obviously i can't control what everyone says and i you know i have to focus on myself i just had to make sure that i just kept looking right like i had to keep digging and hopefully found and i found someone and i'm i'm in love right i don't just have a partner like we are i'm happy you know what i mean and i don't know i just feel like there's been a lot of great advice shared, you know, on this call in. And I, what I try to do is I, I try to talk to who is in my sphere of influence because women tend to listen to women and men tend to listen to men. And, you well, know, that's, those who identify, that's why we're here. Those who identify, you know what I mean? But like, yeah. I just want to say, I try to do that with my men friends. I try to say, Hey, you need to be more mature about this with this woman in your life. You know what well, I mean? And yeah, you know what, I mean? well, what I will say was, is that like, I was in love three weeks ago. I was in love a year ago. I was in love whenever the last relationship was and the one before that and the one before that. So that's not the issue. Like, mm-hmm. that's not the issue. My issue is for me, obviously, love is, what does that mean to say that you're in love with someone? And for them not to be problems, you know, it's not like, well, there's someone is abusive and someone has an addiction issue and it's, depression is manifesting in a relationship. Like, there's no issues, just, mm, I don't know anymore. Like to me, like there's a, there's just a disconnect where these people who are individuals who are not perfect, you know, these people have flaws. I, I think that the sum total of their value is worth holding on to combined with the time that we spend together. And that's why I'm saying to me, it just comes down to this value disconnect where it is ridiculous that all these women have gone out into the world and excelled in every traditional way. And we can have a conversation about why, if those traditional values are what we should be holding on to and we should be caring about education or money or looks or any of those kinds of things. That's like a separate conversation. But in a world where we're told that those are the values and these women have those things and Mm -hmm. men do not care, (laughs) except maybe about the looks part. (laughs) 
that that is what the frustration is. That's the asymmetry. That's the part that gender is playing in this beyond just we're all lost in the world and it's hard to find people and all that. You know, I mean, it's it's tough. I, I think Cynthia called called out what it is, which is um, she said she was going to say transitionary, but it's transitional, <laughs> right? Like we are in a period of transition and there's, a, I think, a lot of things that I would hope that would be interrogated and explored during this time. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. I think spaces like this is, is helping to actually explore those things. But it's I mean, look, like I said before, it's it's really tough because some of the things that are being expressed from the women too, like you asked that question, like that's the clip that caught me and made me listen to, you know, the last episode, right? Which is like, would you date someone who was broke? Mm. Right. And you asked that to the men and I was like, you know, like where where would I get off being I don't know, like kind of being judgmental like that mm. when I occupy a space for for a group for whom we don't make as much money as the women in our community. You know what I mean? And we don't make as much money as most people. That's why I say I'm not experiencing what other people are actually experiencing. But I like that you ask the question so that we can interrogate these mm-hmm. things. I like that you ask. And also like how these politics connect to the personal. Because in the end, I think that's what, what we're going to need, right? Like we're going to need someone that we can connect with, that we can sustain with. Because when you, t- when you, when you said something earlier, when you were doing the live stream, which was great, which was like, man, my mom is in my life. I can't imagine right, not having her be in my life and connecting to her in that way. And I want someone to connect with in that way. Right. Mm-hmm. And to me, I think that, t- that was the most like important thing that I heard you say, which is like, yeah, you deserve that. Right. Like everyone deserves that if they want it, because some people, they don't want it, right? But like, yeah, like I, I really feel like we're in a transitional part, point in the culture. And I would hope that we keep interrogating a lot of these things. Well, thank you for your your contributions, Wiz. They've been very valuable. Thank you for joining the chat. For sure. And uh, um, you're, hella, you're hella funny. <laughs> thank you, Wiz. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off before that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Tell tell your male friends. Tell your straight male friends. And I'm sorry. I don't mean. To, I know I said something that was kind of um, genital reductive earlier. I apologize. I'm a, I'm a geriatric millennial, and I'm still learning how to be better. Travis, uh, you're up. What's on your mind? Travis, you here with us? You're unmuted, but I can't hear you. If this is a technical glitch, Travis, get back in line. I'm going to check the end of the line after the next guest and see if you're there, and I'll bring you back to the front. But we can't hear you. Um, all right. Uh, Haitian Jacobin, welcome back. What's in your mind? Hey, Bree. Hey, uh, Katie, Day, and Cynthia. <laughs> Our ad hoc panel. Yeah. Yes, yes. And I'm a... Uh, I am a Patreon subscriber to Katie and you, so oh, if you want to say what's up. Oh, um, <laughs> I just want to let you know, Breeze, I just think you need to realize most men are trash. That's pretty good. M-M-A-T. I tell people that all the time because, you know, being 36 and, like, going through the whole things of life, I just realized more and more how um, I think a lot of the people in the past or in the in the queue were talking about how like 
men have to grow. And I just, it's, it's fascinating where you don't really, uh, I think it could be correlated with like capitalism and like the values that people have. Like if you say a lot of people of color <clears throat> and me being a uh, first generation Haitian um, American, our main thing was like to be successful financially. Mm-hmm. So it's like how I think Dave was talking about how people are like financially, men are financially uh, successful, but as like socially or in their homes, they're like failures pretty mm-hmm. much. So it's like, I think the value that men have, if it's where, oh, you're, you need to either go to school or learn a trade and have a bank account and have this. And then I think there's an other aspect of looking at women or you know, even if you're um, queer, looking at people as either commodities or like, hey, I have this amount of money. So because of that, this is the type of person that I, I'm supposed to have. And not like really training your mind to, to like explore what do you want, like either emotionally, what do you want in a person that will help grow you as a person. It's like, no, I just want a woman that looks like this, or I want a man that looks like this, and have, you know, this figure physically or whatever. So I think there's a, um, it's like a buffet way of looking at at people, depending on how much money you make. Because I, I know, like, for, and I do agree with you where, like, dating with the dating apps is just so much easier, at least for me. So I agree with you, Brie, on that, where mm-hmm. I could, like, filter out the type of people because I would currently right now I have, I have a long-term girlfriend that I met in COVID and on an app and what yes in the app okay so and also I'm non-monogamous so it's like when I met her I was in a previous relationship and she was someone I was meeting through like um, when I had my main partner but mm-hmm. then my main partner and I broke up during COVID and I was just thinking about new people that I had like a positive experience with. So I reached out to her and then we, and then she became my, my main partner. We moved in with each other and everything's been great so far, but mm, it was, yeah, thank you. And when um, I remember like using the apps, like I would put in that I was um, a leftist and I was this and I was that. And I just had always had like a good experience. Like people would just ask me how far left you are and all this other stuff. I think the people that would, I, the women that I came across more that had issues was definitely liberal. Like mm-hmm. liberal women are like absolutely <laughs> like it, it's, it's pretty much like the same issues that you talk about. Like they come at you on Twitter. Like the biggest problem I remember having, and I live in the DMV area, so I would come across the same kind of people that you probably come across. Mm-hmm. And like the, I think the most ridiculous person I met was like a woman that like came from a wealthy family. Like when I went to, she had like a, her, her family had like a big house in like Annapolis or something. So we went there and she took me there and it's like, you're, I think it's more economical. Like when I went to the house and I saw how big the house was like, her house was so big. I thought it was a hotel. Like I thought she was driving us. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, we go to pick up like, oh, this is my house. And where was it? Did Damn. you say? It was in Annapolis. So. And where? Annapolis. Annapolis Maryland. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Maryland. I can't hear. Right, Annapolis. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like real, and then 
she she also like her family was like one of those people that um when Obama had like uh, those fundraising for like oh eight he was mm-hmm. like he, he used that house as a as a place so it, mm-hmm. gets, it, it gets it gets easily oh, wow. hit like five hundred people easily so it's like and they had like a letter like a signed letter like that was like on the on the wall that they like the parents like would t- like it would look like a shrine like mm-hmm. oh look at Obama's gave us this letter so so did it did it substantively come up did the gap between your values and their values come up or was it just the fact of the house being so you know big and the fact that they're obvious it it, it did come up because it was Mm -hmm. it was like when you see like how they like when they when um they talk about people that make less money katie are you doing dishes i tried to force mute you but for some reason it's still coming through no, I was just moving something in the kitchen, but I'll, uh, I'll meet myself. Can you meet yourself? Thanks, Katie. I'm sorry. I just have a little trouble. <laughs> Sir, go ahead, okay. um, Haitian. Yeah, so um, what I was, it was like they, they, they just didn't, like people that either under like don't have the same qualifications or maybe made less money than them, you can just see like in their different uh, uh mannerisms or like certain quibbles like if someone was like poor and would come across i would like try to give them some money or like cash out them something or whatever if they had a phone and then the girl would be like oh why let leave them alone like they they probably end up this way because they did something wrong so it's like so that goes back to i think the way our economic system like capitalism or whatever like if you are a person that think that there's there aren't certain things that will stop you from achieving your goals and you had like a good way like because of your family because of um like the 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 road ahead of you or in front of you weren't like stifled by economic hardships i think it it play it changes how you view other people mm-hmm. yeah for so, sure so i think so i think there's that and then going with men men most men i guess heterosexual i can't say too much about queers but heterosexual men even like people that i grew up with the or i would say the reason why i think i treated women differently was i my i didn't have male uh male figures in my life that showed me how to be a good man it was mostly women so like my cousins and my sisters and my mother were like this is how you should treat a woman. This is how you should do all this. Other men that I see that didn't have those things in their life, it was, it's like, like I said, they either look at women as commodities or they look at women like just on a physical front and like it's a come up, like, oh, yeah, this woman looks like this. Looks like, like they, I don't think they, it's even to a point where when I would talk to them, and then they're like dating some woman for like five or six years or even married to a woman. And then something I would ask their wife or their partner a particular question, like what kind of book they've read or something that's like on superficial and they don't know the answer. They don't, they don't, they don't know the answer to that. They're like, no, I don't, we never talk about that. So it's kind of weird. Like I, I, I don't know what, what type of conversations they're having with their partner outside of, maybe talk about entertainment, like, hey, what have you watched the latest, whatever, uh, 90 Day Fiance or something, or like <laughs> something that's really superficial. Like, I don't know if, if as, and I know people have said that like women tend to have to be more emotionally 
mature, they tend to have to like plan for the future because maybe they like, you might want to have a family and like, you gotta like check these boxes so that you're like in a good place. Yeah, I guess I just, I feel like that family excuse is a cop out. It's so much more fundamental than that. They don't care about anything. Like, I don't care if you want to have kids. I don't care if you just want to have a nice day in the park. Sometimes I truly feel like a man would date a hot female Hitler with big knockers. Like, truly. Like, and I I don't want to, I don't mean that so, like, dismissively. But I look around. I cannot ignore the huge volume of extraordinary women that exist. Single as the day is long. And the long line of mediocre men who have, could be married tomorrow if they wanted to. And to not, like, it's just, it it is not about women needing to plan or da 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 It's something fundamental. Like, they don't care. They don't don't care. But I I think what the problem, I think what you just said about the whole Hitler thing, I agree with you. Like, I think most men are, like, like, it's kind of like when we talk about with capitalists and everything, like, the selfishness. Like, the selfishness of, of uh, all these like billionaires and and disconnected they are i think it's almost similar to what how men view relationships like Mm. they're so disconnected like that i think that same virus that we talk about all the time where like how could jeff bezos go and do all this craziness where he could literally use one fourth of his money and like reduce poverty you're like i don't know why because he's in this bubble and he's probably been taught from day one this is how you're supposed to be in life. Where men, like, I, there, there's no, most men only look at, like, all we want to do is have, you know, relationships with multiple women. And then somewhere down the line, when, you, when, when it feels like I'm too old to be in the club or I'm too old to, like, do these things, all right, you need to settle down. And then you're like, all right, you play musical chairs and you say, okay, out of the 10 girls. And I think one thing that a lot of guys, what I realized more when I talk to women, a lot of women don't realize that most men are probably talking to multiple women at a time. So like, am I. I, I, like, <laughs> I. That was the West Elm Caleb hypocrisy. It was like, okay, so if you're on a dating app, you know, girl number one, I forgot her name was, that's, you know, shows my indecency. But <laughs> if you're, if you're on a dating app, and, you know, if we're, again, this transitional period, I think that we're in when we're, I also have a theory. This is like people used to literally die at age 35. Okay. At, like literally not that long ago. So, and there is, there's an obvious biological aspect to women, literal biological talk, you know, clock ticking. If we want to have trouble, like, I think that is exactly that's legit, a big thing because that's really baked into not only our psychology, but our fit, you know, our biology. So like, I think that that's legitimate, but I also think that like, it literally wasn't that long ago that human beings died average, like what was like 35 or 40 or whatever. Like mm-hmm. for the college geriatric millennials. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so I have this theory that like, I mean, this is not based on like any kind of founded science that I've like actively looked up, but I'm just saying that like, I feel like we are still, we still have those internalized notions. I mean, we still have lists that are like, the hottest 30 under 30, you know, mm-hmm. and then everyone has this internalized feeling, including myself, I'm 33, which is like, I haven't done every, like, I haven't succeeded and I'm not living my purpose and I'm past 30. And likewise in relationships, it's like, I'm not ch- for women. It sucks because we're, you know, we still have this notion of like, I'm not chosen and I'm like, you know, yet or married yet, even if we're still kind of, you know, 
trying to wrestle with like, what do I want? What's my agency mm-hmm. and autonomy in the situation? And then likewise, um, men, I think what you said about the, I mean, and I, I, I can't speak on like capitalistic structures too much with authority, but like from what I've, you know, sort of gathered is like, yeah, I mean, what is the institution of marriage? Like, I mean, isn't exactly. that based within a I just want to be on that, someone's health insurance. I mean, I, well, then we should just universal health care. We don't have to worry about any of that. So, but you know, I mean, I just, I'm just saying that my point is that people live to like a hundred now. So it's no surprise to me that motherfuckers be getting divorced all the time, you know, or people be cheating all the time. It's like, because you're not the same person at 22 going to the strip club like trying to pick up women there as you are you know when you're 57 like you're i'm politically you know i'm like campaigning for bernie in 2020 that wasn't i was like basically kind of politically not very involved you know like four years prior and so it's like and now my tastes and my desires have shifted to where i'm like now i need or i want like a politically active or passionate man right so it's like I feel like we're still under the structure of like, you got to have it figured out by 30. And if you're not married by 30 or 40, like, what are you doing? And then people grow up to be, you know, 57 or 68. And all of a sudden they like, don't want to be in this 25 year long relationship. And I guess my, my point is that I think that we have to shed these very oppressive structures that cause people to think that either they're not desirable or they're not worthy if they're not booed up or if they're not wiped up, you know, by 35. And that causes men to be really disconnected from their own selves such that they're like scared of commitment or, you know, like, you know, this whole fresh and fit podcast nonsense, which is like, well, it's okay for men to cheat. It should be okay for men. You know what I mean? Versus like having a more open kind of understanding of like relationships and how you're constantly growing, evolving, changing, and therefore your tastes and your desires and who you are. Well, but here's the thing, Cynthia, I, 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 I that's completely valid. And that's a, an, I think a, a correct assessment of why people get divorced and why relationships are harder and stuff. But this mm-hmm. is, I think, again, this more fundamental question of people who are not able to make, get, get to that first you know, marriage place or long-term commitment place. And you can interrogate whether or not, as you have done, that should be a goal. But for me, whether you want to call it marriage or whatever, the long-term commitment, to me, it really is that time logged. I want time logged. I don't want to be worried about, like, I want someone who has seen the gestalt of my life. Like the when we had Susan Sarandon on and we were talking about that movie, she was in Shall We Dance, where Richard, you know, she's married to Richard Greer and she says, I want to, you know, a, a, a partner is the witness to your life. Like that is truly what I want. And I will say, and that's, that's okay too. And that's great too. Right. Like you should be. Right. So my, my personal issue is not, it's not kids. It's not anything like that. It's the reality that as time passes, that's just less time I'm going to be able to spend with whomever. And if, you know, maybe we want to get divorced in two years anyway, and it's a moot point, but obviously that's not how anyone thinks going into this. And I will, I will say on a personal note that, you know, my parents had a very happy relationship. I loved my childhood and my father died when he was 42. And I think I'm dating 42 year olds now and it's a real trip. And I think to myself, well, what if I married someone and then I only had the couple years? What if I like, and you can't count people's years and you never know what's going to happen. And people were saying Larry King shouldn't have a baby at 70, but then, you know, he was able to see the baby graduate from college and my dad didn't see me graduate from college, you know? So 
it, it, it's neither here nor there. And I'm not saying that's a correct psychological impulse that I'm having, but I want to be honest with myself about that's part of what's happening. And then sometimes it frustrates me that other people don't see that life is short and no. you just want to maximize the love that you can have while you're here. And these men are walking around making just these ass backward decisions. <laughs> and it's like, I'm trying to love you asshole. <laughs> like, and, that, and that is, that is what I feel is so frustrating. I think you have a very visceral and real experience, though, Brie, especially, of course, sorry to hear about your father. Like, thinking about that, though, does inform your dating in a way that people who haven't had that experience, it wouldn't. Like, for me, I met my partner when he was 39, and he died at 41, like, literally mm. a month after his birthday. Mm. And so, like, now I do think about, because I like the concept of people are, you know, a treasure chest of the memories you have together. But I'm like, I only got two, barely, I didn't, barely two years with him. and so. He was a person for 39 years prior to who, when I met him. And I feel like that's why community, and we talk about the lack of community sometimes on the left a lot, community is so important because through meeting so many of his friends after his passing, I feel like I was able to share in experiences that happened prior to me that even though I didn't get to experience it with him, it made his, him as a person make more sense and a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And I wish that we had more... I feel like it's kind of this balance. Like, I feel like sometimes we put this pressure on one person to be all things for us. And sometimes I've learned that, hey, no no one, you are setting someone up to fail that way. That's why I think having a community, like I love politics. My boo, someone may he rest in peace, was not into that. But I had spaces, I found spaces that allowed me to express that space, that place so that he didn't have to be it, you know, or he loved cars, I'm not a car person. Yeah. And I think sometimes finding ways to navigate might, alleviate some of the stress i don't know just no, no I, I think that that's very real but here's the thing when i say the bar is on the ground the <laughs> bars i'm not looking for you i like i I've, I've done different permutations be a big dummy who's sweet is an option be a, a high an asshole but a high earner you know be an intellectual uh and a bum like, I'll take any permutation, but I'm going to bring nothing as an option. <laughs> Absolutely. And also, I'm going to maybe be lovely and spectacular in various ways, but I will not commit to you is also not an option. It doesn't matter to me how great you are, but at the end of the day, you don't want to be around. Listen. Yeah. I guess, and I guess that is it. I guess don't listen to me and my Sagittarius ass who's like, I don't need commitment. I'm mean, <laughs> traditional, so I don't. I get it. Like, you know, well, my I'm, mom is a sad and she stays in these long marriages. Well, we are very loyal <laughs> when we're in relationships. We're very loyal. I mean, well, I'm, I can't speak for everybody, but yeah, I <laughs> just non traditional of how I look at relationships. I know that not everyone shares that, but I, 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 I it, it also is true that like, I feel like I've been able to kind of let, cause I had the same situation day when I, I, I had a, I also lost a partner too last mm, year. I'm and sorry. It, Jesus. I know it. it the I trenches out here in these streets. So. Oh my God. I mean, deaths of despair, man. COVID Listen. ruined. Uh, yeah. Exacerbated everything. But um, no, I, I feel like I was, well, I guess this speaks to our political conversation is just like, I got, frustrated because I was like, he doesn't even care about politics. He's completely, you know, he doesn't care. He didn't even vote. He doesn't care about any of it. And I became so like passionate about it. But then it was like, yeah, well, then I'm going to like my, let's watch the caucus results at Berlin, you know, with all these people at this bar. It's like, well, these are friends, like they're just relationships in different formats. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe your Mm -hmm. partner doesn't have to be check all these boxes and, and, you know, check off every single box for you. And that, 
the relationship, various relationships in different forms can serve those, you know, to those ends. Yeah. People me- care, they just care about different things I'm learning. Right. And like, they might not make the connection. We see how politics is an umbrella through which a lot of our everyday interactions fall under. But right. some people might care about sports, not realizing, hey, a lot of these NCAA kids aren't unionized, so they're being screwed. But if you teach, talk to them about NCAA, they know everything. So Mm -hmm. we can sometimes step in and make that connection because politics is exhausting sometimes. Right. I would prefer not to talk about it. I mean, like truly in my personal life, I am happy to be with someone who doesn't want to talk about politics, but you have to be nice. Be nice. Do do, do you think conservatives think this way or do they have these issues? I wonder. I I so wonder. Let's, let's, wait a minute. I I want to get through some of these people. Let's bring Travis into the thing from the back because he, his mute wasn't working before. Travis, can you unmute yourself? Can you hear me? Yes, it worked this time. Okay, what's hey, on your mind, Travis? Hi, Brianna. How is everybody? We're, we're doing well. Do you have any um, bon, mot, bon mots for us? Are you clarifying interjections? Have we gone astray? Are men trash? No, no <laughs> I, I agree with um, your point about the value gap, um, 100%. But I have to say, to be fair, um, I am a man. I do care. <laughs> Um, I do care about politics. <laughs> I do know how to use a toilet brush. So I feel <laughs> like there's a few things that are um, amiss here in this conversation. But hey, really quick, um, I wanted to ask you something because I've noticed over the last few months um, with your outstanding show, and I know I can see Katie Halpers on mute, but um, I should put in a quick word that I love her acerbic wit. It's a real creeper sometimes. Sometimes your jokes hit and then they come back a few seconds later. So um, thank you, Katie. Funniest, anyway, funniest uh, and hard work, hardest working woman on the left, I always say. Phenomenal. She's absolutely phenomenal. But you're phenomenal. Too. So thank you for doing this. Um, so here's my question. Um, you keep referencing every, every now and then about uh, artists. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. About what that artists? Uh-huh. And dating artists. Well, yeah, it is. It has been, it has been pointed out to me that, I mean, there's certainly, I, I'm choosing people, right? So like, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm not making choices and I've been trying to figure out what it is that I'm choosing and who it is that I'm choosing that might be contributing to uh, this run of people who don't in, aren't interested in commitment, and uh, in my head, I'm I have a I'm a practical person, uh, and you know I avoid every big red flag. I'm not someone you know who's like dating the guy who's stealing money out of my purse and using it for drugs. Like that's not my like I would never come anywhere close to that. Like I would never be attracted to that person in the first place. Do you know what I mean? Like that's just, I'm not I'm I'm kind of a teetotaler. I I just, sure. I'm, I'm a Pollyanna in some respects. And there's some, some things that people get tripped up by that it's just not been my life. And I tend to pick people who seem stable and accomplished and all of these things. But it seems to me that maybe those people are also uh, Jason Bateman, not Jason Bateman. Who's the one, who's the sociopath one? Uh, psycho. What, what's his name? Oh, Patrick Bateman. Patrick Bateman. Oh. <laughs> maybe it's oh. Patrick Bateman. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or, or something like I don't know. So I know I haven't dated people who you know might be less have less traditional uh, backgrounds, 
you know, creative types, artists and stuff. And I, I've kind of like joked that maybe that's my issue. I've joked, well, I never really date earth signs. I would love to date a nice stable earth sign, but they, they run for me. Like, awesome. you know, it's world war Z, you know, why? I, I don't know. Well, earth signs tend to really value. Sti- so why do you think they run for me? Earth signs tend to really value stability. And, um, I think perhaps they see, they also, you know, they're looking for what I'm looking for and I'm not that. But you, you can't stable. Well, no. <laughs> I mean, I mean, here's the thing. This is the, this is what's so frustrating to me. It's like I will fully admit to not being the neatest person in the world. I will admit to all of these things, but also I make a lovely home. There's fresh flowers on the table. I decorate. You know, I'm looking at my gym shoes on the floor, and my bed is unmade, and the dried leaves from the flowers have fallen on my coffee table. But like. I think I can contribute things in terms of a house being warm and clean. I can contribute money in terms of having someone to come by regularly clean. But like, if you need so some people are very, a lot of people, a lot of men that I date, it turns out carry, carry a lot are real sticklers for cleanliness. And when they meet me, they say, Oh, it doesn't matter. I don't care about that. My last boyfriend, when he came down to visit me from New York, like the first time I was on a call and when I got off the call, he had like gone and bought cleaning supplies and was literally cleaning my toilet. Oh, I'm happy to do this for you. Like, and I was like, I love acts of service. And so this really warmed my heart to him. I thought it was so generous and so sweet. And I'm like, Oh my God, let me buy you dinner. Like, this is so lovely for you to do this for me. But at the end of the day, the breakup was a conversation about how, Oh, you're so disorganized. What if you don't, what if you forget to make doctor's appointments for the kids? You're going to be a bad mother. You know, and that's insane. It's like, how, do you really not see me or know me or understand me enough that you would? And also, what is your conception of motherhood that it boils down to whether or not to be at the doctor's appointment and not whether you're compassionate and insightful and want to get around on the floor and read books right. and play games? Like, it just, you, it, it's so invalidating to not feel seen and to be reduced to, are you going to schedule a doctor's appointment? Especially when you are a capable gentleman with two hands and a phone who can make, schedule a doctor's appointment if push comes to shove. Well, I've noticed that in some of um, the things that you shared with us on, that there seems to be, um, I don't know if it's a pattern or if it's a habit, I'm sure as you learned about law school and beyond as a lawyer, but it does seem to, um, to me that um, I'm, I noticed earlier in uh, the latest episode on that faith that um, point that you made about um, many are past it um, having preferred to your opinion or your stance on a particular subject. And I thought that was really um, not just interesting, but also a little sad. Like, <laughs> why yeah, well, wouldn't I mean, they want to defer to what you were saying? I mean, especially well, with I'll your s- credentials. Everything that well, you I don't like, I mean, like, I'm a little uncomfortable with that too, because I'm not looking for people to defer to me. No, I just no, don't no, want to be argued time. down. Correct. Like, I don't, I don't want to feel like if I win an argument, it's going to negatively affect our relationship. Or like right. att- feel like an attack on your masculinity, right. uh, and, and I want to say like the people I've dated that hasn't been an issue really, except for my ex fiance who truly could not handle even the minorest of disagreements. But wow. uh, but you know the people I've dated recently, there, it, we've had simpatico that hasn't been the issue. But it is a, a problem with people that I choose not to date because you're saying like men with, in general is an issue. Yeah, yeah. It's a social yeah. phenomenon. Yeah, if it was a couple, then hashtag not all men. But if it's, a, yeah. if it's a pattern, I've noticed the pattern. We can call it a social phenomenon. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I should have called this episode hashtag not all men. I mean, I do yeah. think hashtag, you know, genuinely, but like, 
you know. I don't think I'm trash, so I appreciate it. You know we love you, Dave. That's why you're a speaker. That's why you're a speaker. speaker. Travis, thank you so much for that. I'm going to move on to Tucker because... I was maybe mute when you were saying nice things about my show if I was mute. Sorry, and thank you. (laughs) I'm going to try to get through a few more of these because we've been going almost four hours now, guys. I'm not tired, to be honest, and the room is still pretty big. (laughs) Um, But we should should plan, like women, (laughs) we should think (laughs) about where we want to be 5, 10, 15 minutes from now and act accordingly. No, you just got to commit to the feeling and the now, Brie. I'm just kidding. (laughs) All right. All right, Tucker, unmute yourself and let us know what you're thinking about. Hey, Brie, can you hear me? I can, loud and clear. Uh, When I was listening to the first podcast with all the women, uh, somebody brought up how it feels like uh, men just don't care about politics in general. And it just made me think about that one Obama quote where he said that he read Marx to pick up women. Mm. (laughs) And like, that's just the first thing that popped into my head. And I'm like, that is extremely true because even like down here in Arkansas, like I can't say that I have any experience dating or having a boyfriend or anything like that. And I've always been out, but Every time I talk to a guy, it just seems like, okay, yeah, you're in politics too, and you agree, like, Bernie Sanders is the best choice for uh, president and everything, but you're not going to support him because you don't think that he'll win. So you'll support Pete Buttigieg. And I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, why do you think I would want to date you? Exactly. Like, that's why I'm just like, no, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm just like, there's like nobody down here. Like how you uh, brought up how you dated somebody who was a Jill Stein voter. Mm. I can't I can't find that down here. Only 9,000 people voted for Jill Stein. And I'm like, uh, I would like to <laughs> find one of those like, people. I immediately I was like, oh, you're everything. You cleaned my toilet. You like Jill Stein? Yeah, we can date. Oh, you're a Jill Stein voter? I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah, was it's, lovely, it's, until it's, the it's, until the it's, it's lovely until the end. They're all lovely until the end. It's always lovely until the end. Well, Tucker, thank you. That was, I'm glad you raised that uh, Barack Obama quote because yeah. even Barack Obama, who, if you were going to say archetypally, you know, is the goal. I mean, not politically, obviously. Sorry, don't no. like, don't at me. But aesthetically, hell's belts. He's yeah. a handsome man, credentialed up the wazoo, ca- cares about politics, blo- is a good talker, charismatic, a Leo. I mean, these are the things. He's a Leo? A- okay. Yeah, he's a Leo. They're all Leos. Bill Clinton's a Leo. They're all Leos. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the reason, um, you know, Hillary Clinton has so much trouble is because she's a Scorpio woman. And you know how people feel about that. Oh, but that's yeah. neither here nor there. <laughs> the problem is, um, the, the point is that even if in a hypothetical world where at Harvard Law, I met a Barack Obama, he's a real pill. Pill. Yeah. Well, thank you for that, Tucker. I appreciate that. Thank you. I'll have a good You too. Thanks, Tucker. Can you David, guys hear a, a loud car horn? I I just know if I have to mute myself. You don't. Nobody hears that. No, I don't hear. No. Okay. okay, good. I just moved to New York, so this is my life now. Oh, well, congratulations. Well, good yeah, luck with that. Yeah. It's a better pool than DC. I'll tell you that. David, go ahead and unmute yourself and let us know what's on your mind. David, David, David. any any fans of um, Shit's Creek? Oh, hell yeah. David. <laughs> it's so good. I'm like jealous of you that you haven't seen it and you get to experience it for the first time. David, go ahead and get back on the line um, and we'll see if you can get your uh, mic 
your unmute to work uh, next time. Let's hear from Ryan. Unmute yourself and let us know what you have to say. How's it going? It's going well. Well, I gotta say, thank you for having me on. It's really cool to be talking to y'all, especially uh, Katie and Brianna. I'm big fans. Um, but man, I've just been absorbing everything for the past a while. But uh, no, I got a couple things uh, that I would like to make some comments on if I'm allowed to. But sure, knock yourself um, out. First, I want to say that I feel like all people are trash just in general like people are very very selfish and kind of wrapped up in their own stuff um just a little bit about me i'm a 25 year old teacher and a coach um and i just got engaged Uh, congratulations (laughs) well thank you um (laughs) so my fiance's mom i feel like i got an interesting uh aspect to the political part my fiance's mom is like straight up QAnon, like into mm. into the rabbit hole, um, for, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. And but the, like she 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 loves me. Like I'm. I mean I'm not. And like I, she'll talk to me and she'll like go into her tangents. And for the most part, like like she, I respect her kind of ability to question things more than the people who are just like, oh, everything's amazing. You know, mm-hmm. so um, we I can kind of like sprinkle in like I don't tell her I'm a socialist or anything, but I will sprinkle in like policy ideas and certain things. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that. And my fiance is super like apolitical. She she doesn't really um, she she not that she doesn't care. She just doesn't know, really. And pretty much anything political has come from me or a couple of her friends but she's definitely she's a she's a master's ot um student and so she's definitely got the liberal kind of uh jargon definitely just from going through the college system for sure mm-hmm. but um yeah it's 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 pretty it's pretty interesting like seeing how the parent like because their parents are divorced but the father is you know typical i would say i don't know barstool conservative if you will mm-hmm. and um like yeah i've and like how all of y'all have been making the point like it's almost easier to talk about stuff with conservatives than liberals because I, I i will like sprinkle in like i was saying with the mom just different policy perspectives or just different perspectives and they are totally on board it's just a lot of the cultural stuff that they don't really agree with yeah it's interesting i mean we talk all the time about being able to talk across political uh, lines and how to convince and convert people and there is a uh, there's some dissonance between us saying that we're not able to do that in a relationship context or unwilling to do that with folks in a relationship context um but we're hoping to build this coalition i mean obviously your intimate life your you know your bedroom should have higher standards for what you know (laughs) the political alliance that you make but there there is some there are some parallels there. And I think that being in this political space has made me a lot more open to things than, you know, it has changed. Well, I should say it just changed the parameters I would have set for myself. Whereas maybe 10 years ago, I couldn't imagine dating a Republican. Now I'm like more open to the idea of someone who's more, poli- you know, politically independent or whatever, but oh, and, and less so to a liberal. 
but like just the the the, end, the things within that it's just a lot more nuanced and has, sh- has shifted around differently and having cool. these conversations about will you date a broke guy i mean i've had to interrogate some of the choices that i've made and <laughs> you know like i think about you know there are reasons why you know I, you can criticize me for them and i maybe i'm judging myself for them right now but when i say i like i i've historically liked a clean like a crew j crew clean cut kind of a guy it's in part because that's how I present myself to the world because I don't want to be treated badly in public. Mm-hmm. And it's shitty that we live in a world where people judge folks with tattoos and pink hair and all this stuff. But also I'm black and I already go through the things and I'm trying to minimize the social dissonance that I have and minimize the extent to which I feel like I'm not allowed in certain kinds of spaces or like I'm seen as an outsider. And so I, I have cultivated an aesthetic that I can't tell which part of it is culturally circumscribed and which part is organic, just taste that is like, kind of neutral and trendy and neat. Mm, And I, and if I'm with a partner who is not that, then it undoes all of the work that I've done on me. (laughs) And I enjoy being in social spaces and getting compliments about how you're such a cute couple and you match and you're, you know, it's your nice pair. You look like nice kids. And I, you know, that's, that's a, that's a weird quirk of my own politics that I have to wrestle with, whether it's something that's actually valued me that I want to maintain or whether it's something that I should be interrogating that's holding me back and keeping pe- keeping me from people that are more uh, aligned with me in important ways. So my question would be, do you feel like that that aesthetic, like you said, is truly what what you want? Like, is it truly you? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like, who knows? Who knows how much is what? It's like women who are like, I want to get married and have kids. But like there's so much overwhelming social pressure to have kids that it's almost impossible to tell whether it's an organic desire. That's why you always, that's why what Jay said, speaking to this, like more, you know, and I'm sorry, my crystal mommy has to jump out, but like, I am a (laughs) person and I do really believe in this. Like, um, no, I'm like surefire crystal, crystal mommy in many ways. And it's like, you really have to like think and feel in the present moment, try to be as conscious within yourself, like where you're currently at, at this juncture, like, I'm not going to definitively say I don't want kids or I do want kids, but all I can know is that at this particular juncture, I'm not like feeling the desire to like find someone and like make a baby, you know? And I'm kind of like feeling it's, it's, you know, and I'm, I feel like I'm kind of blessed that I'm not a particularly anxious person because obviously a lot of people are very anxious. (laughs) Oh, yeah. God and bless you then. Worrisome about, the, <laughs> about the future and about, you know, when they're going to do things when they're not. And again, I, I think it, it does hit, it does hit for women because we, we do have a, a legitimate kind of ticking clock, but I feel like just as much as you can trust that, you know, you'll, you'll know it when you see it, you know, it'll, it'll come to you and you'll know. I, I, that's the kind of way I look about love too. Like I'm always just, that's why I'm not really an apps person because I, I really love the kind of IRL meet cute, like just kind of feeling someone else's like energy and like connecting with them, like on a vibe, you know? Well, Cynthia, tell me this. I, I know you, that you recently lost your partner, but have you been on, like, have you tried to meet people or have you successfully met anybody? I'm not saying like a relationship, but have you gone on dates and stuff in the COVID times? I just like never go on dates. Like I, I'm not. But that's why Cynthia, if you're not on an app. It's impossible to go on dates. Well, no, I don't think so. Okay, well, again. We met on a date, on an app. I have a very traditional dating life seemingly compared to all of my 
what's the word? The people that are your, my contemporaries. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've been in like, I guess I would say four like serious kind of relationships. Mm-hmm. All of those people I've just kind of like met, like I've just kind of like organically met, like, oh, I met him at some show. Oh, I met him at like, because we were involved in the same like circles of theater people and comedy people in college. Oh, I met my, my partner, my late partner, because uh, my friends, you know, was his coworker and we went over to his house and he gave us weed. Like, and I was like, oh, he's really cute. I felt the vibe, you know? And then he like came out to the bus stop and kissed me. Like, I'm kind of, mm-hmm. I know, <laughs> but see, it's so much more magical that way. You guys, it's so- no, no, does the method but, matter? So, Cindy, no, you, you, but, all those things happen, whether or not you meet someone at a party or you meet someone at the dinner that you set up because you met on an app. That's yeah, my, my it's the same thing. Amazing. We met on Instagram, and literally, my first day. You wow. know, they talk about that night you never wanted to end first date. That oh, was literally my experience. Like, oh. and like the first day, I remember I could still see him <laughs> walking into the restaurant. And he, the first thing he said, he was like, "Oh my god, you're even more beautiful in person." And like those wow. types of things stick out to me. And it's just like that wasn't hindered by the manner in which I met him because the That's- moment we did connect in person, all of those things that you're talking about were present. Mm-hmm. Well, like I, I would... like I said, I'm I'm trying to apply that same logic to myself, which is like, if you're going to preach about being open, Cynthia, then be open. Like, I'm going on a date tomorrow with a 45 year old lawyer who, who looks yeah, like me. What kind of Patrick what kind, Bateman. What kind we don't of know. But... He looks like Patrick Bateman too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right? He said he's interested in politics. We, right. So we'll see. But yeah, I'm. I guess I'm just saying you're right. Like I think. You can also just, I'm saying, I think we should just give the prescription to just like try and be open, you know, even if it's like, oh, I'm not going to ever date a Republican. You know, it's like, well, I don't know, like maybe you'll meet someone who doesn't necessarily like check every box, but like perhaps there could be growth on both sides. You know what I mean? Like, I just, see, but here, here's the thing. I'm hearing everybody here saying we're going to be more open. We're expanding our borders. All of this, all of this from our side from the women and gay men's side about how we're going to keep pushing our boundaries and lowering the bar and expanding what the realm of the possible, but that's, we're not the problem. That's not you the problem. The to play limbo? I'm sorry. Lo- you want the men to essentially get in the game of limbo and lower the bar. And no, no, no. I, I, I want men to have a bar. I want men <laughs> like, like men, I'm not saying they do have a bar, but what they're valuing is just a completely different mismatch from what the women are valuing. That's true. That, that's, think, yeah, go ahead. So I think that um, one of the callers earlier, had, he said something that was very, he was, he was, he was 27 and I'm not disparaging like anything at all, but he was, he's, I'm still figuring it out. And that kind of <laughs> not made me mad because there would do, no be all, reason, like, but like there, I mean, not that, like, I feel like at, like, 18, like, you shouldn't have it figured out what you want to do, but you should be capable and competent. Yeah, I'm with you, Ryan. And so 27 like, is grown. I'm sorry, yeah, Americans. I'm 25. 27 like, is I'm fucking grown. We don't know what his, we don't know what, I, I guess I'm hesitant to, to, to harp on them because you don't, I don't know where he prioritizes his life focus. Like, if I didn't start dating until like later than my counterpart. So it's kind of like if that young man focused on college and getting through this and now he's just getting to a place of dating, I can't really fault him for he's that. He's been out of college for five years. He's 27. Listen, he might have been out of college. No, I will say yeah. this. I, I've been kind of like, I don't want, I just moved to New York City. 
I'm a writer person, journalist person, wannabe, you know, person who's it's taken me some time to really not figure out what I want, but to try and like trust myself and like actively go into like what I consider to be my purpose. And so, you know, now I feel like, okay, now I'm here. I feel maybe a little bit more like ready to kind of open myself up to the idea of like another person because I've, I feel like I've just been kind of like working on myself for some time. And I don't know, maybe that's like someone else's or maybe they're trash. I mean, I don't know, you know, but like, <laughs> a lot of that, people are just surviving and having, they're not even stopping to, like you said, really figure themselves out. But, but like, David, that, I'm sorry. That's bullshit. Cause their women are trying to survive too. <laughs> women are yeah. every, everything you're describing yeah, a man I, going through that excuses why he hasn't thought about tomorrow. Women are going through that, plus all the things that women have to go through. But that's di- the reason why it's different is because you can't divorce the fact that women are taught to aspire to relationships and marriage in a way that men are not. I'm not saying I agree with it. That's the key. I'm, sim- but I I'm simply that saying that's their experience. But sometimes we can be a little bit vindictive and punitive, like because there's been a guy who's been an asshole and who was like, uh, you know, didn't figure his shit out. But but love bombed you like that doesn't mean that this person who we spoke to from Hawaii is is hurting people. No, right. no one's saying you know he's hurting I mean? people. But like, I think that people here, here's what I'm saying. There's no figuring it out. Just let that the fuck go. Let it go. <laughs> no one's figuring anything out. Maturity no, is not chronological. You have to decide. You can't. Absolutely. Immaturity is thinking that, oh, I don't want to make a commitment. So I'm going to leave every door open. You can't leave the doors open. They automatically start closing. You have to decide which one you go through. Uh, that is all the differences between a mature person and an immature person. That is not a choose your own adventure book where you have like 11 fingers jammed in the pages because you want to go back and do every retread without committing to one narrative. There is no magical moment where you're going to wake up and say, oh, I'm an adult. Let me do this. And if you ask a 50-year-old, an 80-year-old, they will tell you the exact same thing. They still feel just as unsettled and immature as they did when they were 27 or 17. I'm not saying go out and get married when you're 17, but like, I think sometimes, and I mean this with compassion, I'm not angry, obviously at this young man from Hawaii, but like, you have to just, you, you like you sometimes people are letting themselves off the hook for making decisions. That's a hundred percent. That's by, true. by saying, Oh, I'm just young. I'm sorry. You are not young. You are a 27 year old man. <laughs> You are fucking grown. Yeah, but what if but someone think, said that to me? Well, like, oh, Cynthia, you're 28. You should have it figured out by now. You know, I'd be like, I don't know. I'm so no, no, no. Sorry. You so- don't have to have all of the world figured out. But like, you're the fact that you want to be in a relationship. Not right now. Not okay, now. well, then you don't want to be in a relationship. So don't date and don't be in a relationship. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, what's or or be in casual relationships. I like casual. Yeah, I just, yeah, I like. Oh, that's that's figuring your thing out but what you can't you can't be as like what these men are doing i'm not saying obviously that wyatt from hawaii wasn't doing this i don't know anything about wyatt from hawaii so. <laughs> hashtag not but but the thing is it's like men engage in patterns of behavior with women who are very clear about what they want and then act in the 11th hour like oh my gosh i was just wasn't sure. like oh i don't know like, i don't know what you do know, if you know that you don't want to be in a relationship, don't be with a woman who wants to be in a relationship. If you know that you don't want to get married, stop dating women who want to get married. Because that's that's the asymmetry. That's the what comes off as misleading or quote unquote abusive about love bombing is that the women will be being very up up upfront, not always, but often upfront about what they want. These men who are dating women, like I said on the podcast, in their mid thirties, late thirties, early forties, talking about, oh, I wasn't the, the last guy I dated. 
was he just he's he's 41. He was 40 when we were dating. He the last woman he dated before me was older than him. Uh, they had been dating for a while and they had plans to like move to a new state and move in together. She is at the end of her chronological rope. You know what I mean? She wanted to have kids. And he was like, oh, well, I hadn't really thought about it. And then I realized, okay, maybe I don't want to do this. After spending all this time, it's like crucial years with her right there at the end. Man. And I was like, well, have you, did you communicate all this ambivalence to her? Like in a timely manner? Yeah. <laughs> like I'm like, find myself, I'm finding myself super invested in this woman I've never met and will never meet in reproductive <laughs> future. Because I'm like, we'll how could you do her. this to her? You know she wants to have a kid. What are you doing? You know, honestly, that goes back to a hashtag West Elm Caleb because this whole this whole concept of ghosting, I don't find it as this like incredibly punitive. Like people should be, you know, everybody ghosts, but it's like absolutely. But why do we ghost? Because because people are people are again socialized to be like it's it's an incredibly vulnerable and very scary and uncomfortable place to like have to reject someone. And I'm you know I'm guilty of that too. But it's like. But it's not serving the other person, nor is it serving yourself to like go. I mean, and so that's kind of a form of ghosting of like not being upfront about what you want, you know. So it's like, well, I support ghosting. If I could add something as someone yeah. younger, why should um, we support ghosting? Okay, well, let, let let baby Ryan, young man Ryan, sorry, baby Ryan, <laughs> Ryan who's a twenty five year old, just just took his pacifier out of his mouth and is putting down his Linus blanket so he can communicate <laughs> with us right now. Come on, come on, baby, <laughs> young 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 boy in your knee knee highs. What's yeah, exactly. on your mind? No, so so like as speaking to ghosting, like I've as as some like I'm a, like the very end spectrum of the millennial, like. I've been ghosted. I've ghosted people. Like, I feel like it's not like, especially if it's not, if, if you're dating someone for like months, don't do that. Right. But, right. Right. Like if you're, you know, if it's casual, it's, it, I, it's, I feel like it's happened to me. I'm like, okay, well, obviously she wasn't that into me. So like, cool. I'm better for it. Like I, like, obviously that wasn't going to work. I love connection. Yeah. I think after one date, I don't think I've ever ghosted someone that I went on more than one date with. Or sometimes it's like we just are both test- texting each other less and less over time, and then it just peters yeah. out, and you don't know who did what to whom. It's like obviously there wasn't mutual interest. But if we went on one date, like one date, that's not, you know, do I need to text you all the reasons why I don't want to go out with you again? That seems almost rude and gratuitous. Well, what's wrong with <laughs> no. saying, like, I don't feel a connection here? I mean, wouldn't that be an incredibly exactly. grounded, like, enlightening thing for us to start speaking in that way? Like, you know what? Like, I don't, you're great. You're objectively, you know, good looking or what have you, but like, I just don't feel mm. in here. I feel like the ghosting <laughs> says people, that. People take it. As exactly. Like, but, don't, yeah, don't text me that. If, if we went on one date and you're not attracted to me, please don't text me saying I wasn't attracted <laughs> to you. That's what we're like. Just don't text me at all. And I'll take the hint. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but to me, isn't that very similar to what you're saying? The problem is, because I agree with Cynthia. Like if you get to a place where it's like, Hey, y'all, Hey, don't leave people in question or wondering. Like, I feel like we have to get to a place of honesty. And I feel like that's where people are not being truthful when it comes to these first dates and what their intentions are. If you know, this is not my person, then just say, Hey, my intention is not to move this forward. It doesn't have, you don't have to give a lot. If someone writes to you, if someone writes to you uh, and you don't write them back, that's one thing. But if I don't think it's Mm -hmm. interesting, if neither one writes the other one. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's what it is. It's like neither person's yeah, only okay. communication. I don't think it's ghosting. I guess I it has I have done a thing where 
people have like messaged me back in the app after the date Mm -hmm. and I have ghosted there. I feel like ghosting in the app is different than ghosting on the phone. Like I'm not going to ignore your text message. That feels like rude. But if if we haven't even exchanged phone numbers and you're just like an anonymous, fairly anonymous person in the app. But you've uh, gone out with them? Yeah. That's like weird okay. now because it's like I see you on the app, so you see. I don't. I don't know because I don't be on apps. But like, once <laughs> you met some person, I just feel like common courtesy would at least be like, "Hey, you know, I don't. Yeah, I don't want to pursue can, anything." Yeah, but then it also can be a little presumptuous, right? Because maybe well, like, I, mean, I don't want to pursue anything. I'm not feeling it. Like, fuck you. You don't know what I was feeling. Well, Katie, yeah, but what if they ask you out? Sometimes they ask you out on the second then, date, no, and I've ghosted that. Think that's fair. Then I think that's fair. But the kind of preemptive, I'm just going to share my feelings and how I process you. And it turns out I'm not. Oh, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> right. You don't have to say it like Give that. Only if they You don't have to be this mechanical, like, okay, now I'm going to touch your waist. Is that okay? Like, I don't, <laughs> you don't have to do that. But like, you know, like, I guess my point is that I feel like the, again, the way that we understand like dating and sexual chemistry, like all of these things is like, oh, this person doesn't want me. Therefore, I'm not objectively, you know. No, but I would be annoyed things. if someone was like, you're objectively great. I just don't have feelings for you. I feel that's like bullshit. No, because all, all that means is they're not sexually attracted to you. Like, it's fine. Like, I'm going to tell you right now. Is that attraction relative? Like, that's my point. Right. So you don't have to tell me about it. I I don't need to know. (laughs) I got the picture. Like, yeah, the guys that I'm thinking of. to do with how you look and more about maybe just the energy and how you Yeah, it could be pheromones. You could be attractive no. and ugly. You could be not attractive. <laughs> no. So there's plenty of attractive you guys, guys that what, I have what, no what, Come on, guys. Stop being ridiculous. Involved. There are but, people who are not, who I'm not attracted. I wouldn't be attracted to walking down the street who I am because yes, of that je ne sais quoi or yes, pheromones or something. But, but when and I have not. are very attractive. Yes, but when I have not responded to a guy who wanted to go on a second date, is fundamentally not because of pheromones. <laughs> I was not attracted to them in IRL. Like that's just yeah, what but it they was. They could still be attractive. Right. Yeah. They could still be attractive. Right. So that's why I'm not going to say yeah. anything to them. I hope they continue right. to believe that they're attractive and they go out and find someone who feels that way about them. Also, that person just is not me. That's well, why I don't have to write them a dissertation about that all the ways that I'm not attracted to them. You can find So, like, if you're at a bar, are you going to walk up to someone that you're not attracted to and start up a conversation? Like me, I don't. I mean, I don't want to sound like a dick, but like, no, of I'm course not. not. I'm not going to go up to so, like that. Went back to the other caller talking about uh, commodifying, and yes, uh, to a degree, but like also in real life i'm not gonna go up and hit on someone that i'm not attracted to of course that's the whole point of it being a romantic relationship and not a friendship is you gotta be attracted (laughs) to this that's the whole point that's why we're in this i don't think we're saying uh, maybe i'm missing it but it's like the attract i wouldn't tell anybody this is your issue or this is i'm not attractive i think that's just literally being a douchebag it's simply (laughs) saying I don't see a few. I'm, I'm not interested in pursuing something further. Makes no judgment on but who it, they are as a person. But day it does. Of course it does. That's how people it take that it. You're letting them down. Gotcha. Maybe it's because annoy me. in fairness, like I do like art stuff. And so like, sometimes I, I think like, if I don't get a part, it's like, I have to learn that it's like, it could simply be because I'm six foot four exactly. for television and stuff. That's ridiculously really tall, and they don't like to hire <laughs> people like that. So I've learned to not equate it to me. It's just but, simply, but, right. I see but what you're, day, you're that's saying a that you're doing it from the opposite you're way, like from the art. 
But Dave, that's right, a quality. That's a quality that is socially valued a great deal that happens not to be valued in this niche professional area. I'm not. I'm not going out with guys who are just too fabulous. <laughs> They're just too great, but I am not ready for that much greatness in my life. No, the reason I don't want to go out with them again because they're not attractive to me, because they're not interesting to me, because, you know, a million negative qualities. They're 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 relative, right? It's subjective. But I have obviously assessed a series of negative qualities that I don't like in you, which is why I don't want to go out with you again. And I don't or feel maybe the need. Say a lack of a lack of something. It's not be negative. It's okay, you a don't have attractiveness. You don't have wit. <laughs> you only have to say that if they. I feel like you should only say that if they reach out. Like I personally just feel like ghosting right. people as opposed to just causes, ignoring them. Exactly, it causes people. De- it causes the same type of scars that people get when it's just like you wait down the line and then they're like, "Well, I don't really want to have kids, so I leave you." I no, it doesn't. One, but I feel no. like it's. It it's one date or fearful, but you got to think one date for you. But imagine every time they're going out, they're getting ghosted. I just think about how that, how that scar. Well, they should get their act together. Stop, <laughs> start like, punching their weight. <laughs> but create. I don't know. I, I guess creating that culture guys. makes me nervous. Speaking of, like, I would personally yeah. rather get ghosted than like someone explain to me that. Me too. Uh, it's just not like my yeah, forehead is too you big. Told me that like, like, <laughs> I'm not losing out on you. <laughs> Ridiculous and gorgeous. Thank you. <laughs> no, keep, keep it to yourself. I don't want to know what my problems are. All right, Katie, Katie, Katie's going to make a graceful exit. Good yeah, night, Katie. It was so great. Thank you guys so much. See you on the And, and Katie, you. do you have yeah. your show? Do you have your show already set up on the app? Yeah, yeah. What's it called? Find it. It's called the Katie Helper Show. So you can That's easy enough that. to remember. Yeah, yeah. Please come. I'm, and Bree, you got to be a, early, a guest on. A hundred percent. I love awesome. I love being on this. I love doing call in. Yeah, oh, that's not what great. I meant to hit. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best technology I've ever experienced. Thank you for doing this oh, long haul with me, Katie. My, ch- check out my videos on YouTube at youtube.com plus the Katie Helper Show because we have some great episodes we just did on Israel-Palestine, which should get more attention because they're basically, the latest thing that they're doing now is so sorted. They, they've been doing it for years. They plant trees. They ethnically cleanse Palestinians and then they plant trees over it and turn it into like a nice good deed that people can do and pay for Israel to plant a tree for you. Mm. Well, Katie always has her um, finger on the pulse of the things we really should be talking about, which is probably not this episode, but I really appreciate you spending the time, Katie, and you should definitely go and follow her show and like all of the videos and help boost the algorithm there. I think Sylvester is going to be the last caller regardless, because guys, we're coming up on four and a half hours and I don't think it should be five. (laughs) <laughs> so thank you ryan let's hear from sylvester and you have the the um distinction of being the last caller i'm so sorry like i know there's just like five more of you but okay maybe this is what we'll do sylvester i'm going to make you a speaker because i know you and you're pretty good and i don't think you're going to while out and say anything crazy <laughs> and say your piece and sylvester Ooh, I cannot hear you, Sylvester. Maybe get back in line. I'll bring you up. Um, oops, I've just invited Trav to speak, which I didn't intend to do, but go ahead and speak your truth. Um, Sylvester, wait, can I hear you? Can you say something, Sylvester? Cannot hear you. I think you should leave and come back and see if that works. Um, in the interim, Trav, unmute yourself and let us know what you have to say. Hey, Brianna, how are you doing? Uh, I'm, do- I'm doing this. well. 
Great, great. Uh, first of all, I really enjoy all your work. You're, you're doing work, so thank you for uh, everything you do for the leftist movement. Um, first of all, I just wanted to quickly touch on, you mentioned the values gap um, between mm -hmm. men and women. I, I think that's just universal. You know, you mentioned earlier, you talked beautifully about how you're looking for the pursuit of love for the rest of your life, that you want to settle down with somebody. Um, but I think men want that as well, but the pursuit of pleasure outweighs that. And I think in a culture that we have where there's so many options, uh, men will always choose that pleasure over the pursuit of love until they kind of get tired of it and want to settle down. And I find that's universal. You know, my family is from the Caribbean. I have a cousin who's probably in the same situation as you, you know, beautiful, um, graduated topper for um, university, um, and she can't find a man. You know, she, and she's saying all these guys want to do is uh, mess around with two, three women, you know, you call them, they're doing this and that, like, and when you go out, you see them with another woman. So, and I think that's just like a universal thing. Although I gotta uh, say, that's not what my partners are like. They're, they're not womanizers. They, they either remain single or they just go find another relationship. I think they have a commitment issue. They're not a womanizing issue. They're not like... Do you think that they have a commitment issue because it's, um, because they have so many options? Uh, there wouldn't be a commitment issue if there. No, was, I don't uh, think you, your options motivated when you just go and get in another two, three-year relationship with someone else. I mean, someone who wants to explore their options just stay single or, you know, date someone for a month or two at a clip. I don't these know. These are not guys that are like. Thing. I, you know, I constantly hear women talking about, um, oh, you know, I'm just going to work on myself. I'm just going to like, I'm not going to mess with men right now. I don't know if I ever hear men doing that. I know men like they constantly. No, they don't like, have a self. But they. <laughs> 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 like, I don't want to work on myself. I want another woman. I want to have sex. Sorry to be crude with someone else. Like I. I don't also, but but, but Trav, this idea to me, the fundamental issue here is the idea that pleasure and love are separate categories instead of mutually enforcing ones. Oh, yeah, maybe, maybe that's my own warped thinking. But I, I, I do think like, you know, love is something that is a little bit separate from pleasure. The men are, are kind of raised and socialized to seek pleasure in multiple women. And I mean, I'm not, you know, that's culture. And I think uh, that's kind that, of how they find pleasure more so out of that than love with a stable woman over time. But is that is that? And I'm saying this as a heterosexual man. I, you know, is, maybe I'm making a, a a judgment call, but that's kind of what I what I see. Is that? I'm not like again. I I feel like I need to look up the data on like the bi you know the biological literal differences between men and women in this regard. But like, is that is that both biological and and culture? You know, like nature versus nurture, or is it like literally men are socialized to want to always be I, I, think, <laughs> the, I think part of that is uh, part, of, <laughs> part of that could be culture you know i live in brooklyn and i live in um courts close to the orthodox jewish community and i see how quickly the young men get married uh, and that's because they're in the strict religious culture and i and i find that maybe in sort of those cultures maybe you see the same thing amongst the mormons the tendency to like get married at a young age to find to have stable marriages, uh, you kind of find that in stricter cultures, and I think that might play a role more so than um, nature. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I, I'm curious. 
because Trav, as a as a fellow, I mean, you're Caribbean, but like as a fellow black person, I always jokingly say like, if you go to the black barber shop and you see the barber's girlfriend come in, and then five minutes later his mistress pull up, nobody ever critiques that man. Like, yo, bro, why are you doing that? And I do True. agree with you. I think a lot of it is like we don't. And these are, they can be older people in the shop, younger people, no one is gonna check him. And I feel like we have gotten to a point where men are never taught, for lack of better words, to tame the beast, to have some type of sexual maturity where it's not like they're not being guided by their little brain to be not so crass. And I think women are taught they're supposed to have purity and chastity. And so they are not able to express themselves the same way men are, which can be problematic in different ways. But I do agree that when all you focus on growing up is I don't have to tame my desire for pleasure, then when it comes to something like being in a committed relationship, it would be challenging because that requires you to, I don't like to say the word deny, but for all intents and purposes, deny being able to just go out and do whatever like an untrained dog. I got it. I mean, I know that this is a phenomenon that happens, but I got to say, I don't date guys like this. So like, I don't, I don't, I, if I, if I, there was even a whiff of playeriness around this person, I find that to be so repellent. It would not even begin to no, absolutely not. That has never been my experience. So, I mean, I, I, I want to validate that like some, some of this is like men not valuing commitment, but like, again, my more fundamental concern is that men who value, you know, who, who like value monogamy at least are, choosing partners that have a value set that is not especially well thought through is not especially sophisticated or is it's just not what women are choosing it may be that i don't mean to make a value judgment but they're they're just assessments are different um and i and i i you know there's been so many gay men who've said this to me including james on the show that there is a broader cultural pressure obviously when everybody's a man to be more sexual and, and for everything to be kind of like reductively a sexual experience. But I have so many gay male friends who, and my br- little brother who have articulated to me like, Oh no, like, no, we want to be in relationships and it can be tar- hard to weed through as the exception to the rule. But every gay man I know seems to want to be in a relationship. Mm. Have you and seen like, girlfriends where she's like, am I Joan? Like, <laughs> 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 you know, so like, it seems to me like uh, there are, there are obviously, you know, lots of gay men who want to, you know, uh, in, you know, push back against the stereotype, the male stereotype. There are obviously lots of hetero men who also want to push against that. Oh, I'm just a libidinous man stereotype. There's, and I, I don't think it's, I don't think that men, like obviously some men are whatever, but I think that there's lots of men that do are looking for intimacy and to be understood and all of those kinds of things. And I, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a, I don't have a conclusion. I don't know what to say, but it seems to me to be like, not, you know, it's not, re, I'm not, I'm resisting reducing it to like men want to chase tail and women don't because even men who are seeming to not chase tail that settle down and get married, there's this archetype and, it's hard to say this out loud without making it seem like I'm making value judgments, but there's this archetype of like the successful businessman who like marries a secretary. And that's obviously like I'm a leftist and I, I'm not saying that one kind of work is better than another kind of work, but there is this like values gap where women are trying to date the businessman and the man is trying to date the secretary. And that leaves the businesswoman in a bit of a pinch. 
because there's no male secretary. And also the male secretary doesn't cook, clean, or be nice to her. <laughs> so there's no, like, there's no value in, like, there's, why is, what is the point? Well, you know, Bree, I say just, just let it, I jokingly say the front door of my heart was locked and my, my late partner, Kate, somehow must have knocked on the back door. And so I always, oh, that, that sounds like a bad gay joke. And that <laughs> but, like, but like, I always jokingly say, because I was doing so much work, just focus, I wasn't focused on trying to date. And the one time when I stopped focusing on that, because I was recovering serial monogamous, that's when it showed up. And I feel like, you know, all these apps and stuff, just delete them for like three But months. like, no day, like, this, this, isn't, this isn't a conversation about how to Brianna find a boyfriend. All I do is have boyfriends. That's not the issue. That's not the issue. <laughs> I don't yeah, have trouble okay. finding a boyfriend. I can have a boyfriend tomorrow if I want to have a boyfriend. Do you know what I mean? Is that the problem? I'm yeah. finding the right boyfriend. Right. I was like, I've always had relationships. It's just now I found that one diamond in the rough when I wasn't. So right, but I, I I found many diamonds in the rough who I loved deeply and broke my heart. Day. They They're all diamonds in the rough, and I loved every one of them, and it didn't pan out. So that's a, that's a like, separate issue. But also, I want the best. Okay, okay go ahead, sorry. Cynthia. I just wanted to say I, I I also I also wanted you know change the language of like it didn't work out you know or like or the or the fact that we have to think of like oh we're getting a divorce like I feel like a failure like it's like why does that have to feel why does why does that have to feel like it didn't work out like versus you having like a relational experience with someone and like both parties had to like grow and evolved and changed and it became like a learning experience about yourself and now the tides have shifted either you wanted something different or they wanted something different but ultimately you had to part and now you've through the sifting and sorting you're like okay I don't want that I want something different like yeah with all due respect I'm not interested in a relational experience (laughs) I'm interested in someone who loves me so much that they can't imagine their life without me okay well that you know so I'm looking for that <laughs> Sylvester, um, you're up. You're the last caller. What's on your mind? Yes, you, you are know, coming Mike through loud and clear. Mike is good. Mike is good. I, you know what? And it's fitting because I think we we get into the root of something right here. I think we starting to now we starting to talk about the the serial ghosting that you got <laughs> going on, Bree. The, I'm not uh, serial ghosting. <laughs> I go on like three dates a week. I can't be writing like oh. Elizabeth Bronte love well, letters to every one of these week? guys. Three yeah. dates a week? You're Charlotte on Sex in the City. Oh my god. Oh you know what? <laughs> we get to see we get into it now. Because somebody told me before, if you know what if you know where you're going, be like get ready for that, right? If you know where you're going, get ready for that. You say that you want to be in a monogamous relationship with somebody that can't imagine their life without you, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. But if you dating, if you went on three different dates a week, are you preparing for that? Are you setting the table for that? If so much, yes, of your I'm dating. In- I'm dating one, one guy. I've been dating for a couple of months. But he travels a lot on the weekends. And honestly, if I were sitting around waiting for him, I would be going crazy and texting him like an insane person. So I take my mind off of him, the main guy, by going out <laughs> with someone else. <laughs> it, it works for him because then... I'm doing a lot of it's not hypocrisy. We're not in an exclusive relationship. We were very open about... How could we possibly be in an exclusive relationship when you see each other once every week? Like, that's ridiculous. So that doesn't sound like that relationship is serving the purpose that you ultimately Well, no, it's, want. it takes more time to get to know him because he's just, he has a legitimately 
hectic work schedule. Like it's, you know, he's legitimately like, I'm not mad at him about it. Like, I think he's being truthful. But the type of relationship that you want to be in is one where you're not even thinking about trying to be with somebody else when that person is. Right. And you get to that point after you get to know someone, but it's hard to get to know someone when you see them like three hours once a week Mm because they travel on the weekend. So that is what it is. I don't don't know. It it sounds like if I I want to learn how to shoot with my left hand, but I keep on shooting with my right hand, it don't seem like I'm trying to get ready to shoot with my left hand. So you're saying I should dump this guy who has promise, but isn't really around a lot or just sit around on my hands while I get older. Hoping that this is gonna work out. <laughs> well, it sounds by the time he come back home, you're gonna be old. So I don't think waiting on him. Well, I'm not waiting on him, <laughs> but he's cute. So if he wants to hang out on the weekend and and I can enjoy his company, then that's fine. In the interim, I'm gonna keep dating. And so, uh, you know, there's another guy. This is what I say. This is this what I say. I say with people. If people say people say they want to eat, right? Okay, I'm hungry. I want to eat something. But then you ask them, is the dinner is the dinner table ready? And they say no. Well, no, you are not you're not ready to eat. No, so, no. Yeah. I'm sorry, Sylvester. No. I was seeing someone else, seriously, and I wanted to be in a relationship with him. We spent the holidays together, my my family, everything was great. And I was about to cut the once a week guy off and be exclusive with this guy until he showed up with his big age talking about, Oh, I don't know if I want to be in a relationship. I just want to be, I think I'm going to get somehow more desirable and have more options as I head into my 40s. And so now I'm like, okay, fine. I'm glad I didn't cut off the the once a week guy because, you know, he has constraints that he can't help that have made it the relationship not progress as quickly. But he it was going to be legitimately difficult for me to choose between the two in the beginning because they were both really lovely guys and lovely options. And I'm glad I didn't, I didn't, glad I didn't send this guy an Elizabeth Bronte breakup letter. Because now he's still in my life, and you know who knows where that will go. <laughs> and he could just be part. I just, I guess my question to you is that: Do you feel like you're preparing yourself to be in a monogamous relationship by practicing serial dating habits? I don't think my dating habits have anything to do with it. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't have dating habits. If one of these guys were like, "I want to be your girlfriend," it would be over. It would be a wrap. <laughs> I'm not the one choosing not to be monogamous. <laughs> well. I'm not to be sorry to have my crystal mommy jump out, but I think it's really interesting that you've attracted, you know, these men that in in some way they're either symbolic on a metaphorical level or maybe a physical level. They're sort of ambivalent about a com- like being in your life for it in a committed monogamy. No, I just, I need you guys to understand the, the guy works in athletics and there are games every weekend. This isn't like an abstraction. He's literally not there on the weekends. He's not in the state. <laughs> Is that going to change, though, if you get serious? Because I want if you want somebody that you see more than once a week... No, it's not going to change. It's not going to change. So then why are you waiting for Of course I am. Of course I've had this conversation with him. But he's cute. And so I get to see him on the weekends while nothing else is going on. (laughs) So I remember when he gets back, you know, on Monday, Tuesdays. So it's it's fine. Like that is that is fine. Be the weekend. That's what Sister said. Be the weekend. Um, or you know, not not actually on the weekend, but the the reality. My weekends are actually Thursday, Friday because of my pers- my work schedule. But the 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 point is that you know there are some things that you know he's new to the job. He's hiring staff. Things are going to get a little better at some point. But like I'm not holding my breath for that. You know, because he's also a man of a certain age who's still single, and I know that he has not prioritized. He's prioritized his job. And not his relationships. And I don't expect that to change with me. And so I'm not holding my breath. And so I'm going to continue to date and meet someone else. I had a very promising date last night with a guy who seems like the kind of person who actually is willing to make space and time in his life for a relationship. And we'll see where that goes. And if that becomes serious, I'll obviously cut it off with the other two. 
But I think that women make a mistake of like over and that's how you get West Elm Caleb. These women who are overly invested in this man because he's white and six four. Like that's all it's got to be to be honest to be a king on the dating app. Be a hetero white man who's six four. This six four hate is really making me feel some type of way because I promise you, it is, it is not a luxury. It is not a luxury for people like me, it, at least not in the homosexual world. But I will actually agree. It's going to sound like I'm lying about everything I said before. But Brie, I do actually agree that having multiple people that you're entertaining doesn't mean because people think entertaining means you got to be having sex and all the time. No, you don't. No, 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 no you don't, I agree. I'm not having sex with, with these people. I agree with you. No, I'm saying I actually do believe that <laughs> doing that is good because then you don't get so focused that you become crazy over one person and i believe that naturally one person will rise to the top exactly and they make it apparent so i and, actually agree with that and, so and it also makes it really clear it's like you can start to see how different people make you feel because yeah. like there, you know i yeah there are things that i really really like about uh traveling fellow but some when i was dating the him and the other guy that i was seeing more seriously at the same time it became so clear to me how easy the conversation was playing with the other guy Um, and how much we just, it was such a, it became very obvious what was the obvious choice after just like a few weeks of dating both of them at the same time. But if it feel right, do you need to compare it to something else to know that it feel right? Or you just know that it hit you like, this is different. She's sifting and sorting. She's like, oh, I like like this so much. Yeah, they all have lovely qualities. Like I'm not, I I don't know what's going on with other people, but I'm not like choose wading through trash here. Like these are like nice guys, like I go on bad dates. Those dates I don't talk about because they're These are cool dudes, but it don't sound like they're serving your per- like what's your ultimate end goal. It don't seem like they're doing that for you, but they're nice guys. Well, I don't so know if they're going like- to serve my angle. We're dating. It's called dating. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got? What is wrong with you guys? Like you go on one date with someone and you get down on a knee? It's called dating. You're getting to know someone over time. How long you been dating? Them? Uh, the- which one? <laughs> the travels I think I met him like in October October yeah but for most of the fall I was real heavy into the other guy you know like he was way phased out and was seeing him very infrequently like once every couple weeks um so you know, only since I, you know, I'm not seeing that other guy now in January has the pace picked up a little bit more with gone all the time. guy Because I wasn't trying to pursue, like, I wasn't, like, putting a lot of effort into setting up date times with him at that point either. But now that he, when he became the only person on the horizon, I was like, well, I'm about to become, un, un, you know, overly invested in him, but just as a default. So let me open the pool back up. And look around, do a little swipe, 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 see what's going on. And then you meet people. I went on a lovely couple of dates with this fellow who's very nice, but not a love match. But, you know, a good time, you know? <laughs> you know? He's a good time. He's 6'4". <laughs> you know? And, you know, and then there's this phone date I had last night that was promising. We'll see what happens. What's a phone date? Not to be funny. like okay. you, It's just a call. It's like wow. a lot of times on the because of covid you know maybe you would meet someone for coffee Mm -hmm. for a first date that's low stakes but now when you can get a virus and have to go to the hospital over it some people want to just have that extra level of like make sure that there's some something there before you meet in person okay i've never done that before oh that's why i don't ask like i 
Really? What's wrong with that? You know, I like the call. I'm not... Dates give me so much anxiety because I'm like, what if I'm going to get there and I'm going to feel no chemistry and then I have to sit through this date and then I have to either... Mm -hmm them are politely reject like that's why i hate that's that's just me i know well then the call like what i like about it is that before covid if a guy wanted to have a call before a date i was almost offended it was like not the social norm it was like who do you think you are like (laughs) you want to vet me before we meet up together what you're not you're afraid you're gonna have to spend 40 bucks on me and you don't want to have to spend you know it felt almost like an insult it's a real thing though i mean i Men never pay anyway, so I, I don't even know. I'm like, you're not going to pay anyway, so I don't understand why you're acting like this is a thing. So, Dude, I'll use myself as an example of that. Um, I'm I'm in a I'm in a relationship, mm-hmm. now, right? And leading up to me getting into the relationship, I was in a spot where I was seeing a lot of different women, and that was kind of like you know it was almost kind of like a, a cushion for me to not commit to one person. Cause I had this person, I had this person, I had this person. But then um, when some of, some of the, the relationships started backfiring on me, I was just like, you know what? I got to be honest with myself. The way I'm moving, I'm not moving like somebody who wants to settle down and be in a relationship. And like, I had to be honest with myself, but I was telling myself that, man, I'm being intentional with this person. I'm being intentional with that person. I'm being intentional with this person. But if I had the same intention with all three different people, then you're not really keeping it a buck with yourself. So I said, you know what, going forward now, if I'm telling myself I want to be in a monogamous relationship, that's how I'm going to move. I ain't going to be dating this person. Well, then I would be single. Then I would be going on zero dates because I don't, at this point today, I don't want to be in a monogamous relationship with any of the people that I've met. Oh. Then you be no. I have to. D- I don't know family. them yet. To? I need to date them <laughs> to get to know them. Yeah, but you just said that you have, based on what you know, you don't. Right. Have to but I, I don't want an, an abstraction. I don't like abstractly want to be in a monogamous relationship with someone just because I've been on dates with them. Generally speaking, I'd like to be in a monogamous relationship, but I don't know that that if I get into a relationship with someone, that's another two or three years of my life that is gone. Because it didn't work out because I didn't vet things properly because I jumped too quickly back at the next thing. I'm not doing that again. I think you know? that's the difference. What is dating? Because I like as a as a younger no, no. like on the different millennial, I feel like the dating terms change. So then we have like talking and then there's dating and then there's relationship. And no, I we're said, dating. I, you yeah. come and you pick me up in a car and we go to a restaurant and we have a conversation and we come home. It's a date. So, OK, no, no, I'm, I'm asking these things because like for me, a lot of that vetting is usually done in like the talking phase. So I'm asking now, what? How long is the dating? Because you've been on and off with this person since October, and you've been on the same trajectory, and you're still like, I don't know if I would date them. I'm like, I know by this long of a period if I'm going to. So I'm just curious for you, how do yeah. you know when to make the transition? Yeah, I mean, this guy. I at one point I thought he was very promising. You know, date before last, I was really really into it, and then the last date, I gotta say. I, it was probably it was I made an internal decision that he's not it. Why? I mean, like, why? Yeah. Um. Well, yeah. On a platform, she can't tell all the why. You know? I think we don't. We have incompatible love languages. I find him to be not uh, sufficiently physically affectionate, and I don't. I don't think he's doing it. You know, self. And he's not a bad person, but he has a tendency not to really ask me a lot about myself. Um, Red and thumbs down. He, he I mean, he's a, he asked about your Meghan Markle interview. Okay. <laughs> he, um, 
And I think that he has a pattern when I ask him about his relationships. He has, you know, he's 39. He's not a spring chicken. And he has a pattern of, um, you know, prioritizing his career a lot. And I'm like, well, do you see that changing at any point? You do recognize that the same thing that makes it difficult for me to see you and the same choices that you made professionally, you know, that's going to continue to be an issue in your relationships unless you make different choices, right? Unless you prioritize something else, unless you think about it and plan and, you know, do the things you have to do to get the outcomes that you want. And he's like, yeah, I guess that's right. My man. <laughs> so I don't, I don't see him making any different changes. So I think he's very handsome. So I have enjoyed his company. <laughs> but last, last time I was with him, I found myself not even to be enjoy, able to enjoy him physically, really. Like, I'm just looking at a picture. So what's the point of this? Yeah. So wait, so how long did it take you? That's what they were trying to get at. How long did it take you to generally? It's not. Like, why are you guys acting like this is some kind of science? I barely saw this guy. Like, I saw this guy. I, we've probably collectively been on, like, 10 dates. No, I'm not. We're not talking about the specific situation, but just generally. It speaking, depends. Like, how long does the, the other guy? We went on our first date, and he was like, "What are you doing tomorrow?" And we hung out all weekend, and it was like whirlwind. And he like love bombed me, love to be bomb. honest. Good. And it was it was immediately like, "Oh my god, this is a thing." I was, you know, he had a housewarming, like two weeks into our relationship, where I was there, like, kind of as his girlfriend, and. We went to his co-worker's house party at, in, like, PG County with a bunch of old married oh, people and kids, one. like, that's one weekend. Like, it was it was all of this stuff. It felt like a, a lot and serious and fast and intimacy. And, yeah, I felt, like, very easily, very quickly. I was like, well, I can't really entertain Travel Guy because this is often running to the races. And it felt lovely, you know. You know, and that was that. Was that. And then... And, yeah. Do we put too much of an emphasis on um, dating in ter- instead of just building a, a I don't know a relationship a friendship with somebody? Just seeing like, hey, listen, I'm gonna just go out with you. We 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 not gonna call it a date or nothing like that. You somebody in my life. I spend time with you when I want to spend time, and then it just kind of naturally progresses to like, oh, you know what? I think we should go here with it. You feel no. like we put that- no, you don't think so. <laughs> What's the point of that? What do you mean? But you never stop dating the person you're with regardless. So I think that's why I asked, when do we know when that switch happens? Oh, that's really insightful. Because I, I, the one thing I had to learn, because Brianna, even you saying like, oh, you're like my, may he rest in peace. He was a very physical touch person. That's not me for my own traumas that I experienced. I was not that way. So I feel like most people are incompatible when it comes to their love languages. It's all about learning how to speak that language. And so being honest and open and communicative about that. Yeah, that's what I did on my last date. I told him, I think our, what's your love language minus touch? And we are not compatible. Because even though I literally just told you minus touch, you were like sitting here on the sofa, like a uh, sparkle. (laughs) You guys have to make those in school. (laughs) It's just like saying like, hey, this is, I had to get really specific and be like, okay, because he would tell me I touch, but I don't think in touch. I'm like, oh, that doesn't count when I do this. He'd be like, no, do this. And then that <laughs> helped me. Like, it literally yeah. feels silly, but it's like, that's Yeah, no, Day, I hear you. I did that. Like, this oh, is very okay. elementary. Like, I don't, I don't have problems communicating with people. The point is that I dated him and did it subtly and built it up and built it up. And to the last time we were together, I was like, this is this is what I need. And he's like staring at me blankly. And I'm like, that's fine. And I left. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. not really about him because I don't think this is going to work based on what you said. But right, it's like, just saying, like I think that people we have to remember to continue the dating process throughout, and that's why I was focused on 
how do we know when that transition happens? Do you just kind of know the way Cynthia was saying, you intrinsically feel, hey, we should be this thing or? Yeah, you have a conversation about being exclusive. Gotcha. It's, like, it's, I, okay. it's yeah. Cause I guess I want to be your boyfriend. I want to be your girlfriend. I want to be together. Yeah, I want to make an Instagram But if official. someone doesn't tell you that, you're not automatically doing that. That's where you're at right now. No, I mean, I think that people should have conversations if they're going to be sexually intimate about exclusivity and people's understandings of it. Mm-hmm. But, you well, know, like for safety reasons. That conversation with you telling you, like, I want to exclusively see you, then you're not, you don't automatically just do that without them saying it. No, not okay. not not okay. in this day and age. Absolutely not. Okay, well, so that's what I did. Like, I I enjoyed I enjoyed the first day with it, the second day with it. The, I enjoyed it so much that I started having exit interviews with whoever else I was like. <laughs> yeah, to, totally, to, like, totally. No, like I don't even want to. And she, we did. I didn't have no communication with her about it. I was just like, I know within my own head, she's so everything that I don't even want to talk to know, but I would feel like I'm cheating, even though I know I'm technically not since we didn't establish anything, but, but I felt like that, you know? Yeah, totally. Totally. And that's, I mean, that's a little bit, I mean, here's the thing. That's what the other guy did. The guy that I would have chosen did. He immediately deleted the apps and was like, I ended everything else. All the other women I was seeing, you know, again, extremely misleading and frustrating given that he ended up ending things. Um, But you know, he, he did that. And at the time, like I had, I was love bombed in my last relationship. My, the, the toilet cleaning guy, <laughs> you know, Jill, Jill Steinboder oh, <laughs> you know, with all this stuff. And so I was very reserved. I was like, this feels really good. I love what you're saying to me. This feels right and good, but I got to say, this, it's been like one week. <laughs> Can we just pump the brakes a little bit? It's been two weeks. Can we just pump the brakes a little bit? Like, I just need a little bit of time before I'm willing to cut everybody off and do all of this stuff with you. And, you know, at the time when I was ready to do that, he changed his mind. Mm. I, I feared that because when, when my last person, like, not to be telling all my business, because I was talking to somebody else before I met him, but it was clear, like, hey, we can kind of what you're doing, thing, we can talk to other people. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was so sure about me up front. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God. So I actually understand that feeling of paralysis. Like, yo, 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 yo. And I did fear, what if when I'm ready to do it, he'd be like, well, screw you. He didn't do that, thankfully. Um, and it helped that the other person was out of town for, like, a month. So I could just exclusively focus on him. Exactly. He, he travels a lot. It was easy for me. <laughs> exactly. It, it ended up working out. So it worked out. But, no, I, I honestly agree. I don't think... Mm, Men aren't necessarily trash. You've established that. I think. (laughs) But I think that, you know, you just haven't met that person and then try to bring the positivity and like. Yeah, evidently. Yeah. But the thing is, the thing is, I think just keeping your mindset focused on the fact that it's like, don't allow your. You said bitter is a natural emotional response to things that happen to you. And I agree, but bitter should be a checkpoint to better. And so don't allow bitter to keep you there because I'm a strong believer that if you stay in that space, it will cause you to subconsciously bring people in that are not going to serve you or disappoint you in the end. doesn't mean they're bad people. They'll just disappoint you. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in that. 
I don't believe that when I was 19 years <laughs> old and got my heart broken for the first time, it was because I was bitter. And then when I was 29 years old and got my heart broken, it's because I was bitter. And then I was, when I was, you know, 33 years old and got my heart broken, it was because I was bitter. <laughs> no, are you, are I wasn't bitter jealous? until life experiences <laughs> happened. You know, that's ridiculous. Come on, guys. Like, no, this is ridiculous. Dave, that was re- very well said. I don't think Brie should be shitting on it like that. No, <laughs> I, can, I don't think it's shitting on it. I, I, again, like, I, isn't it just, I, I, I just think that it should be welcomed as, uh, I know this is annoying. I know this like crystal mommy shit is annoying, but honestly, like I feel this way. Like I think that it should be welcomed as like, what do I have to learn here? Like, what do I have to see about myself here? What am I like understanding about the other person about myself? Maybe I'm like a, like just welcoming it as like a more, a, a, like a doorway to kind of under, maybe like she under. Don't want oh, that. She want a man. She want her kid. Right. Well, that's, like, that's care of, okay? that's, maybe that's the problem though. Like maybe that's the issue. Is like because well, not that you want a relationship or that you your seat you desire connection, which is ultimately like what love it. You know, romantic love. It's like this other level of connection. Um, but like, and again, you, you, okay, so maybe you don't subscribe to this. So I apologize that I subscribe to the notion that like we attract and bring in like, like minded, you know, or I mean, look at this group here. It's like you, you kind of bring in those same similar people that are on the same kind of like vibration as you or like where you're at. So I just think it's really interesting that you brought in these men that perhaps in some way are like not necessarily fully able to be there in the way that you need them or, you know, are ambivalent in, in, in certain aspects. So I think just like looking at it as like, Hmm, like, what does this, what does this mean? You know, like what, you know, if I were to be really honest, I think it's that the same thing that happens in my friendships that people think I'm invulnerable, that people see women who are successful and can do things as not needing to be taken care of. I think that happens, especially to black women. Mm. And I think that they feel confident in leaving then they want to go and take care of some little bird somewhere and no one, no one, you know, you know, I'm not, that is just what it is. That's deep. How are your friends? Not to be, how are your friendships? That, are you, do you have long lasting friendships? Yeah. But, but like, the, the thing that ends up happening in a lot of my friend dynamics, and we all talk about this, you know, to each other as well, because we're, we're all similar in this regard because we're all like high achievers and, you know, my, my college friends and stuff. Yeah. It's like, they, everyone kind of feels victimized all the time and like no one is standing up for them. Like they all, everyone feels like no one can see them as vulnerable because to the outside world in so many respects, they are invulnerable and they are all impressive and they all are so loquacious and able to stick up for themselves. That there are these dynamics that emerge in the group where everyone's feeling like they're getting ganged up on um, because we, you know, they, they are, their vulnerability becomes invisible because of all of their capacities. Hmm. And um you know, I in particular in in the group feel like because I am not like a public crier type, I'm not like, you know, especially in college when it was closer to my father's passing, I didn't talk about it, all of those kinds of things. And I still have a lip. Nobody, you know, everybody's just assumed I was fine. And the people felt like they could yell at me and like say mean things to me and that it wasn't going to hurt me because I could like handle it. And I used to resent that a lot in the friend group. And obviously we're like 20 years past that. And, you know, but I think that oftentimes in these relationships, like I see, you know, That's real. I'm not, you know, I am, they, they leave and they think I'm going to be fine and I am going to be fine, but I'd prefer not to be. 
Well, like what you just said, though, speaks volumes. And it's like, because when I, this is the first time in my life where life has forced me to be vulnerable beyond my comfort level. And it made me realize that I wasn't giving people, including my partner, the opportunity to let me, to envelop me in my vulnerability. I don't, I wasn't even allowing myself to be vulnerable in a way that people could love me from that space because I always felt I had to be on, I had to be successful, I had to be perfect or whatever the case, I always felt like I couldn't even let people do that because the few times I've done it, I've been disappointed and hurt. And so to hear you say that to me is so thought provoking because I do think unfortunately black women are viewed, cause black girl magic is real, but it's like, does that then give you guys not give you the space to experience the full range of human emotion. But that's the thing. I in my I find relationships to be the best, safest space to be really vulnerable and honest. And I don't you can say, Oh, I'm bitter. Like I don't stop doing that. And that's what gotcha. the betrayal is. The betrayal is I keep signing up for this. It's not like, oh my God, you're bitter, you're changing your behavior. No, my behavior isn't changing. I know mm-hmm. I'm walking knowingly into the lion's den again. I'm doing it again. I will do it again. But the reality is it's bullshit and I fully know it's coming and it comes and I'm like, told you so. But like, it's not like I'm not doing it, but it's, it's frustrating because I find the relationship to be, I don't know, the place I'm most comfortable actually being vulnerable. And I feel like like the guy telling me, toilet brush telling me that I might not be a good mother because I've admitted to him all my insecurities about my executive function. And you use that against me <laughs> after I made this confession to you about my fears about getting my life together like that to me is like that's the betrayal you know that's trash but i get confused then making the distinction between because you said two things one Uh is that you recognize it's trash and then it ends up being trash which we would call a self-fulfilling prophecy which you don't subscribe to but then making that (laughs) distinction between you said my behavior hasn't changed and i'm like well how would your behavior not change to Uh be able to recognize because either even if your behavior is as simple as I'm saying my willingness to be vulnerable hasn't changed. So like, for example, with the last guy, I told him to pump the brakes, which is not something I did with toilet cleaner guy. (laughs) Like I, like he wanted to be in an exclusive relationship and be boyfriend and girlfriend. And I would not, I I would not let him do that. You know, I was, I was not going to be his girlfriend after one week, you know, with toilet guy, I, I let it happen that way. Do you think it's possible that for the per- toilet person, it was the wrong thing to do, but for the other person, it might've been the right thing? No, okay. I don't. I think okay. he's up as a, as a 41 year old with a pattern of behavior of bailing on people, <laughs> just like he bailed on his last girlfriends. And, you know, I think that it's not a coincidence that right as I was about to be like, let's do this. As I pulled closer, he pulled away. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think he, he likes, he likes the chase. And he likes uh-huh. being able to express himself in these big, bold ways without actually having to manifest it in a commitment. I told him many times, like, if you ever give me a moratorium on Travel Guy, because I, I mean, I told them about each I mean, I'm not, this was not <laughs> duplicitous. I said, if you ever told me, like, because me, I wouldn't be comfortable with this. At the level of intimacy that we got to, I wouldn't have been comfortable with him going on dates with other women. I, I, I couldn't have been me. And I told him, like, if you ever gave me, like, a, an ultimatum, I would let the other guy go. And he would like, like laugh and like, just it would go past, we would move past it. And over time I came to realize, like, I think that he is enjoying, he, he is fi- fi- finding protection in this other guy existing because mm-hmm. he has now changed his mind about whether or not he wants to be exclusive. And this is like a safety valve yeah. for both of us. And a competition. 
people, a lot of men, men always love too, competition and knowing the fact that they, they outwon the yes. other guy, even if it's, if, even if you're not the real prize, the real prize is winning and that's trash. Yeah. Well, that's but, the thing. Like I, this is yeah, a person but, who I think is a good oh, person, a nice person who had a million wonderful qualities, obviously that I wanted in my life. But at the end of the day, like all of these guys, except for my ex-fiance, who's a real piece of shit, all these <laughs> other guys I'll say are like lovely people who have integrity and values and, you know, in their minds, I'm sure they broke up with me in the best ways possible and there's no good breakups and yada, yada, Elizabeth Bronte. But at the end of the day, they chose their choices and he is going to go date who now? Exactly. Being a good person doesn't always make you a good partner, though. And people conflate that a lot, I feel like. Right. But that, but that's not, I mean, but day. But, oh, no, not saying you. I'm just saying, like, you don't even have to, like, brush that stroke of the people because you wouldn't have dated, you wouldn't even entertain them if you didn't think they were at least a good person. These men clearly have a lot of things. If they're having commitment issues. Yeah, but a lot of people date people who partner. aren't good people. Like, I feel like it's, we, there was a whole colloquy on here a little while ago about people who were dating, like, actual bad people who are manipulative and cruel and, you know, we're, We would think we're and, vibrating on a higher frequency than that at this point, granted. You're well, you, it, right? If you were just dating bad people, we would have a whole different and, and again, it just completely absolves you. I'm not saying you. I'm saying people. It absolves people of looking at why they were attracted to this person in the first place. On what levels did they find a kind of connection? On what levels did they even get off on certain negative pleasure from you know being in kind of like a toxic relationship i'm not saying you i'm just saying you know people oh, you me? I did. I well I, I have too you know and it's like so easy to point the finger at the other part but it's always two people within a relationship and to not you know to be able to uh, to be able to look at it as like a because you know as judge judy says like you picked him you picked him so it's like why why did it to, to allow it to be sort of a learning experience to find out more about like a deeper sort of questioning about yourself and like what is it you know that I maybe need to even learn here about myself or what do I have to assess or reconcile within myself what do I have to look for in terms of like maybe reassessing my desires or where I'm at or what I'm wanting or who I am you know what I mean her bar is at the ground she said she said her bar is at the ground well hell at this point Brie pick the bar back up because if the bar is at the ground pick the bar back up because, because the, the, my, the point that I'm trying to make is that I am making those reassessments. That's exactly the whole point I've been make, talking about for four hours. That there, that there were any like values that I thought I need. I'm reevaluating whether I, I do need them and is kind of like, oh, this, that, and the other, or are these the real things that I should prioritize. And I do that after every relationship, after my ex-fiance, I realized that having integrity was the number one thing I needed because he had none. Hmm. <laughs> so all the guys since then have had integrity. But there's other things and, you know, there's, and now it is this ephemeral, the, the pattern that has now emerged that these people ultimately want to be married to me at least. And, or, I mean, none of them are married regardless, you know. But they've expressed to you that they don't No, I mean, so the, the one that was my fave, oh. um, I think that he is not a marriage person. That's on me. So is that, that's what you're wanting at this moment. You're like, I want a committed monogamous relationship that eventually leads to marriage. That is something that you're wanting. Yeah. I want to be with someone for the rest of my life. Yeah. I, I'm not, who's sitting around being like, oh, I want to be with someone for exactly two years and four months. <laughs> Listen, I'm with you on that, Brie. I'm with you on that. 
I, I go with what Crystal Mama's saying, man. Not Crystal Mama. I'm, I'm going with in terms of just attracting. <laughs> well, what she's saying is ain't about, like, attracting certain energy based off of, like, what's going on within us. Like, you know, for me, uh, you know, my daddy got killed when I was 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother died a couple years after that. What I noticed that I started doing was that I didn't want to deal with my own stuff. So what I started attracting is people who had a lot of baggage and I wanted to help them in a way where like mm-hmm. that I didn't feel like I could help myself. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, and I that noticed thing. that and it was a little problematic, you know, because especially when you're trying to build like relationships off of like things that I'm missing within myself. Um, it, 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 it I wasn't dealing with myself is what I'm trying to say. Yes. So Sylvester, it sounds like you're telling Brie, Brie, are there areas in your life where you're not as committed as you should be, like cleaning or working out, et cetera? Are there things that you could be committing to that could then permeate that energy of commitment? Yeah, I'm moving to a new apartment in two weeks. We love to see it. Listen, in two weeks, you might be living next door to that, to to all of three of them, okay? Yeah, maybe he'll be rich too because this is a kind of a nice building. Yeah, like I, 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 that's the thing. I go to the gym every day. Like I, I get better all the time. <laughs> like, so like I learn to cook. I get gym. cleaner. My apartment gets better looking. Everything in my life gets better every year. Uh, so I don't know what to tell friend. anybody. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm on an upswing. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to tell everybody else. Did, did you? Did you always serial date though, or was that as a re- was that a result of like I put my eggs in one basket one time and it burned me and I'm just like you know what I'm not gonna do that anymore and now serial I'm date is a put- oh yeah this is new like I mean no I mean I, I there have been times when I've met someone immediately wanted like the guy is my favorite um, from a couple boyfriends ago we dated for a little under three years and he. Uh, the one who's just is like not marriage minded. I was smitten. You were telling your story about how you walked in and saw him the first time. I walked in this restaurant and he was sitting there reading this autobiography of Thurgood Marshall, wearing this blue chambray shirt with his long, beautiful tan neck sticking up out of it. He had just gotten back from a vacation. And he looked up at me and I said, holy, holy smokes, this man is just the most handsome thing I've ever seen. And then he was so charming and delightful and brilliant. That I was immediately like, I had been seeing someone else, canceled, canceled, canceled. I just wanted to be with him. And I I was like, look, we need to be exclusive now. And he was like, Brianna, like, slow, pump the brakes. But I, I talked him down in like three weeks. <laughs> and, I, you know, I, I just, sometimes, sometimes you feel that way. Like, sometimes, like, you do. And then sometimes it's, a, you know, you got, you don't, it's not clear as immediately. So with him, like, I didn't serial a date. Or I did a little bit because I felt like I had to because he wasn't ready to be exclusive at first. So I, you know, went on another date with the other guy, which was a little unfortunate because he's a really nice guy. But I was my heart wasn't in it, obviously, anymore. And it ended up being not a good time. Um, but, you know, these days, like I'm bored, guys. Oh. Like also some of this is like I'm some of these days I'm going on not because I think there's going to be a love connection. Like the guy, the six four guy, he's so sweet. I, I'm not laboring under the misapprehension that it's a love connection. He's cute oh, and kind and like a good kisser. Like what else is there? Like I'm just it's a long weekend. Is there, is there a vibe? Yeah, so you wasted why are you wasting he's, I'm, I'm, he's fine. He's not get yours. Why are you wasting this case? Didn't you no. just say that people always telling you that you fine? It's been two be days. It's two dates. <laughs> 
now, but on the flip side, you are saying that I already know this ain't it. I'm yeah, with him, I know that's not it. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, but let's not use that defense now. If you know, you know what it is. Like, yeah, but I'm not. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not gonna see him more than like one more time, maybe. Do you know what I mean? Damn, I hope he's not in the. Ch- I hope he's not in the room. Why, no. but, why, but why? Why do we have to look at relationships too, even like romantic or sexual or friendship wise? In these like black and white binary, like I just see everything on like a spectrum. Like you have people, you know, way over here who it's like, oh my god, I'm totally in love with you. I want to marry you. Like then you have people over here that you know you're at a party and you can barely make small talk with them and it's grating as hell. Then you have a lot of people who are like kind of in between that where it's like I feel somewhat of a connection with you or like I'm attracted to you sexually but like I don't see it going past you know maybe a couple of fun times or maybe a co- and like what's wrong with that like I feel I like- don't think there's anything wrong with that he's well, delightful well right I'm, I'm just encouraging you know versus <laughs> this like oh well he's not the one you know so it's like well maybe I'm not, I didn't say that. Well, you don't no, keep trying to get me to define people. I, I'm just having a good time. I'm not saying you. I'm just I, saying, like, culture in general, yeah, I, I think, in the way that we understand, like, connection with different people and, like, how, what we should pursue and what we should not based on, like, well, what do you want ultimately? And do you want to marry them ultimately? You know, it's like, why not? Like, just- yeah, I don't I don't know. It's called dating. You guys are the ones that seem to be having trouble with this concept of dating. No, I encourage the dating. I, I'm the one who's like, don't don't worry about marriage. Just go and enjoy. No, no one's worried about marriage. Certainly nobody's trying to marry. I mean, worried about marriage with this fellow who, you know. You just I, but, but, but I, I'm like going to spend time with him because obviously, like, you guys are like sitting, you're, you're not, and not hearing me. You're like, oh, but you're so rigid. I'm literally not rigid. I'm going out with people who are not folks that would meet my list but i'm giving them a shot i'm going out with this guy because he's really sweet and kind and i said that those are my priorities so let's just go out with this guy even though he doesn't meet a lot of the other things because he's kind and sweet and he's cute and there's no skin off my back to spend time with him and figure out if there's some aspect of this kind of dynamic that i've been missing because i've been looking at these more acerbic you know highly you know hyper educated you know academic types okay i'm gonna spend more time with him He's lovely. He has a three-bedroom house. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and I don't think you're doing anything wrong. I think it's just simply, unfortunately, when it's supposed to happen. Because I think, like, fundamentally, you're able to separate having having people in the roster for fun while in the pursuit. And some people, like me, I, I don't, once I know that that's, there's nothing there, I have no, that's just not my approach. Like, I, I, I don't want to be sexual with anybody or do anything until, like, I'm on that path of, like, you're this person. And I think that's fine. So I think sometimes it's like, hey, I didn't expect my dude to be dead, and he is. And so now it's like, oh, I got to start all over again. So I think sometimes we just, life ends up happening to a place where it's like, I don't know if or when I'll ever be in a relationship again. Mm -hmm. And so I think it all boils down to we should always be self-assessing and clearing out, being the best version of ourselves. And then when it's meant for it to make, when it makes sense, it's like my favorite go-to phrase for everything. Like someone's like, when yeah. can we hang out? When it makes sense. Yeah, um, because, and I think when it makes sense for you, it'll happen. Yeah. The weight just mm, sucks. Yes or no. Yes and no. Yes and no. I think that that's like fine generalized advice. But I also do think that I, uh, I want someone who can understand and understand me enough to value me. And that is difficult because I have qualified into a realm. (laughs) I have like, you know, created myself. I have turned myself into a person that is had such a narrow 
realm of life experiences that it's fewer and fewer people who I think who can really understand me enough to make me feel really seen. And that just is what it is. It's gonna. It's harder for me. I think it is well, the harder for me. Uh, I feel small. You can do though, right? Uh-huh. You're speaking. I mean, obviously, there's a, a racial component for you as well, but and also what I said, what I told you earlier, what I resonated with what you said earlier on the pod is like, it, it is difficult, I think, for women for like, especially if you're this kind of, you know, <laughs> assertive, Super you woman. know, kind of aggressive, very highly intelligent woman, because again, we're circling back to the very beginning of the conversation. It's like, I feel like there are not a lot of men who are necessarily uh, open to that. Or, or even if they're open to it, they don't value it. So yeah. a pair of legs walks by and they, they'll value that, you know, like to me, like I chose the less conventionally attractive guy in the last couplet, you know, the, you the really travel guy is super that. hot in my <laughs> entire type the couplet. And, and the other guy was, was not at all my type physically why, at all. Why, why hang with him then? Like, he became my type because I fell for him and I thought he was beautiful once I fell for him. Okay. What okay. do you mean by value though? I guess that when you say you want someone to value, like guys will value a pair of legs, I, what do you I, mean I, by that? I, I there's not the male version of that situation I was in. I just don't believe would really ever happen. There's well, no world where you're, you know, you're dating, you know, some guy is dating like, I don't know. I can't even name actresses right now. Margot Martindale. And then suddenly here comes JLo. I don't know. I'm just coming up with names. I can't even think. And he's like, no, I have such wonderful, good times and substantive conversation with Margot Martindale. I'm going with her. Like, I just, I think it's less likely to happen with men. I made that choice. And to me, Margot Martindale was the most beautiful man (laughs) because I felt like I fell for him. But like when I first walked up to him on our first date, I was like, oh my God, what did I do? I have to get through the next 45 minutes. See, oh God, I I don't. Well, I do believe that. that belief system isn't. It's self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, because like it for does. me, like I I definitely understand. Because to, to me, this is my definition of how love goes. I do believe that you can love multiple people, but who I choose to be with is a choice. So once I choose them, yes, there's always going to be other attractive people. But I can't believe that my partner is going to leave me just because they see it's not a belief. Guy. I'm just telling you what's happened. What your experience is. I'm not. It's not a belief. I'm just literally telling you what's happened. Okay, but then that doesn't. <laughs> but okay, but literally. I mean, this goes back to even be. This goes. This yeah. goes back to even. And you can't do anything about it, so you just go on, and I'm dating. You know what I mean? Like you guys right, are talking but, to me like I'm one of those women who's like, ah, I can't date anymore. I'm gonna sit at home and like I just can't do this. And th- literally, that's no. not like I don't know what you're trying to talk yeah. me into. That's not the case. No, it's not the case. It's not the case in your actions, but there's I can still feel you know there's like an undercurrent of like of disappointment, which I'm not saying you're not legitimizing. I'm not happening. supposed to be disappointed. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. And look at this. No, guys, I think it's so toxic the way women are constantly told (laughs) that they're not allowed to have an emotional response to the things that have happened to them in a romantic context, or else that means that they don't deserve love down the line because it's just bringing negativity back to themselves. That is so toxic. No, I didn't say that. that, I'm not saying that it's not that your feelings are not legitimate. They're 100% legitimate. Look at the fucking progressives. We are legitimately disappointed. We have every reason to be disappointed, but like 
what keeps what keeps you continuing to seek something it's like there's got, it's like there's something within you within us that believe like again i'm not trying to sound like fucking oprah no i am trying to sound like oprah okay i am gonna <laughs> own it money, i okay? feel own it I am. I mean, this is honestly, I knew Marianne Williamson before politics because I like really, you know, she's on that vibe. It's like, I, I truly believe that like you, if you can conceive of something, like you have this desire within you. I mean, why would baby Jesus be so cruel to like give you that desire and not have anything out there that can like match it or that can like you know, be possible for you. And I think that especially for women like us, it's like, God, how can I find a man, you know, or any kind of man who is like fit within that pool or has that, has those sort of qualities or sensibilities that will value me as such. But like, I feel like the sense that you, you want that means that it it is out there and maybe you just haven't like come across it yet, or you've come across. Yeah, I think that's obviously what it is. I don't, I you have to just believe in the uh, Of course I do. I'm going on three days a week and you're telling me that I don't believe in love? I, no, I mean, I like, just, wait, wait, guys, guys, like, I need you guys to really stop and listen to yourself. I just told you that I had an incredibly promising date last night and I can't wait to meet this man. And you guys are sitting here lecturing me about what exactly? I'm so optimistic about this date that I had yesterday. You, you, I and you guys are telling me what exactly? Idea, I think she's saying remove the idea that this is going to be the inevitable, which is what something. I, no, 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 no. I didn't say it's inevitable. I, when did I say the word inevitable? You did not use the word inevitable. When did I imply that, that it's inevitable that a man will leave? I'm telling you that there is a pattern of behavior that suggests to me that there are many men who have this characteristic out there in the world. And that's frustrating. And we're at an academic context analyzing why we think that's the case socially. And I have drawn on some of my personal experiences to make the point. That is not to say I believe it is inevitable that men will leave because otherwise why on earth would I be the one that's actually signing up for this over and over and over again? Well, I would like to apologize because the way that it was, the way that at least to me and maybe everyone else can disagree, it came across as if you, which is why we brought up self-fulfilling prophecy, the way you were describing through your experiences, it was as if that then became your belief that this is what will happen. Even because people can still go on dates, it doesn't. Just like you said, you're bored, you want to do that. So all of that, none of those things are mutually exclusive. Like you cannot believe in something and still be doing whatever with people. And that's why I think we were trying to drill down like, well, what is it that you're really thinking about your prospects of what you're doing. So like going back to what I said, then if I'm understanding you correctly, your Theodore could be at this new place in two weeks. And so just keep doing what you're doing <laughs> and it's going to happen because I think at this point, unless we're just addressing what's the social reasons for things, which is still a great valid question, that's very separate than what's happening in Bree's dating life or anybody's specific individual situation. And I don't think that the fundamental social issues will really fix themselves anytime soon. So we all have to pray we get fortunate to meet that diamond in the rough. And I'd like to think that it's less diamond in the rough than we give it credit for, even though I love to say men are trash sometimes. Mm, because isn't it, again, better, isn't it better for it to be a diamond in the rough? Because then it's like an actually special find versus like, what if every man was a diamond in the rough? I mean, like, no, I would love that. I believe that every man is for every person. No, because this is this is what I said before. I think that what makes people unique. I I don't think there's one person. I I I have been in love too many times, sincerely and overwhelmingly, to feel like 
it's just one person. What made those people distinct and what made the heartbreak of the breakup was that we lost, like we shared those experiences and and it's been years with someone doing all of these intimate things and having all these intimate moments and they were privy to an aspect of your life that nobody else saw. And then I just can never talk about that again until I die. Like no one else was there. It's just, it feels like a loss, you know? And it's like, whatever you get over it, but the time is what makes somebody special. The time is what makes someone irreplaceable. I agree, but we can't, unfortunately, we can't, no matter what happens, time is the one thing that we have no control over. So it sucks because you could find that person and, I mean, not to be morbid, and they can literally be gone. So that part of it. Yeah. Yes, but that that's what's part of driving my rush. And then that's why I was saying, to me, it's not bio- it's not about ticking a biological clock or anything. It's a ticking literal clock. of I, None of us knows how many years we're going to be on this earth. And... It would be a heart, like, I, I, I have, uh-huh. I feel a desire for someone to know me in the fullest possible way. And that is to meet me as young as possible. And young is now off the table. But, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's there. I have done so much already. I am so fully formed already that it is, it is sad to me. Like my, the, the partner that I liked so much, who was like my fave, you know, his, his mom died during our relationship. Okay. Toward the end of our relationship, although I obviously didn't know it was going to be the end of our relationship. And I was close to them and I I loved her and I thought she was wonderful. And it was obviously very difficult. And I remember reflecting on my own experience of losing a father and thinking I would would be so attached to someone who knew him. You know what I mean? Like that, that, that knowledge, it would mean so much to me to be able to be with someone who knew him. And that, that didn't seem, that didn't clock at all for him. Like he didn't care. You know, it was difficult for me. Like, not that he had to be with me just because I was having to be the woman he dated when that tragedy befell him. But it, it just was very interesting to me that we, like, it just, all of the time, right? But, like, especially that time in his life for there to be, have been no attachment around it. Like, to me, it's just very different. People operate differently. Maybe I was a, a, an unhappy reminder of that time. And that's part of why he had to go away. Who knows? But it's just, it's. Yeah, no, that, that almost made me cry. That almost made me cry, you know, just because I think about my brother, I think about my dad. and it's, You can try to, like, explain them to people, but it's just, like, they wasn't yeah. there yeah. during that time, and you can't you can't recreate that. They already missed that moment. Yeah. And, like, the more life keeps on going by, the more moments people keep on missing. Like, you moving into this new place. Yep. Whoever that you end up being with probably not going to know about the process it was to move into that right. new place. And all the exactly. Yeah, I hear you. Exactly. Of other people that do, I guess, because for me, I, I totally understand. And that's something I've actually had to think through. Like, oh my gosh, I'd have to explain Soren to somebody now. Like, they don't know the great man that he is. Yeah. But it's kind of like, I have friends that knew him. And I can keep that bond. Because I'm like, you talk about time. And I'm like, if God forbid something were to happen tomorrow, with these people you said you loved before, would that not be enough? Like, when does it make, do you have to die in that committed relationship for you to feel as if you did it versus I, like, I can truly say it. the only person I thought I'd love before, but the only person I truly love is no longer here. And I can truly say if I died tomorrow, knock on wood, I got to experience that. And for yeah. me, that's enough, but maybe that's not enough for you. Well, no, it's because I'm I, right now I'm alive. It's not about what happens when I die. It's what, it's that I'm alive right now. And then I want to bounce things off people and have like, like I was watching, I've mentioned on the show, this show, Love Life, that I loved That's for great. lots oh, of reasons. Season, so good. The second season is so good. So a lot of the scenes are set right 
next to my old apartment, including there's a bar they keep going to called Fiddlesticks that I used to live above. And so there are all these scenes that are set on my old street, walking by um, the that park from Sex in the City where Miranda got married. It was at Jefferson Square Park, <laughs> like my whole neighborhood, all bars I used to go to. Like, and so I watched Love Life. So much about the substance of the show also resonated with my life. And I'm thinking of who was with me at the time and who could validate those experiences. So obviously I screen grabbed and I sent it to my friends who know about apartment. But who I really wanted to talk to about it was that ex, that, that same ex. Mm-hmm. And he ended up DMing me about it. Oh my God. He's like, by the way, have you seen this show? And when he DMed <laughs> me about it, like on Instagram, I remember in that, in that moment, I became angry because I was like, this is what I wanted. But also he has a girlfriend. Like this isn't like a romantic thing. Mm-hmm. And oh, it's sure, like, yeah. on one level, I was like, yeah, this was a great experience we shared and you ruined it. And now you want to commiserate <laughs> while you're off in Wisconsin with this you woman. Like, yeah, like, I, like, what is it? What is this doing? Like, I wanted to share this with you. This is just like, Everyone was rooting right, like, for you. <laughs> this is a shadow of the of the of the of the you know simpatico that we could have had, and so I like just didn't even respond because gotcha. I, I had nothing nice to say. Like I could feel myself, my fingers about to r- ramp up and text him a bunch of well, if you really wanted to be like this, and I was like, Brianna, you know, it just stop, just Some close the tab, don't say anything. <laughs> I think I'm very good at that makes total sense. I guess it's a different way of looking at it because I'm kind of the type of person where it's like I'm a loyal person. Like if I have a friend that we were friends for 10 years and we're not friends anymore, I can still look at the 10 years and that capsule is beautiful mm-hmm. to me. So if they reach out to me, like I have people do that. Like, hey, I thought of you and it's something that fit in that 10 years. It can bring me joy and I still recognize you don't need to be in my life. So I get that fulfillment that you're speaking of without having a continued relationship with that person. But if I needed what you needed, I could totally understand how it would be disappointing. So thank you for enlightening me on a different viewpoint. <laughs> mm, I feel yeah, like I mean, maybe you didn't, I think it's maybe different if I had chosen to break up that relationship or, you know, but that was not my choice. You were ultimately, I don't know. I think you're getting to the, the, the real, like, you know, the deeper stuff of like what is informing Mm-hmm. maybe like the undercurrent of like anxiety or fear that is there, you know, having to deal with, like you said, your father's death. I mean, it's really interesting that all four of us that are, you know, on the call right now have all experienced like death closely. That's sort of, you know, you, it undoubtedly informs how you approach relationships. Right. So it's mm-hmm. like interesting that you perhaps you don't have like the ticking clock of like the baby necessarily, but there's like also this aspect of ticking clockness within like life experience in a relationship. Um, yeah, there, de- there definitely is. And I, that's not, you know, right or wrong. Like it's not somebody's obligation, right? Like that's my issue, not theirs. Yeah. Um, but I do know about myself is that I'm looking for the time. I am looking for a kind of unconditionalness to the love, which Can is also, oh. and that's, and that's my own problem because oh. I, I also do engage in some testing behaviors like same like like you said I'm a pill oh. right like when I tell people every you know I'm like I'm messy and I'm, I'm like telling them all of the bad stuff up front part of that is because I want them to stop love bombing me part of that is because I'm trying to guard against feeling like the love is very conditional when they ultimately break up with me for these reasons mm. and it, it's it's it feels to me more like disclosure than a test but ultimately it does feel like a failed test at the end of the day when I'm like god like nothing's even hard. We didn't have a kid who was, has an illness or 
you know, all of the things that happen in life that are so difficult. And like, you're, you're this upset with me. <laughs> you're this stressed because there's socks on the floor. Well, it's, it's not, if it's hysterical, then it's historical. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe what, it's. So, what so, you said, Brie, is sticking with me though, because like you said yeah. something so powerful and I don't mean to massage this in a way that's uncomfortable. So if it is, forgive me, but like just the idea of, unfortunately you lost your father so young. And that's a relationship and a, I look at things as different chess that you can only have that with one person. And so it actually, there to me, there's like a through line with that and wanting to have a person where you have time because you were you know robbed of that essentially. All of us on this call were. And so oh, having, now it actually makes more sense to me why you have this desire to have a person that you can share memories with and continue to do it because you didn't get to have that yeah. with one person who was instrumental in your life. Because I feel that way and a, and a person that's not my parent. I couldn't fathom my parent. But like one thing that hurts me the most is I'm just like all the little moments during COVID that was just he and I, I don't have anybody to talk about that with anymore, you know? Okay. And yeah. there's so many little snippets of life that like I find myself fighting to not fade because in psychology, in my therapy, I'm learning that the same channel with which we suppress negative trauma and emotions, which I tend to do, is also what helps us store our positive memories. So the only way for me to maintain my positive memories is to fight my trauma head on. And it's so hard, but I refuse to lose him because there's so many interactions that were only he and I. And if I forget them, there's nobody for me to talk to about it. And so I... I I don't know. It's just something when you said that it just illuminated so much to me. In that yeah, moment. I think I that's that's very it. insightful that's and real. better work than any therapist that I've ever had has done. Oh, yeah. Got like, some hearts up in the air for that one. That was that. That, that I think that touched everything. Yeah. Well, look, it's uh, one ten. We've been going for five and a half hours. Uh, I really appreciate you. I really have enjoyed this little impromptu panel. You guys have been wonderful. This community is wonderful. I have some things to think about this evening. <laughs> Thank you for this space. Thank you for this space. <laughs> well, I kind of got to wash my hair because I got a date tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and we were listening. We want to hear all about it. Okay. Maybe, maybe is, it with the phone, is it with the phone, dude? Um, yeah, um, no. <laughs> Oh my god! But like, I'm willing to like if he calls and wants to set up something for tomorrow, then I am. I would really, I would rejigger my plans to prioritize him. But no, it's not with the phone, dude. That's crazy. You know, yeah. You know, I'll say, I'll just, I'll just, just be my final note. I don't need a diamond in the rough. I, if if you're a rock, but you my rock, I'm a love you. I, I like, rock. I like that. I like so, that, Sebastian. And and I'll, I'll just, I, I like clearing energy. And I just feel like when I got a lot of different energy, it's hard for me to be intentional and unconditional and unconditional with an individual. So that's my two cents. You know, that's my two cents. If you need a little pocket change, my food for thought if you hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna leave it at that. I Thank I you, I appreciate that. I appreciate you all. I hope that you all you know, are already following the show. If you like what Day and Cynthia and Sylvester had to say, follow them also on this app and you'll be able to see when they start a room or participate in a room and all that stuff. This has been a very long episode with a lot of amazing nuggets in it. So if you would help me out, 
by clipping the poignant parts. You can, there's a transcript that gets created when I publish this episode. You can scroll through and search for yourself and search for, you know, the, the good moments. If you can clip them in this app, it allows you to clip them in the app, and I can push them to social media, and other people can get a sense of what we're doing, all the good constructive work that we're doing in this room, and we can share this this wonderful community more broadly. Uh, once again, thank you to all of you. Love you guys. Love Keep you. the faith. Love you. Thank you so much. Love you. See ya. Love y'all too. Oh. Look at that. <laughs> Washing your hair too. I thought love had to hurt to turn around, but now he's here. It's not the same. It's not the same. Oh!